It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in from the conference room, the tower of the luxurious, legendary Texas Motorplex. Man, it is going to be a whale of a show. Wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome. Thank you for being here. First and foremost, truly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, everybody here at the, the magazine, everybody at Drag Illustrated, I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We have been blessed for years to be joined by you guys every Wednesday afternoon to do what I think we do best, right? To do a, a, what we live to do, and that's talk about drag racing. So thank you, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're following along on Facebook, or you'll listen to the podcast later. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And a huge shout out to the team at the Texas Motorplex from Billy and Christy Meyer, Andy Carter, Elon Warner, everybody involved with this deal. It's really been absolutely incredible. We've gotten the royal treatment, I think, absolutely. Um, at, a, at a level that I don't know that we even deserve. It's it's pretty cool to think that we roll up. I, mean, I get, uh-oh, I got goosebumps. Uh -oh, it's early. Man, early. It's early. Shut 30 seconds, 30 seconds into the show, and I've already got goosebumps. But truly, it means so much to be welcomed in like this, to be invited to do this. We've uh, A few years ago, we were lucky. We got to do a live remote on the show of the SEMA, the SEMA show floor in Las Vegas, and it was an incredible production, a really cool deal, but not nowhere near to the level that we are, that we're doing here this week. And it's just, it's kind of a pinch me moment. I don't know if it is for you, but uh, again, I just want to thank you guys. I'm going to remind you, I see people checking in from the UF, from the UK, all over the world, all over the country. If y'all don't mind, please do us a favor, click like, click share, smash that subscribe button, join the movement. That's what we feel we're a part of here right now is that we're we're trying to do something different, trying to do something special for the sport of drag racing. We believe the conversation has to keep going, right? We, we truly believe that it's fantastic everything that happens typically on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights at the drag strip, but we've got to keep that momentum and keep that energy rolling through the week. That's where we come in. We're so happy to be here and, and we just mean it. We, we truly appreciate it. So spread the word before we dive into what's going to be an absolute, let, let's go ahead and do it. We'll start the drinking game now. Barn burner of a show. We have, we will be joined today by Clay Milliken. I don't know exactly what time's going to, uh, Clay's going to show up, but he's going to dive into the studio, have an in-studio guest right here between Mike and I. We're also going to be joined by Scotty Palmer, Billy Meyer, Christy Meyer. We've got we got a whole slew of folks who are going to join us. Al Tucci's in the house. He's right in the other room. Al's going to join us, I believe, for the last part of the show uh, during After Hours. But, man, we've got a lot to cover. But before I do, i got to check in with uh, my, my gang here, the, the squad. Mike Carpenter in studio flew, flew up, all the way down here from Charlotte to be a part of this. Murder Tundra, JT Hudson, what's up, brother? Join, Bring yourself into the program. There he is. What's, what's up? up? What's up? What's up, T? Oh, man. I wish you were here, but I tell you what, I was so proud of JT. He called me earlier this week. He said, listen, I'll drive down there right now if you want me to, but I really, we got so much stuff to do. I got all you these did. contracts that I've got to get knocked out. So 
kudos to uh, Murder Tundra for staying home and working. I we'll just be another I, uh, week behind, you know. So <laughs> might as well work a little bit. We huh? need somebody <laughs> that knows what they're doing, working the ones and twos, right? So somebody's yeah. got to. And I was actually worried that if we got you down here, that <laughs> that it would just devolve into a giant disaster because it tends to happen. It tends to happen. It's. Uh, <laughs> What's been interesting, T, is that we've been here. This is day three. We were out here Monday night. We were out here Tuesday night till the week. We were out here last night till yeah, one o'clock. We were here till one o'clock. Yeah. I mean, awesome yeah, night I, last night. Really, let's talk about, I mean, this whole deal. Let's talk about the stampede of speed. Let's talk about Texas Motorplex. I feel like this is, Motorplex was one of the original super tracks or whatever sure. you want to call it in the 80s, kind of set the stage for the new era of NHRA drag racing and drag racing in general. And I think they're doing it again. I think they're changing I, I the agree, game man. again. I, I mean, again, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting chills or whatever. Oh my but God, like, I don't have a beer. I just, I get oh, emotional boy, about this stuff. Ooh. I literally got to thinking about all this stuff last night and I got halfway teary eyed because I just, people don't, I love this stuff so much. It hurts. And when I see people like Billy Meyer, Andy Carter, Christy Meyer, everybody here at the Motorplex, Elon Warner, there's an army, TJ Bailey out there, Eric Cheeseburger in the other room. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people that truly dedicate their lives and their existence to this facility. And when I see that type of investment, right, when I see the, that kind of energy and commitment, it's just exciting. And it's hard for me personally, as someone who makes their, I don't know, living in drag racing and kind of every part of every fiber of my being is invested in this sport to see this stuff, to see the lights, to see the pyro, to see the fireworks. I mean, they're spending. I mean, it, dude, that's you awesome. guys have been here. It looks awesome. Yeah, they have not only have they done this place up, especially for this event with special paint on the track, graphics for Stampede of Speed that looks like an iron, you know, a brand, cattle brand. Uh, and then we're in this, the, the revamped tower at, uh, I don't at know Texas if you, Motorplex. I don't know if you guys can see this. We've got graphics on the wall. We've got a giant granite. It's 66 degrees table. in here right yeah. now. I mean, it is cold. It's The internet is unbelievable. And, and I guess fastest we'll just, internet in yeah, the country. Fastest at internet at any racetrack in America, guaranteed. And I think just seeing what these guys have done, the 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 investment that's been made, this place is completely remodeled. Part of this was was needed because of the the big freeze we had late in 2020, early 2021. You, I think you brought that down here. I may have. You may have brought that yeah, from Missouri, 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 but this place was severely damaged. I'm not sure that everybody in the country understands that. I mean, this place was significantly damaged, and. They had to come in and redo everything. So, I mean, I'm looking down the floor right now, brand new carpet, the walls everything are all redone, sheetrock, brand new drywall. Brand I mean, new media center that they built like from scratch in the pits, uh, media and event center. Which is really cool because typically most drag strips in the country, not all, not all, but a whole lot of drag strips in the country, they're just like, I don't know what the word is. They're just, they're kind of like haphazardly thrown together. Like it's a closet that they weren't putting brooms in. So we may as well put all the media people in there. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, an unused that's floor true. that's got significant <laughs> flood damage or something. That's where we're going to put all the media people. And I think that to be here and to have a place to work and to be treated with, with I don't know, to treated with this kind of kindness and appreciation. I know that it means a lot to me. And again, going back, Mike's talking about the production value. You look down on the starting line, T, there's like a stamp, a brand of the Texas yes, Stampede right. of Speed. The lights, the scaffolding, they had a jumbotron here every night. It'll be here every night this week. It was just really the music. I don't know who they have uh, on the ones and twos here. I don't know who they have spinning, but it's impressive. 
And music can make all the difference in the world. Like the mood is set by music. And anytime there was a moment of downtime, Al Tucci and I were on the microphone for four or five hours last night. Mike Carpenter joined us for yeah, a while. Somebody messed up and handed me a mic. Handed Mike a, uh, a mic. Handed Mike a mic. But he was a natural, man. He did a fantastic <laughs> job. And we were on the PA. And anytime, T, that there was a little bit of an oil down or you know, just something, somebody smoked a cone and they had to send the track crew out there. We threw it down to Laney, uh, a cowboy kind of rodeo type DJ that's down there with a remote mic playing music, had a, a cowboy, a rodeo clown or whatever you would call it, running around. I mean, it was just extremely well done. And we're talking about Tuesday night. We're not even halfway right. through this deal. And I think, you know, you look on the internet and I was seeing all these comments. We posted that video, right, of Bubba Stanton and Stevie Jackson's big $140,000 grudge race on Monday night. And there was a lot of comments like, Oh, there's not people there. It's like, I think y'all are missing the point, to, to be honest. Like, if we're going to call a spade a spade, and that's what this show is supposed to be about, being authentic and being honest, no one expected there to be 30,000 people here on Monday night. This is something that they understand they're planting a seed, and it's going to grow over time. And right. they, you can't wait for it to be big to treat it like it's big. you got to jump out there. you got to treat it bold. like it's big on day whether, one. Whether it works or not, you've got to get started and, and try it. And Same I believe thing. this is working. This is for the people that are here at the track, the are invested in this sport, that are here, the guys that are going to race this weekend. It gives them a reason to come here early and participate in the other uh, events that are set up for them. But there's a ton of people uh, right here. They've set up like this mini bleachers beside, right beside the burnout box. Which I think is a fantastic plan. And, you know, that is packed. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, this is something, they're building something that they plan to do for, I think, moving forward indefinitely. And I think that the, the level, the thing that uh, kind of comes to me, and I, I say this a lot of times when people ask me about these live shows or doing podcasts, my advice is always, it is how it, it will be. However, you treat it, it will be whatever you believe it is, and however you however you act. So, I mean, I know I've told this to Mike JT. I told this to you four or five years ago when we started going live. Whether there's a hundred people watching or a hundred million people watching, you got to do it the same way. You've got to act sure. like you are in front of the eyes of the world, and that's what I'm seeing here the Texas Motorplex, because you can't wait until the place is overflowing with human beings to treat it like a significant happening. You have to treat it like a big deal right now. And I mean, honestly, that's kind of been our song and dance for 15, 16 years. You, you know, you've got to start, you've got to speak it into existence to a certain extent. And if you wait forever, right, if you ever, if you just wait indefinitely, like, you know what, we'll, we'll get the DJ going when we've got a bunch of people here. Or we'll turn the music up when there's a lot of people to entertain. No, no, no. You've got to act like this place is packed full of folks right now. And that's what I'm seeing happening. I actually said funny, like when, when you walk into, when you walk into a club and it's like, not everybody's there yet and they've got the music just cranked up and you're like, Oh my God, I can't even talk. I can't hear the person next to me. But you know, an hour later when everybody's there, Music's the same level, and you don't have Whoa. any problem talking. You know, it, it, you know like, yeah. that's a great example. Yeah, I mean, because that I've never JT's heard it really. Got a lot of experience. With that. Uh, yeah, JT's yeah, got I a did. lot of club yeah. experience, but like I didn't. I've never thought about it in those terms. But that's that's exactly right. You walk into a nightclub and the music's cranking. You're like, oh my god, these guys are. Well, a somebody's got to be the first through the door. That's right, that's true, what it is. I mean, yeah. Somebody's got to be. You can't be afraid to be the first through the door and set the stage, set the tone. Well, guys, I uh, we've got a lot to cover in a relatively short amount of time. I'm proud of us, all this work. Mike, thank you so much. T, there's been a lot of people involved. We were lugging TVs, lights, all sorts of crap, getting things plugged in or whatever to do this. And it's uh, really, really, really happy with how this turned out, right? I, I honestly think if you've got a drag race or if you've got a cool shop or whatever and you want to bring the West Buck Show in-house, 
hit us up, man. We are open to these opportunities. We really have a vision for this someday arriving. And it's funny because we're treating it like this right now. I mean, we had people walking by here going, oh, you guys got a pretty major production going on. And it's like, yeah, because we, we don't want to wait until 10 million people are downloading every episode to treat it like a big deal. We want to start right now. And our vision long term is a year from now, two years from now, we want to be treating this like a college game day deal. Right where it's a big deal that our show rolls in, rolls into a certain event or rolls into a certain part of the country. We're hoping to do this multiple times, these live remotes multiple times a year, not weekly, but I think we could probably get away with doing it six, eight, ten times a year if you know the budget was there and the sponsorship support was there. So if this is something that means uh, that you that you like seeing, let us know, man. We'd love to come do this again at, at another at track, another event. These big these events. These are our events. Yes, you know? when it's. When this level outside of production is on display and this type of outside of the box thinking, we really appreciate it. And speaking of outside of the box thinking, I thought about this last week and I don't mean to bag on what we do here, but I was thinking like, damn it, I only said about 10% of the things that I want to say, right? Like I've got a lot of things that I want to say. <laughs> I don't think there's yeah. enough internet. No, there's that. probably not. There's, <laughs> there's not, not enough bandwidth. I had a lot of stuff like last week. I'm going, we got off the air. We've been online. We've been online for like three or four hours or something, right? Three, three hours plus. And I'm going, man, I barely scratched the surface. So Monday I sat down out actually in my driveway because I was trying to catch some rays, right? Because let's be honest. I'm trying to, you know, trying to get red, trying to get red out here. Yeah. I'm trying to look like the Kool-Aid man. That's what I'm going <laughs> for, right? I really, I want to be neon red if at all possible, right? So anyways, I'm sitting in my driveway in a chair catching some rays and I'm taking some notes on my phone and I go, I'm going to introduce a new segment on the show. Every week, we're going to call it reaction time. Pretty easy play on words. It felt like a layup. We steal this reaction time thing. We've got some on-screen graphics that we were going to roll out this week, but it just didn't really make sense with all the other moving parts we had. So we're just going to have to work from Wes's notes. But I sat down and I thought, you know what? I'm going to come up with 10 things, the first 10 things that come to mind, and we're going to blow through these fairly rapid fire. This first ever piece of, I get to, I thought you I do saw nothing, it. You oh, do boy. nothing rapid fire, though. So I struggle with rapid you'll get fire. Through like two, you'll get through like two, and then it'll be a, Oh, we're out of time. We'll go through the other eight later. <laughs> it feels like you're making fun of me. It feels well, like no, you're talking. I feel like it is rapid fire. It's just a lot. You know, like. <laughs> I mean, I don't have like a simple, I'll try. I listen. I got 10 things. I told I told Mike that we would try to do it in 50 minutes. I believe we're going to be built, joined by Billy Meyer at about 2.45 Central Standard Time. 2.40? Yeah, 2.40, I believe. So we've That's got 20 Elon minutes. Said. Shout out to Elon Warner. Oh. Really, he's he's been a catalyst for this deal, I feel like. And it's especially as far as involving the media, Andy Carter, Elon Warner. Elon's really, you know, as far as the media and our interaction with him helped set this up. A million percent. You know, to really get it out there. So uh, shout out to him. One of the best in the business. It's uh, Elon does such a fantastic job. I'm not sure that everybody that tunes in each week knows Elon Warner, but Elon, longtime uh, member of the team at Tony Fay PR based out of Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, a guy that's a pro level public re relations and media guy. And it's, you can tell it, you can, yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot around. of people that, that like to have on their business card, PR or public relations, media, whatever. It's a whole different ball game when you're dealing with a guy at this level. He was a longtime PR guy for John force racing, uh, multiple Speaking championships, John force racing. We got Monday morning racer out there. Shout out to Monday morning racer. He's been here all week. Uh, chatting with us we've got austin crock actually coming up to make a test hit in john force's car what do you uh, think that's about i guess maybe john's not here and they want to get i saw john oh you saw john i saw his okay. face i don't know this is pretty interesting this is, this is some of the stuff you may not uh hear about except for on this show well and, and i just we're right above the starting line so it's gonna get loud no, here and i do want to give everybody a little bit of 
just give everybody a little bit of a heads up. We're typically not having to deal with a lot of background noise because we're filming this from our studio in Fort Worth about 55 miles down the road from here. Being that this is our first live remote, we tried a, a handful of different locations. This is where we wanted to be, so I would ask that you bear with us if there's a little bit of audio distortion or if we get some crazy background noise. These are 11,000 horsepower nitro funny cars that they're down here testing as long, along with top fuel cars. But I had no idea, and I don't totally understand why Austin Proc would be driving. I don't know. Do John you see Ford's John out right there on the starting line? Yeah, there he is. I see John. And he's wearing Just, his fire suit, yeah. which I guarantee I you this is like keeping a license up to date or right. getting a funny car license type of situation. Monday morning racer may be able to tell us um, exactly what's going on. We're kind of up here watching from afar the old crow's nest up here. We're in the crow's nest at the Texas Motorplex. Um, this may have been one of the first tracks to do the, uh, the staging lanes through the middle of the tower. I wonder if it was. I, it, it may have been. It you know what? We'll ask that of Billy Meyer when he joins us here in about 20 minutes. But I tell you, I do want to dive into this reaction time segment. There's so many things that happen in the sport of drag racing, guys. And one of the things that kind of it, it, it bums me out a little bit, we got the bottom bowl being lit right now here, guys. Bear with us as Austin Proc makes a squirt. And that it thing made it about <laughs> 75 feet before it Bang. knocked the tires off. Um I just there's so many things that happen every week, Mike, that we don't get to cover, right? Because right. we've talked about this before with like John Force. He absorbs so much of like the available limelight that exists, uh, and it kind of the NHRA does the same thing to the whole sport. No Prep Kings does the same thing to the whole sport, right? And it's these there we don't oftentimes maybe get the opportunity that I wish we had to talk about all these other sanctions and series and all these other events that happen all over the country this past weekend, which seems like a hundred years ago, but it was actually like 72 hours ago, <laughs> right. 96 hours ago. It's been a long few days. It's been a long few days. I was up the road at Tulsa Raceway Park, Osage Casino, Tulsa Raceway Park for the multi, I don't know how many times they've had the throw down at T-Town. It's kind of an iconic event in our industry. And I think just, the, the Midwest Drag Racing Series was kind of birthed out of that event, was it not? Was it, it absolutely I was. I mean, that's, that it, the success of that event and the notoriety it gained kind of, hey, man, we should do this six or eight times a year. I think you're exactly right, man. I mean, the Midwest Drag Racing Series, what they're doing here in 2021, I can't honestly say enough about it. Being uh, invited by Keith Haney, Ellen Eschenbacher, the whole team to come up and take in uh, the weekend at Tulsa Raceway Park. I was blown away. And I just want to make sure we talk about some of these things. There was a slew of storylines coming out of that race. First and foremost, I want to give a huge shout out to, to Keith Haney. Keith's been going to the finals, going deep you know, every weekend, making a really impressive performance. Cars running really well. That Bickle 60, uh, late model Camaro with Pat Musi Power under the hood. Brandon Schweitzer calling the shots on that hot rod. And it's just been, it's been cool to see Keith coming into his own here in 2021, right? I mean, it's that's such a competitive series. And to see him out there going rounds and finally getting the deal done Saturday night, to just think it was long overdue for him to put that team. He's got a great group of guys around him. And to see all of them in the winner's circle was a pretty special thing, man. But the racing as a whole, and this is kind of the thing that I wanted to talk about, do we have proof in the Midwest Drag Racing Series Pro Mod Division that all these combinations can race together competitively, Mike? You're not going to have to twist my arm on that one. We, you, you know my stance on that. Part which, of my which is, is probably kind of surprising because for the longest time, I was a, a huge nitrous proponent. only, huge proponent, even kind of got ourselves in trouble a little bit with IHRA when we kind of went to the internet voicing complaints about the blown versus nitrous parity. But I do think these combinations have both evolved uh, to the point where 
they're they're just neck and neck. We see that in PDRA. We definitely see that in Midwest Drag Racing Series. I was so impressed by the caliber of drag racing that was going on in Tulsa because I was in the tower with my, my buddy Al Tucci and we're we're following along with this race in the semifinal round of racing on Friday for the rain delayed or whatever it was, the kind of makeup race. It was a two-in-one weekend at Tulsa. They were running two two races within the same event. And when I looked at that deal and I, I watched it unfold, you've got Joey Oaksis, twin turbo 67 GT Mustang. You've got Ed Thornton, 1970 and a half Chevy Camaro with a big twin turbo combination tuned by Shane T. You've got Keith Haney, the aforementioned nitrous Camaro. And then you've got Jim Whiteley in that 63 Corvette split window with a screw blown Hemi in it. These cars all ran. JR Todd looking to make a full pull out here. 393 with a two, nice. 327 miles that's per hour. the best pass we've seen. I'd say that's the best pass we've seen all day. But going back to the Midwest Drag Racing Series, that kind of parody, all those cars that I just talked about, 369, 369, 369, 370. To see all those cars run so close together, Stevie Fast Jackson was there helping out on Whiteley's car alongside Phil Schuler. He walks over to me. He goes, Wes, I'm telling you, this is the best door slammer rule package in drag racing. And you think about where the Midwest drag racing series kind of falls on the totem pole, if you will, of drag racing sanctioning bodies. And I just think that's a, a what a feather in well, the cap. What, of what that exactly series. is the rule package with Midwest? That, well, we're going to have to pull it up. Can yeah, JTV murder tundras, could you to. bust out? Could you pull up Midwest drag racing series? I'm just curious. Pull up exactly the pro rules. I mean, basically sure. what they've done is they've, they've tried to limit the overdrive on the screw blower cars. Right. They've, they've hung some weight on them. They have a different weight set up for a different weight for 92 over a different weight for 75 over. They've got the nitrous cars at 2,450 pounds, which they actually put 50 pounds on that combination this year, mainly to to try to slow down Ron Minix and Keith Haney, two right. guys that were running really, really, really well. Uh, the turbo cars running 218. Shane T put uh, Ed Thornton in the 220 mile. Well, it's good range. to see the turbo cars out there. I it mean, is, especially man. in the eighth mile, that's kind of a that's a rare sight. These it days. is, man. Those things pretty well went the way of the dodo. Right. And if you look at NHRA drag racing as well, same situation, man. NHRA Pro Mod drag racing, it's kind of a it kind of breaks my heart because two or three years ago we were all losing our minds that. It, it was going to be an all turbo field pretty quickly. Right. And now there's not a single one. We're blessed. I don't know if this news is circulating yet, but we might as well make it uh, public right now. The uh, Lyle Barnett this weekend is here testing not the familiar pro-charged late model Camaro built by Rick Jones. He is instead uh, in the twin turbo Camaro that was fielded most recently by Erica Enders. This is the car that Erica set the mile per hour record in, 261 and change at uh, ZMAX, I believe. In 2019, that car actually burst into flames, unfortunately, at the NHRA National Event in Norwalk, Ohio. Pretty much put an end to, I mean, from the outside looking in, it would look like it put an end to Erica Ender's Pro Mod career. Yeah. Really, really scary fire. Rule Struggled to get the car stopped. Yeah, a bunch of rule changes of came about after that run. But that car is here this weekend. And I just, I would love to see some turbo cars in the mix because I understand that this is a little bit of a polarizing opinion. But I just think the magic of Pro Mod is not entirely, but largely rooted in all these different combinations. It really is. When you've got all of these classes, I mean, Top Sportsman is out here putting on a show, Pro Stock, and you've got all these door cars that could be, especially with the influx of late model cars into Pro Mod, that could be you know, somewhat confusing, especially to the casual fan. I think having those different combinations uh, of engines, big blowers sticking out of the hood, a quiet turbo car, big hood scoop on a nitrous car, I think that purging the nitrous, I think that that makes a big difference and helps 
set ProMod apart. That's what it's always been about, and that's what the fans identify with. I think it's a cast of characters. Right. When I see it, I can't help but think of baby faces and heels and young young guy with a chip on his shoulder and then like a wiry veteran. I mean, I can't help but see different people sitting around a poker table, right? If you pull up an ESPN World Series of Poker broadcast, right, and you watch it, there's likely an older gentleman sitting there with a 10-gallon hat on in a Western shirt with those pearl snap buttons, Right. Sitting next to him is like a trust fund baby wearing right. the big over ear headphones, some beats by Dre with some sunglasses. They're on. all they're all playing the same game. Yes. But they're doing it vastly different. Vastly and different. That is, and it's that cast pro-mod. of characters that I think people tune in to an ESPN poker, you know, World Series of Poker broadcast and they find someone. They see some physical thing that they can see from a from a distance, that they can see from afar, and they find something to latch onto. They identify. They, they may identify. They may identify with the older guy with the cowboy hat or the young kid with the sunglasses. Absolutely. It's about having those different options. Right, or like a young mathematician. Right. You know what I mean? Or something like that that's a really super smart kid with glasses on, and he's got a, a, an Oxford on with the top button button. Everybody kind of leans into their role, leans into how they've been casted, and that's what I see the opportunity being for Promine. And I think that's why it's so difficult to see things like, you know, the NHRA series trending so much towards all being pro yeah, charge. We can't cars. have a bunch of 69 Camaro and late model Camaro pro charge cars. I, I mean, think we, it's a real problem. That. Yeah, we know. I mean, that. and granted, I mean, I know that there are some statisticians and some drag racing historians that will immediately point out that this has happened many times throughout history, right? I mean, there have been times when everybody had a 63 Corvette. I remember my dad lamenting the fact that, like, every time I turn on any of those IHRA races on Speed Vision or Speed Channel or whatever, they're all freaking 63 We thought Corvettes. that too. I mean, trust me, there was many times I was like, we need to get one of these things. But <laughs> It's what's so funny, and we saw we talked about Doug Winters in that photo he posted of the Chevelle with his late model Camaro, and you and I were watching the PDRA race this past weekend, and we saw, I believe, uh, Josh Chester uh, in the old Prockish Racing 63 yes. Corvette, which is a kind of a legendary car that was driven by Purple Tommy Mooney, Ricky Smith, one of the first like outlaw screw-blown cars. I remember they raced at the Snowbirds all the time, and basically we're out there just to try to knock the record book down. But that car looked gigantic compared to the modern-day pro mods that we see out there. It really did. And that car, like you yeah. said, it used to be like everybody thought it was like a, a, a miniature, right. right? It looked like something they were going to race in a legend circuit or something, right? It was a scaled-down car. Now- well, that was an early shutoff there for Brittany Force. But I tell you what, a pretty salty run nonetheless. Yeah. 386 with a 364.66 miles per hour. I'm sure they're uh, pretty happy with that one right there. I see Grubnik walking away. He never looks overly thrilled, to be honest with you. He never seems. Yeah, we saw him driving the rental car out of the track last night. He had that same look on his face. Yeah, exact same look, whether he's going eight miles an hour leaving the Texas Motorplex or 270. It was a Camry, and it was loaded with people. It wasn't going fast enough. I didn't recognize any of them. (laughs) I was like, these must all be dudes from Australia. But anyways, um, I just wanted to bring that up because to Murder Tundra's point right at the beginning of the show, I have 10 topics we're supposed to cover, and we've covered one in 45 we're, we're, minutes. We're right on schedule then. We're right on schedule. But I told you, man. <laughs> tip to the Midwest Drag Racing Series, all those racers that are involved with that, Lonnie Grimm, NHRA National Tech Director, uh, recently joined the NHRA team, put that oval on his chest. But prior to making that move, he has been massively involved with so many different sanctions and series from the PDRA to Hot Rod Drag Week to our own events in Denver and in Orlando. He, he, he contributes a ton to the sport of drag racing, and I think he hit it on the head with the Midwest, Midwest Drag Racing Series. And there was 
There were some other storylines out of that event. Joey Oaks going three for three. Really, really impressive run that, that young man's on. They've got a great championship battle shaping up. Keith Haney, Jim Whiteley, and Joey O are all in contention for the championship. It's going to come down to the last race of the season coming up in a few weeks. Extreme Raceway Park. Excuse me. Ran out of air. Extreme Raceway Park. <laughs> First time the road at Ferris in Ferris, Texas. And I just, it was an incredible event. I think those guys deserve to, to be recognized and to be talked about. I think they've got some great racing going on, and it gives me hope for all these other sanctions and series. Maybe I can grab somebody by the arm, Tommy Franklin, Tyler Cross. I would, I'll, I'd wrestle around with Tyler. I don't know that I want to wrestle around with Tommy that bad. I would wrestle around with Tyler if I, if need be, but I really would love to see, I mean, especially with what we saw at the PDRA national event this past weekend, Galat Motorsports Park, you see all these cars running mid sixties, whether they got a, a screw blower, a, a roots blower, a pro charger, and all these nitrous cars dipping way down into the sixties. It just, it seems to me like there is an opportunity there that, I mean, we could have 30 cars doing battle for 16 spots in what would undoubtedly be the baddest promo. Look how excited everybody was earlier this year about the Snowbird Nationals, right? All these cars coming out of the woodwork. Look how excited everybody is about Victor Alvarez's upcoming event, this 50,000 to win 50th anniversary Snowbird Nationals, right? I mean, that event, in my opinion, is probably going to steal the show in 2022. Can I, can I be the devil's advocate? Please. Can I switch my stance? Oh. You know, as we're talking about Snowbirds, we're talking about uh, – uh, Midwest Drag Racing Series. We're talking about NHRA Pro Mod. Really, all of these classes have uh, blended the power adders together. PDRA may be the only remaining one that runs them separate. So maybe that's that's their calling card. And we know we've talked to, we've talked to uh, Tommy at length. We've talked to Brandon Schweitzer, Jim Halsey. That's the way they want it's it. It's not popular. So it's my this sentiment is not popular. In that group. Right. I mean, it's not a no, yeah, we, we instantly get feedback instantly. on this. So, you know, uh, I think all these other classes have or all these other uh, sanctioning bodies and organizations have gone that way. And, and I think that that's been successful. And so PDRA remains in their niche. They've got that deal carved out. And I think that everyone that runs that is happy with it. So is it a classic what goes around comes around thing, though? I think so. Isn't it funny? Because a few years ago, uh, everything had to split. Or not a few years it ago, made 10 sense. or 15 yeah. years ago. I mean, you had to split them all. So, and that that also goes back to speaking toward the parity that they've achieved with these combinations. And so I think that that really has brought that. It's all based on the parity. If one of these combinations goes and just, you know, goes off the wall, I think you'll start to see them separate again. Yeah. I mean, it's probably true, right? I mean, and it, it is, it's cyclical. These I think technology, happen. though, has leveled that playing field. I think that's so what it is, really, just, the, just electronic and technology and power management and torque converters and everything that has been done to make these cars more consistent and get these cars down the track, you know, nine, I want to say nine times out of 10, but maybe it's more like 49 times out of 50 or something uh, to where they're getting data and these combinations are progressing sort of at the same, they're in lockstep. Uh, and I really, I really, I don't want to blame technology in this, in this but it sense, could be, but I think technology has, has uh, brought parity. So we'll see. We'll just see where it goes. A, it's a fun thing to watch. I love, for me, I think drag racing needs the conversation. I'm going to skip a few spots here. We did have it. I want to talk about, just kind of give a shout out to Todd, Todd Martin. Uh, really rough weekend. It was one of those things where drag racing will find new creative ways to break your heart. This thing rolls through the water box. Todd Screwblown, 67 Mustang. He whacks the throttle, blows the rear end apart. You got a pro stock car coming out of a water box. Real quick, I'm going to interject the fact that I don't know that there is a song sweeter than that of a 500 inch 
pro stock engine coming out of the puddle. It's beautiful. Am I wrong? I mean, it is a sweet, sweet Going song. through the gears. I love a pro stock car when you're watching from the top end and it's coming at you running through the gears. As long as you're way away from the track. Yeah, don't stand beside Do it. not stand. There's no photo, little public safety announcement, public service announcements. There's no photo worth standing down there. There's no parachute shot that's ever going to be worth standing anywhere remotely close to a guard wall at the big end of a racetrack. But anyways, um, moving on, guys, I do want to remind you that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves, and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com and make sure you tell them that your friends at the West Buck Show sent you. And I do want to tip my cap to Tommy Cunningham, man. Tommy, his wife, that whole team, I got to spend some time with them this past weekend in Tulsa. Great people. They gave me like a gift bag. I know. I blew my mind, man. She walked up, Tommy's wife walked up and goes, hey. A branded Stroud bag. It was cool. I'm getting some of those, man. Like we're getting some Drag Illustrated ones made right away. But it was so cool. She said, hey, we just wanted to welcome you to the Stroud family. And I thought, man, there needs these people could write a book on how to be a human being. Like we need to get them on Amazon or something because they just are incredible people. people. Really appreciate their support of the show. Uh, Moving on, before we're joined here, and I believe about ten minutes by the the legend himself, the man of the hour, Billy Meyer. I do want to talk about. I mean, let's just touch briefly. Tommy Franklin clearly is back. I think so. I would, and we were on Caruso's show last night. We had our own connection issues. We had connection issues with Tommy a couple weeks ago, and I'd love to talk to Tommy about. Obviously, they I think they were in experimental mode or they were trying something, which you got to give those guys credit. You're talking about a guy with multiple championships, top of the class, and he's not satisfied and he is he's trying to improve his program. And I think that they were working through that all year. And I think that we've seen the fruits of that labor. Uh, recently. So I, I, I wanted to talk to Tommy about that. We'll have to get him back on soon. You wonder though, is it like, was it trial and error that ultimately worked out? Was it something experimental that ultimately worked out or was it going back to what? That's a good point. I would like to. Yeah, because I think it, it, it's us. an interesting thing and I don't know that he'll tell us, but it was interesting to see them trying all year. You could see the car and I'm not trying to, I'm obviously just talking from, this is the naked eye talking. I don't have any sort of inside information on this necessarily. I mean, I've got a little, but it would appear to me that they were trying to run that car differently. I think the, so. Those nitrous, pro-nitrous cars, you see them things dragging the rocker panel, right? You mm-hmm. see them squatting hard, riding up on the wheelie bars, getting the front end up, the front end coming back up, right? Whenever the lock-in comes on. And that car was doing more of what, what you see in radial racing. Right, driving the body into the air, separating the suspension. I believe you had and Mark Mentzer working with Mark him. Mentzer involved, and I think they were trying to apply some of that radial racing technology to big tire racing. And I don't know if it ultimately worked out or if they had to uh, divert course. Top alcohol, funny car. I'm sure they there. learned a lot either way, though. So interesting, yeah. very interesting to see that. Amber Franklin, we, we would be uh, criminals if we didn't make mention of what's probably one of the most successful debuts in a professional eliminator that's ever happened. Comes out of the woodwork. I'm sure she's been doing some testing, but double O here, double O there, goes to the finals of her first ever race pro outlaw 632. Just a really she Cinderella is, story, she man. She's serious about it, too. I mean, I, like, I saw her on the starting line walking around. She's got her suit on, and she's helping – uh, her dad, get, uh, I think it was, she was backing him up. I believe her boyfriend, too, was also racing. Yeah. Uh, I think in Top Dragster. Yes, sir. And she's just, they own a track. <laughs> They've got all these cars. This family. Judy's got a car. Tommy's just, wife, oh, yeah. Amber's mom's got a little they S10 pickup truck. They are about it. They are about it. <laughs> and I, I just respect Master that. Master P would be proud. They are about <laughs> it, about it. 
if I if I had to guess, man. I mean, and it's it's really cool to see because we've talked about this a lot here on the show that our sport is so reliant on second and third generation racers. I mean, I do think events like this right here at the Texas Motorplex, the Texas Stampede of Speed, I think they're doing their part to bring new folks to the sport. No Prep Kings obviously doing a tremendous amount to bring fresh blood to the sport of drag racing. But by and large, still to this day, the sport of drag racing is heavily reliant on fathers introducing the sport to their sons and daughters and, the, and that tradition continuing over time. And to see Amber, I mean, we, we know how many years can go by between any sort of success on the drag strip, right. right? I mean, victories in drag racing are few and far between. No I matter how that, successful you are, yeah, you're going to take a lot of L's. Their passion and enthusiasm and seriousness about it, we saw that a, lot, a few years ago. We, uh, we put Tommy and Amber on the cover together before she even made this leap to the big car, which they've been talking about for a long time. Uh, so it's, it's cool an interesting leap. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going from, I mean, they, she spent one season in top dragster. I think so. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it was, it's pretty interesting progression, but many, many seasons, in junior. many seasons in junior dragsters. And I just, I think that that's a, we need to promote these stories mm -hmm. more because I think it's going to inspire some young kids. And I say this a lot and I mean it, and we, we've got a great crowd here and I, I do want to encourage you guys click like, Click share, help us spread the word, log on to youtube.com, search for Drag Illustrated, subscribe, support the movement, be a part of this. But we don't maybe talk enough about how important it is for us as all of us in the in the drag racing world to encourage these young folks. I, I hear racers all the time, fans all the time, kind of bemoaning, oh, they got to run juniors. <laughs> Wish they'd get these guys out of here. It, it may not be your cup of tea. But thank but God for those kids. They could be important. they could be playing soccer right. or some other tragedy you think about like Amber, that. someone like Amber. Yeah, they could be doing some Softball. other sport, but that's what got her into the sport. Now we've got another uh, young female superstar on the rise. And it's she's speaking. one of many that have yeah. in, have well, gone through that kind like, of escalation. Like another father-daughter combination that we've seen come up through the ranks, Pat Musi and Lizzie Musi. How about uh, – Tell us about no prep oh, yeah. kings. Oh yeah, Lizzie Musi. I mean, weekend. we were. Uh, th this is something that we could probably talk for the rest of the show about. Um, Clay Milliken, who's in the house here, waiting to to come on the air. He was actually there. He was on the scene. Shot a killer video. If you wow. haven't seen it, check out Clay's YouTube channel. Uh, the guy, he he's doing it exactly right. I'm probably Clay Milliken's biggest fan. You know, I don't have every Second, single shirt. Nate is number one. Nate Nate Nate's Van Wagen is number one. Never mind. Never, <laughs> Nate's number one, but I'm a, a close number two. But he was actually on the scene in Denver. Tremendous crowd. Lizzie Nusey wins, goes back to back with a nitrous car on Thunder Mountain. Un unheard of. I mean, as a promoter who's put on events in Denver, Colorado, I can tell you nitrous guys don't want to go no. there. Absolutely they don't want to go. And to see Lizzie go out there, take Bonnie, that 69 Camaro that people are rapidly falling in, falling in love with, and, and put it in the winner's circle, take out Jeff Lutz. And shout out to Jeff Lutz. It was great to see him kind of in the mix. It, I almost, and I don't mean this like disparagingly, but he hadn't been you know talked about as much recently. He's a guy that's helped a ton of those racers. Yeah, we I saw mean, him on the entry list, and we we're like, oh, Lutz, man, that's, that's uh, awesome. It's going to be awesome to see. Love but, to see him have some success. Yeah, it's I, I didn't talk to Pat a whole lot before that event, and I, but I know those guys. They they feel very confident about their combination right now. They feel like that they they feel like they were onto something before that unfortunate accident in Darlington. Uh, so they really kind of had to wait and sit on their hands for a few a few weeks or whatever it took to for Robert Hayes to rebuild that car, and then they went right back to it. So um, yeah on the mountain we we struggled getting those nitrous cars up to the mountain and it's hard it's hard on all these combinations but especially on those nitrous cars 
to see them win, I think that's going to, A, it's going to, it helps Bandemir. Believe right. it or not, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would maybe, but that people see that and drag racing is notoriously kind of monkey see, monkey do, right? You know, we kind of follow whatever seems to be working for the guy down the road in the pits. And I think that's going to help Bandemir, like as they move forward and put on more independent events. I mean, obviously they're 60 years in, they don't necessarily need a whole lot. You know what I mean? They don't right. need uh, a whole lot of improvement out there, but it would be nice to see them experience you know, hey, Nitrous Racers not being so uh, apprehensive right. about coming and racing on Thunder Mountain. But a great show by the No Prep Kings. Uh, there was all sorts of controversy last week, right? All this testing. We had uh, all these testing rumors. Who's testing close to the track? Who's testing far away from the track? Whatever you want to call it. And it was just really fun, man. I mean, I personally, I saw, I got a bunch of texts about this. We had Pat Musi on the show. There was... Yeah. We've oh, got to get we've got to get Marillo back on the show. We too. do that have to another, get Marillo back on he the had show. A bad signal when we for had those it, that are uninitiated or don't totally know what we're talking about. Basically, there was a couple of drivers, uh, Birdman and Mike Marillo, who were bounced from competition uh, a few weeks ago. Where was that race at? I'm forgetting. Uh, Tucson. Yeah, Tucson, Arizona, the the house that Jim Hughes built. They were bounced from competition because they uh, it became known that they had tested at that track inside of a couple of weeks prior to the race, which is no bueno by and large. I mean, it's interesting because actually what's happening right here at the Texas Motorplex is super unusual protesting the week of the event. This never happens. I, never someone, happens. someone with more historical knowledge than then you or I needs to tell us when's the last time this happened before an NHRA event. It's a very, very interesting thing. Clay may have some yeah. some insight on that. We'll bring him on here here in a minute. I do see Billy Meyer in the other room looking around. So maybe we uh, – and, Mike, I think we should just have him slide in right there. Yeah, throw sure. him on the headphone and maybe you move over or whatever. Or you're okay. going to slide over this way or what's the yeah, plan? Yeah, I'll move over. We'll throw him right here. Yeah, we'll throw him right here. But anyways, uh, people were kind of up in arms about this controversy, in my opinion, right, about uh, – what. What are we saying? Get LC and BC on. That would be a hoot. I tell you what, Michael Fusen is not incorrect. These guys are hilarious. I watched every little live stream that Justin Swanstrom does, and he's a little rough around the edges. I've told him that. You know, he's he's got some colorful language or whatever, but they are hilarious. I actually think he's Big good. Country might be funnier than than Little Country. I Apple mean, doesn't I fall for the tree on that deal. No, man. They've got, a, they've got a lot of energy and enthusiasm. They're clearly having the time of their lives doing this. I mean, driving across the country. They live in Florida, folks. So, I mean, to go to Denver, to go to Tucson, to go to wherever, Boise, I mean, this is some serious traveling. We've talked about that with Pat Musi, with a lot of these no prep guys, that I don't know that they really get the credit they deserve for the level of racing that they're a part of. I think a lot of people like to kind of treat that as a second tier thing, nothing compared to the NHRA or nothing compared to PDRA. But when you're towing cross country week after week after week, running multiple events in a row, building new cars, having a car rapidly repaired like the Musies did, mm -hmm. that's professional drag racing. Whether the surface is prepared or not, it is really impressive, and it certainly qualifies as professional drag racing. But there was a lot of commentary online, Mike, just about people being – a little bent out of shape that there was all this talk and all this hubbub. And it seems like personally, is it this what we need? I mean, isn't yeah, this what we no, want yeah. something it's, to talk about? No such thing as bad ink goes back to that. I mean, I there's think the really more they're not. talking about it, the better. I mean, personally, the more going. we can talk, it did it get everybody going. And it, I actually had someone I saw, I was tagged in a, in a, in a thread and someone said, is this really what drag racing has become? Just arguing <laughs> about this. And I'm going, Thank God. I mean, this is what we need. I want to see more of this. If we can argue about stuff, I mean, let's be honest, guys. We're not curing cancer. 
<laughs> I mean, you, you know right. what I mean? Drag racing is important. Don't get me wrong. Serious business. I'm very proud of it. All these things, right? Sure. But it'll create a rivalry. We got to be know? honest, right? We're creating some rivalries. It's, uh, it's a fantastic thing for the sport of drag racing because I, I venture to say, and this may not be a 100% accurate, Mike, but am I wrong that if, in my opinion, if the no prep king race in Tucson had happened with with nothing else, they just you know whatever Lizzie wins, is there is there near the buzz without the testing controversy and without somebody getting thrown out? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean I, I think agree. there's buzz, but I don't think everybody's talking about it all day for a week. Right. I mean, at least that's my opinion. Yeah, I totally I agree. agree. And it's I think also back to just Lizzie's rolling off the trailer. That I think the buzz around that deal is is obviously it's Lizzie. She's she's polarizing. Pat's polarizing. They they love to hate that combination. They love to hate that uh, that team. And no testing rolled right off the trailer into Tucson. Won that event. Won Denver. Now what's next? Tulsa. I, yeah. Tulsa this weekend. Tulsa correct? this weekend, right? Yep. And then the week after that, they're here. Street Outlaws arrive. Converge. Street Outlaws. No prep. Kings converge on the Texas Motorplex. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks down here. I bet Andy, everybody involved with this joint, takes like a. Maybe a winter-long nap. Yeah, wow. Uh, no, no rest for the weird. Mike, I need your help. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I also need your help. For everybody tuning in out there, if you don't mind, click like, click share. Help us spread the message, tr trying to share the gospel that is drag racing. I believe this is the great American motorsport. I believe the men and women in the pits here at the Texas Motorplex and competing in drag races all around the world, all around the globe, these are the salt of the earth. They deserve to see their name and lights. They deserve to get treated like rock stars. And that's part of our mission here, not only with Drag Illustrated Magazine, but with the West Buck Show to give these men and women a platform to let them be in front of a camera, to hear their voices heard, their thoughts and opinions heard. So please help us spread the message. Click like, click share. Mike, I need a little bit of help, brother. We've, we've got guests piling up yeah. in the green room here. So let's let's find out where Billy Meyer is. Yeah, I see him. He's okay, right so let's, the window here. Should we, we get him? Let's go ahead and bring Billy Meyer on. Scott, do you have a little bit of time? Hang out for like 20 minutes? Okay, then we'll bring – guys, what a moment in time. Yeah. We got Scott Palmer waiting to come on the show. This guy is like a biblical figure. Yeah, our figure. next question. We got Clay we're, Milliken we're over here. save it for Scott. Yes, and I'm going to save this next question for Scott because we were going to talk a little bit about – Monday night's Nitro Sideshow, but let's let's get the man, the myth, the legend in here right now. Billy Meyer, let's are you are you gonna bring him and sit yep. in here or are you sit? Okay. Billy, come on in, brother. We're doing this fairly informally. No, it's fairly formal. I think That's it's formal. Yeah. That's fine. What's going on, Billy? Going, Billy? Billy, uh you met we we met the other night. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, the man of the hour, the guy responsible for what's going on here this week, the legendary Texas Motorplex. Thank we'll you so we'll much for uh, taking the time to be here, brother. Billy Meyer, what's uh, we got a car getting ready to roll into the water box, I believe, so we may let this burnout crack off. I see uh, Richard Freeman standing down there looking intense. How far back are we? Is that a top alcohol car? Oh, Randy Meyer. This thing will probably go an five oh eight. An imitation liar. <laughs> so true. Let's get this thing. These A fuel cars ain't that bad. That's my the worst part about A fuel drag racing: short burnouts. I can't stand it, Billy. I can't stand it. You are the quintessential drag racing showman, Billy Meyer. You've set the bar for many, many years. We were talking, Mike and I were talking earlier at the show. This is a guy that's responsible for what we believe to be drag racing's first real super track. Uh, your commitment to our sport has been incredible to see. I think we're all better and lucky 
that we have someone like you that's willing to invest the time and energy to, to take our sport to this level. When you look out here after all these years to see you still innovating, Billy, with the Texas Stampede of Speed, and I know you've got a lot of people involved, your daughter, Christy, Andy, I know there's a lot of people you've got to mention, but I do believe you you deserve the limelight and you deserve the spotlight because they're serving a vision that you set out that you set before them many years ago. What's this event, this nine-day festival, what's this mean to you right now, this moment in time? Uh, means not enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, man. I mean, what's it been like getting to this point, to be honest, well, Billy, because well, I'm sure this was a multi-month, year planning type of deal? Actually, actually, uh, we thought we were going to be able to do this two years ago. And through all the stuff that we accomplished through the state with them, finally getting them convinced in Congress passing. Get, getting the state Congress to pass a bill to make us equal to the Super Bowl or the Final Four, you know, uh, or the Formula One race. That, that kind of, it got, that bill got blocked two years ago. So we wow. actually uh, lost two years on, on this project. Uh, and uh, so, so it, it, it is, the good news is Barry and Christy and, and Andy have grown during that two-year period. So when we got down to it and got that accomplished, it was it was probably easier to pull off than, than we thought. I don't. I, I'm going to talk a little bit out my hind end here because I don't know all the ins and outs. But I want to fill in the viewers, the people that are tuning in around, tuning in from around the world. Basically, yourself, the entire team at the Texas Motorplex worked with Governor Abbott down here in Texas uh, to, as you said, have this event the Texas Stampede of Speed and the NHRA Fall Nationals treated like the Super Bowl, treated like a Formula One event for its value, for what it brings to the state of Texas and this community in, in, uh, specifically. Can you tell us what's that process even? I can't even imagine, and I wonder how many track operators around the country, is that even on their radar to like go after the, the tourism board or to get the state involved? Well, and, you know, it doesn't cost the state any money. It's sales tax reimbursement fund is what it is it's called major event reimbursement uh, program, the MERP. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to help, which in a lot of states you don't see this, right? They're actually trying to help companies grow their, you know, and also increase the sales tax and, and also people coming to Texas. So it has so much to do with, with out-of-state people. And as you know, drag racing's got a gazillion out-of-state people, uh, because we don't have a national event on every corner and sure don't have a countdown race on every corner. So it has to be an event that's only one of a kind. Okay. So it couldn't be another national event in Texas, right? I mean, this one's in the countdown uh, and, and which puts us in that, in that uh, stratosphere, that formula. And so it, it's a blessing that, that, that uh, all the congressmen and the senators have been here and they saw the value of what it was going to do. And Governor Abbott so graciously signed the bill when they passed it. And so, you know, that's that's given us the opportunity to make this thing even a bigger event. And and that's why when you see Circuit of Americas, you know, when they have a Formula One race, it's eight days long. I mean, you know, because they're trying to make it a bigger event for, for the city of Austin. It's incredible to see. And the thing that I believe it's happening today, I may, it maybe has already happened, but you guys are having like a mixer, I think this afternoon for like local business owners. We, we've talked about this many times, Mike and I right here on the show that it always kind of, I mean, let's be honest, it chaps my ass a little bit when I roll into a city and the restaurant owners don't know there's a drag race in town. The hotel people don't know there's a drag race in town. And I go, man, what a missed opportunity. And I mean, kudos to you guys. You're bringing all these guys out here, going to feed and drink them a little bit and well, see how we can help each other. Well, we actually did that last night. Okay. Uh, but tonight, 
in downtown Waxahachie is a is a kind of a fan fest kind of event. But mainly, what it is, it it is a meet and greet, and they have a big amphitheater downtown oh, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we're playing the Don Perdome Tom McHugh movie, and and Don's the snakes will be here, and he and I'll be at both at that thing signing autographs, and and so. Uh, it's kind of just bringing the city involved, but we had, we did this, that, that bull stampede thing in downtown walks at you today. And we had two people at the mixer last night come up and tell us how their business was three times larger Friday than any other Friday they've ever had. Just cause there's happens to be thousands of people on there. Right. And so we're trying to grow everybody's business and, 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 and try to make this more entertaining not just cars going up and down a drag strip. I mean, I just think you guys give this guy a round of applause. I mean, I don't know that people truly understand the difference that that type of thing can make. It's a little bit of outreach. It's not super hard to buy a little bit of beer or whatever and bring these folks out, but to make them feel like they're part of this and be invested in it, I mean, you'll be reaping the benefit of that effort for years to come, yeah, as yeah, will the community. You know, and if you remember back in the 90s, we did this in the West End in Dallas. But we're not in Dallas, right? But but it was huge down there. But the problem is, other tracks started trying to copy it, and then, then teams got tired of going, to having to do a West End festival every track. And so this this has worked out really good. We got got a lot of good teams coming down there. Uh, and then Thursday night is the actual fan fest, where there'll be probably tons and tons of race cars there, show cars mainly. You know that look like they're race cars. I heard thirty and, or forty pro drivers are coming. They are coming, yeah. And obviously with the state thing, we were able to increase the purse. It's the largest purse, I think, in history this weekend for a single event. Uh, you know, when you when you add in all the extra money that we tied into the thing. So I know maybe the years when they had the Big Bud shootout and, 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 and the other shootout, if they want to combine those in, there's maybe bigger, but but they're different events. And, and so, but from one single event, I think this is going to be, uh, and the race teams have bought into what we're doing uh, and they see that we're trying uh, to help them uh, you know obviously a greedy motive is we're trying to help ourselves no you know, but, but, no i mean but hell i'm gonna start crying i mean i just it's it cannot be overstated billy like paying these guys to show up you know i mean giving them some tow money now granted there's some expectations hey we need you to come out here and make some representative runs we can't have you sit out but i mean i'm personally of the opinion that a top fuel drag racer a funny car drag racer a pro stock drag racer i mean these guys deserve that treatment they deserve to get a little bit of you know some bread butter on their bread just for rolling through the gates and you guys being willing to do that throw a carrot out there for the low qualifying on friday night it's fantastic you know and we did that years ago where we had friday night qualifying and it was twenty thousand below et friday night and then they quit wanting to do friday night qualifying uh so so but we used to have the dr pepper shootout on friday night and the big bud night on you know, friday night so we've done it before we've just never been able to do it this way but it's one of those kind of things when you get blessed uh with the with the with the ability of what we've gotten accomplished you know we're you know nhra's making more money than they've ever made uh the racers are gonna make more money than they've ever made uh, you know obviously the suites are nicer than they've ever been you know so so you know it, it you don't get very far if you just try to be greedy and keep it all well, take us through that, and I think truer words have maybe never been spoken. I think it, what you get what you give, right? And it, it will come back around, and I think the sport of drag racing is going to rally around this. I really, Mike and I on the t in the tower, well, excuse me, down on the starting line Monday night, watching that whole situation unfold Well, Scott Palmer's Nitro uh, sideshow, two top fuel cars come out here. Like, it, it felt like I was at some sort of underground happening. You know what I mean? It just felt significant. He goes 305 in the eighth mile this place. And it was just the whole situation. And I looked at Mike and I said, man, I get goosebumps. Look, my hair's, I'm sorry, the drinking game that everybody plays about me getting goosebumps. But 
it, 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 I can't, I can't say it enough. You feel something, something's happening right here. Well, and, and if obviously that, that was an awesome deal Monday night, you know, and what he, he was able to pull off uh, and in pretty short period of time, actually, you know, but, but if you look, if you look at what it'll grow to, I think it'll be spectacular, but, but if you just go back to when you just go back to Sunday night, you know, we had just under 30,000 people here Sunday night uh, for a lantern fest uh, deal and, 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 and Dustin Lynch and, and Flatland and Wade Bowen and Kyle Parks and, and we had a bull riding contest, you know, nobody really has ever had a bull riding. How contest. important do you think introducing those other types of, of entertainment is to the growth of this event? Because obviously the hardcores, those diehard drag racers like me, we can't wait to see Scott Palmer run a nitro pro mod. We're waiting for it all year, but to bring those people out, like, you know, Dustin Lynch fans to bring rodeo fans out here. How, how important is bringing those, those other folks, fresh faces, I guess, to the sport of drag racing out to the motorplex? Well, it's critical. Number one, a, they get to know where it is, <laughs> which, which helps a lot. It, it's, tr it's simple. And, and number true. two, you know, they, they get to see show cars out here and they see funny cars out here because we had a big, big group of cars here. Uh, you know, the next year we'll try to tie in, a, you know, where we start a top fuel car and, you know, do a burnout or do something just to get them more in tune to it. But, uh, and we already have bigger bands for next year signed already. You told uh, me. That's crazy. So that's going to be pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of getting people introduced to the facility which then introduces them to the sport, which is why we're running for eight days. What do you make of this test session? I mean, what has the reaction been? Because I will tell you, I mean, I know you, you're one of the track promoters that so many of us model ourselves after. You're, you're involved with these people. You know them. You're on a first-name basis with them. I've seen you bouncing around, shaking hands in and out of all these different suites. You know how to do this deal well, at a I, high I, level. I, you have to remember I was one. Yeah, you, that's <laughs> such a unique perspective, honestly, in this day and age. I don't know that there's – I mean, a lot of times you look around the top of drag racing organizations, and this is just being honest, you know, you don't see a whole lot of guys that have been in a fire suit have sat in between some chromoly anytime soon if ever so that is a very valuable no, no, perspective no, for and, you and, and actually one of the the key the key things obviously i'm not young anymore but so i've been here since i was 16 in a funny car so obviously nobody's driven a funny car for 18 years owned a sanctioning body owned a tv production company owned a magazine company drag race today if you remember you know and owned a racetrack uh, and and seen every angle of it and so and being the crew chief not only just the driver of the funny car so it it it, is, it brings a different perspective to me uh than probably anybody could have uh but it doesn't mean anybody can't do this better than us don't get me wrong but but it, it does help it us understand when somebody's upset about something or somebody's excited about something why you know because well i've been there <laughs> so <laughs> I do tell you, I think this is an interesting thing because going back to what we were talking about a moment ago, you can sense the buy-in. Like, I, I think it's pretty easy to tell when you talk to somebody like, hey, do you understand what we're trying to do here? And if you walk through the pits, these guys get it. Yeah. They, they recognize that, hey, this is, this is a group of people collectively that are trying to do something significant for the sport of drag racing. I look down the road two, three years from now, Billy, I'm not being, I'm not blowing smoke. I think this is going to be U.S. national. This is going to be maybe more so. 
Honestly, I mean, we hear all the time, like nothing against the NHRA U.S. Nationals. I believe the magic is still there. I believe it's the granddaddy of them all. But the level of pomp and circumstance, the production, the belt buckles, I mean, it was such a cool moment for me last night to get to hand that belt buckle to John Baker. And thank you for letting me present that award. But like all that extra thought in the the stamped logo there in the center of the track, all that attention to detail, I really believe it makes all the difference in the world. And these, they get it. They're on board. And and that's not me, by the way. <laughs> Uh, so, so, uh, obviously that's Christy, my daughter and, and, and Barry, my son-in-law and, and Mike Woodard and Andy, our, our general manager, I mean, that, that, and Terry and Ben, and I mean, there's just a collection of guys there that actually think out of the box. Uh, and since they know I've never been in a box, so, so they, they know it's easy to, to convince me of things. Well, I think it's an incredible thing, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. I don't know. We got uh, daughter Christy in the house. We'll we'll do we'll swap out here in a few minutes. I got a couple more things. What kind of feedback are you getting from like other racetrack owners? I mean, I don't know what kind of a relationship you have. Are people? I mean, are you Al and I Tucci? You know, you had us on the microphone last night. Thank you for that. Al and I were getting text. I mean, we we posted a video on the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel of that big grudge race on Monday night for over $100,000 and the lights and the smoke and the pyro. People are losing their mind. Are you hearing from other people about like, hey, man, you guys are onto something? No, I mean, you know, times have changed in, in our ownership uh, of, of tracks, right? So, so the guys that I grew up with in the 35 years of track ownership, most of them are gone. Uh, you know, the Bandemir family is the closest family we have in drag race. Incredible people. You know, and the Angel brothers are leaving, you know, so they're not calling and texting, right. you know, but other than those two guys, you know, there's not anybody that, that we still, you know, had the history with like yeah. Vinny Knapp in English town and places like that, you know, where we're friends with them, you know, I'm not real close with the Baders, even though they are kind of like us and that they, they try to, you know, go outside the envelope. They do. I mean, it's, I mean, cause to be honest, we're hearing about it from sea to shining sea. We're getting texts, the comments that we're seeing on social media, people are going, man, I'm going to have to, I mean, we actually had a guy comment earlier, like next year I'm coming from England, you know, and I think that that's what you guys are doing here. So thank you truly from that, the bottom of my heart. That's the guy the state wants here because that's out of state money coming in to spend money. In yes, the sir. And that's the whole goal of the Merc is to bring out of state dollars into the state and spend them on sales tax in the state. And, and, that, and that's their whole goal is because we can all swap dollars if we live here and we don't gain anything. It just moves from one guy's hand to the other. But when we bring out a state money here, that, that that's what they're trying to accomplish. What's the pass fail on this deal? I mean, for you this weekend, when you look at the whole thing, a, a safe race, I mean, what, I mean, obviously I know you guys are committed to the long haul, but do you have any like goals personally that you'd share with us as what you want to see happen this week? Well, obviously the number one goal you always want is no weather, right? Uh, so far, that looks like it's a blessing. Uh, and so these events are a whole lot easier to put on when, when you have that. Uh, number two, obviously, we want it to be safe, right? And, and number three, we want it to be exciting. We don't want it to be a typical drag race. I mean, we, we want to be able to have the drivers get suited up on the starting line and talking to each other. We want to play music while they're doing it. I mean, we, we want entertainment uh, for the fans. Fans came here not to see a car every 18 seconds go down the racetrack. They came here to just like they go that that's if they wanted to see a golf ball go down, you could go to any hole on a pro event and watch somebody hit a golf ball. But if you want to see Don Verdome and, and excuse me, if you want to see uh, Tiger Woods and, and, you know, and Dustin Johnson, those, you know, it's entertainment. There's going to be a lot. There's a reason why there's 50,000 people around those guys, around Phil Mickelson, because it's entertainment. It's not just 
seeing a golf ball go to the hole. And this is not just seeing a race car go down the racetrack. It's, it's getting to know a little bit about them. That's why certain guys' Facebook pages you know, have 100,000 people and the other one has 2,000 people, right? Because one of them is more provocative in what he says and, and, just, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. I mean, Tom Brady's got a gazillion followers, right? And so it, 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 we're trying to get the people to know the racers better. And, and make it where, where they can commu- feel and have more understanding of what it's all about to climb in a car and go 330 mile an hour. From your mouth to God's ears, Billy. I mean, I'll tell you what, that's been our mission at Drag Illustrated Magazine for 16 years is we've always felt that we, someone has to put faces to the names on the windows, right? And it's it's so important because it's it's physically, it's impossible to create a real emotional connection to a piece of machinery. You People relate to other people. And I think that whenever that they have the opportunity to let people get to know them a little bit, hear how they sound, hear the way they talk, uh, hear the way they behave themselves, that's the ultimate different, difference maker. And Billy, I just want to thank you, seriously. Sure. For uh, for your investment, your commitment to the sport of drag racing all these years, it's uh, it's been incredible to see. It's a real blessing, a pinch me moment for all of us to be here in the tower that, that Billy Meyer built. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing for the sport of drag racing. Thank you so appreciate much, it. brother. It's going to be a great weekend. It is. Thank you so much. Incredible, JT. Are you still on here? The stampede of speed. That's exactly right. Texas Motorplex. Uh, JT, did you hear all that? Did you catch that? I You're probably did. a lot smarter than you were 20 minutes ago. I Do you feel that way? I you should. I love I tell you what, and there's actually a great <laughs> question here, and I'm going to ask Billy. I'm He's off canvas. here. Billy, I'm getting some comments. They're asking, and maybe Christy knows, uh, are all the lights and all that, the smoke show and all that, or can we expect that during the national event Friday night? Oh, that's going to be bananas. That's awesome. It's gonna, it, so that's is, what is the it, sport is it, is needs so bad, man. Is the DJ running the, uh, the the flames and the pyro and all that? You because know what? Let me ask Christy because Christy I noticed, might know. I noticed last night that it was, uh, you know, like it was going with the beat of the uh, of the sound. I don't know. It was just awesome. I was Watch wondering, it. Christy, uh, JT, our co-host here on the West Buck Show, and ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up. Everybody, round of applause. Christy Meyer. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the cheesecake last You're night. Welcome. I put out a call out, JT. I put a call out on the, you know, a lot of times you hear a call out from the tower. You hear Tucci's booming voice voice, and they're looking for a nine-inch ring gear, right? (laughs) Or they're looking for a a 33-spline axle. But I put out a call out. I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, may I have your attention? We need cheesecake to the tower, cheesecake to the tower. And a few minutes later, here comes Christy Meyer with a plate. There was one of them that was green. It took us about 20 minutes to decide to eat it. I think it was key lime pie. Is that I'm right? I'm not sure. That's what I was guessing, but I'm not. I can't promise. I told you, I, there's four flavors. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I, I took if, a bite and go. That, please don't be pistachio. You can do that with beer. Uh, yeah. I'm there. You know. Like. No. Okay. <laughs> it was incredible. Well, hey, one of the questions that we were getting in the comments is, so who's running all that pyro stuff? And get up on this mic. Sure. We have a production team that we brought in. Um, so they're like hitting buttons. They are. Yes. Okay. So it's all timed out. We have a team. We have a meeting every day. And we just go through our schedule and figure out, you know, what we're going to do that night to make it crazy and wild and something that people have never seen before. Well, and it has been. I was lucky enough to actually be involved in one of the, your production meetings last night. Andy Carter had the whole gang around the table. And I actually text my wife and I said, holy shit, like this is the most intense meeting I've ever <laughs> been in. Like I've been around the block a little bit, but they were like, they're moving stuff around on the schedule and when we're going to do this and when we're going to do that. And hey, no, 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 we don't need, we need to wait till the end to do that. And it was really incredible. Where does that attention to detail 
really, I mean, it has to start somewhere. Christy, does it start with you and your father and trickle down? I mean, I think it a little bit of both. I mean, my dad is a very attention, I mean, detail person. I mean, at, today he's been walking around sending me texts of all the things he wants me to fix before tomorrow. So this is what he does is he comes in and, you know, he's got that eye for detail. And I unfortunately have taken that as well. I'm a perfectionist. and But then Andy coming from the rodeo scene, I mean, yes. he is extremely... Um, detail oriented and he wants to put on a show he's a you know he's in the entertainment business and I think that's what we're all trying to accomplish here is to put on a good show for people so I think it I think it's a product of our entire team it's impressive to see because honestly I've told people this week like I think you guys put in like 170 some new bathrooms or something like that we did we we have originally when my dad built the track in 86 he was so proud that he had more bathrooms in Texas Stadium so he went and counted every single bathroom stall <laughs> And he wanted to have more than Jerry Jones. So we have a lot of bathrooms here at the Texas Metroplex. And all of them are brand new from the suites down to the outdoor bathrooms. So everybody, you know, I hope people can enjoy that. We well, I tell you what, I think drag strips kind of get ranked a little bit. Same way gas stations get. They get ranked by how the bathrooms are kept. I, I mean, I, I, agree. I, I think it's very important. And I got to tell you, I told my wife, I said, hey, they can keep 175 of these things clean. I need you to step your game up. We've got, mean, we got three of them. You know what I mean? But seriously, though, I hope everybody recognizes yeah. the effort it takes because I say that tongue in cheek, but it, you know, most of us have a hard time keeping, you know, I see Scotty and Clay Milliken in here. I mean, just keeping your rig clean, keeping your stuff up, up to snuff is a challenge, keeping your house clean. But to keep a facility like this looking like you guys have it, I mean, we've got it like 66 degrees in here. You could pretty much hang meat. I mean, yeah. 400 megabit per second internet in a, at a drag strip. I mean, it's really incredible, and I hope that you walk around like with your, your head held high and your chest stuck out because this is an incredible thing that you guys are doing here. Thank you. We appreciate that. I mean, it's been a lot of work. I mean, so we, the entire Sweet Tower, for, I mean, it froze in the winter storm of Texas, you know, our Stormageddon, Snowmageddon, you call it, and we're not used to that weather. And oh. so, I mean, in some ways, it was a you know blessing in disguise to be able to have the opportunity to remodel all of these things and to bring in brand new air conditioning units and I mean, we've updated almost every inch of this facility from pavement to bathrooms to, you know, AC units to TVs and media. So, I mean, we're very fortunate. And I, a lot of people have struggled in these last two years, and we've been very fortunate to be able to run and to be open and to be able to grow and expand our business. So I'm very thankful for the opportunity. So this is a really incredible couple of weeks for you. And I don't know if this was like planned, but we obviously had the NHRA 37th annual fall nationals, uh, the Texas stampede of speed this week, long festival next week, you have the street outlaws, no prep Kings. I mean, this is a burn burner of a couple of weeks. How significant for you guys, like over the course of a year are these two weekends? Is this the, these two weekends likely make or break a season for a track owner? In a lot of ways. Yes. And we've been very fortunate fortunate to bring in some other large events throughout the year. Um, so that's been exciting to do new things that are outside of drag racing from music festivals and, you know, other things like car shows, things like that. But these two weeks are, are most important. There's no doubt. I mean, this week is historical for us. I mean, it's what, you know, put us on the map. So it's very, I mean, to me, it, you know, I've been to every single one. I've never missed a race, you know. So it's really important that we just do it well and we do it with integrity and we just, you know, give the fans something to be excited about. I, I told this to your dad a few minutes ago, and I mean it. You can sense that there's some there's some special energy here. Like even on, I mean, I wasn't here Sunday night, and I actually kind of hate that I missed it now because Elon told me to come and I didn't. But I mean, the, between the country music concert, all the the photos, I don't know if JT can throw that into the comments. That photo of all those lanterns floating through the sky on Sunday night. The show Monday was unbelievable. Last night's show was unbelievable. It's hard to believe 
I mean, we've been here for three days, but I want to stay for like three more weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I mean, I know you don't, but uh, well. I mean, it's been incredible to watch. What's what, where do you see? I mean, obviously you're telling me about your dad telling you things that he wants to fix. I mean, are there any things that that you still have yet to add to this for the future? We do. We have a five year plan. So our goal is to continue to expand and to provide other things for people, whether it's an RV park or whether it's, I don't know, Andy threw out the other day a water park. And I was like, what did you just say? But I don't know. But, you know, we do have we have some exciting things in our, you know, arsenal that we are trying to provide in the next five years. So, you know, we're one step at a time and we're just trying to you know do our best with everything we do and provide an opportunity for people to come have fun and to, you know, our goal is to bring new fans in. That's the whole purpose of so many of these promotional events this week is bringing new fans to the track that have never experienced it before. It's, it's been an incredible thing to see. We have a lot of like track operators and race promoters that watch this show and listen to the podcast, download it on iTunes. If you're not a subscriber, I encourage you to do so. Log on to dragillustrated.com or check out our channel on YouTube and hit subscribe, click share, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. It makes a huge difference. And I thank each and every one of you that do it. When you look at this whole deal in the scene, what inspires you to put on events like this? I mean, how did you I mean, how do you even arrive at the notion that, hey, we need to go from doing a standard national event that, to your point, you've been doing for 36 years or whatever, you've never missed one. What was the catalyst to go, hey, we need to take this from a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal to a week plus long deal? Or was it an opportunity with the with the state of Texas that you guys saw? I think it was both. I mean, I think we've just gotten tired of just the same show every <laughs> single year. And I mean, no offense no. to that at all. But, you know, every year it's the same thing. Every single Friday we did the same thing. Every Sunday morning, the, you know, opening ceremonies is the exact same thing. So I, I think, you know, people get tired of seeing the same show everywhere you go. So what we've noticed with our ticket is a lot of people come every other year because they don't want to see the same show every year. So we want those people to come every year. So if we can pivot and do things, you know, friends pivot, you know, if we can do new things, then hopefully people come every year. So that was part of it. But then also the opportunity with the state, the fact that we have gotten, you know, the attention of the state to, to realize that we are, you know, on the same playing field as so many of these other sports has been very huge for us. So, you know, having this new Merp, um, grant that we're involved with has been huge and we realized i mean we need to make it as big as we can and to bring more people in and like my dad was talking earlier bringing out-of-state people to i mean benefits this community and it reaches on into dfw so you know that i think it's a twofold you know we're real fortunate to have both it's for me i think it's important for people to hear that because i don't know that i mean a i hadn't even considered the notion that you know some people skip a year right or maybe don't come back because it's a little bit of a rinse and repeat thing so there's some some real pressure there to figure out hey how can we reinvent this deal it's uh what when you look around at the landscape of stick and ball sports uh pro bowl riding you talked about andy carter the general manager here at the motorplex having a history in in he's a circle track guy he has a history in rodeo where do you look for inspiration when it comes to putting on these events that's kind of a hard question i mean i guess i mean my personality a little bit i like to just do new things and surprise people. And I like to, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. So, but I think, you know, just watching my dad be able to do these, like people told me he couldn't do it. And I've watched my entire life, him just, you know, Prove grab the bull wrong. by the horns and just do it. And he's softened over the years and, you know, he's been an incredible dad and he gave up drag racing for me and my brother. That makes me emotional, but he continued to stay in the sport and it's his first love. I mean, even though he's not involved to the extent that he once was like, when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, it was one of the most emotional times for us because this is his love. So just watching my parents and 
everything that they've done and, and the family that we've created here with the employees and with the fans. I mean, I know these fans, like same people every year in the Champions Club, we have conversations. I know who their kids are. You know, it's really special to have these relationships with people that you get to see once a year from all over the country. You spoke about that guy from England. We do have one gentleman from England that's got to be in his 80s. And he comes, he didn't get to come last year because of COVID, but he has come every single year that I've worked here. And to be able to have these conversations with people from all over the world is incredible. How exciting is it for you to have the opportunity to carry on that tradition yeah. of outside of the box thinking over the top in every every aspect imaginable? I mean, it's got to feel good to be able to carry that on. And you can see uh, the glimmer in your dad's eye. I mean, I obviously don't know you guys that well, just getting to know you, but like your dad's a living legend. But you can see like he was excited to get out of the way here in this interview so you could talk. What's, what's that feel like? I mean, it's been so cool to be able to work with my dad. I mean, I've been here 15 years and he started me selling t-shirts. I was a teacher and I always wanted to be a teacher because my mom was a teacher and quickly realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so he said, do you want to learn the business? And I was like, it never dawned on me my whole life to yeah. be involved in drag racing. So I came out here and he put me in the t-shirt booth and he said, you sell t-shirts. So I was 24, maybe 23. So I, you know came and I was the t-shirt girl. I helped with some of the merchandising, but then I slowly over the last 15 years have worked my way up to, you know, co-owner with him. So it's been really neat to just learn every aspect. I've sold tickets. I've, you know, pretty much done everything here so I can, you know, just really be a part of the team and just say that I've done it. I mean, I, I'm not one of those people that wants to tell people what to do. I'm going to go do it and we can do it together. So I don't know. It's just been pretty incredible to have that opportunity with him. I've got to tell you, Christy, it's been incredible to watch. I mean, we recently, my family re recently relocated from Northeast Missouri to the yeah. Dallas Fort Worth area. And I've told my wife, like I've waited my whole life to have a national event track in my backyard yeah. and to be able to burn over here and see what you guys have built uh, relatively frequently. It's incredible. I mean, literally from TJ on the starting line, yeah. Cheeseburger, the guys in the tower, the girls over there at race control. I mean, you can sense the camaraderie, you can sense the buy-in and the commitment from the whole group. And I, I hope you're as proud of yourself as you should be, Christy. And I appreciate you, uh, putting this on, inviting us in, letting us take over yeah. the conference conference room today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate no it. No problem. Thank you so much. Seriously. We've got, what, let's round of applause, ladies. I mean, what, what are we doing in here? Are we changing the game? You guys are going to arm wrestle for who joins me next. Who's got on, who's got on a tighter schedule? Let's get Scotty in here for Clay, are you good? Hang for a minute. We've got a plan. Okay, let's, uh, let's get Scotty Palmer in here for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, I do want to remind you that... The West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real racers who can speak the tribal language of motorsports and can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs. Check out their entire inventory at EliteHP.com. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been trying to get this done for like a year. Scott's always on the road, always going to a drag race, always getting booked in because I think he's he's drag racing's evil Knievel. He's, 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 I don't know about you guys, but they're going to have to put rods in Stevie's car. Yeah, he's he's wearing this thing out. I mean, my goodness. He's wore out everybody on the pits this weekend, I'm telling you, <laughs> yes. including me first round. Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up. Al, Clay, everybody, Scotty Palmer in the house. Woo -woo! Unbelievable, man. Thank you so much for, for being here, buddy. I know you got a lot. You've probably got, I mean, you got 75 race cars over there. I'm sure you got 3,000 people. What has this week been like for you? I mean, we saw that Nitro uh, Studebaker in Tulsa with the blower kind of hanging on the hood. Yeah, it uh, landed in my lap in Tulsa. Oh, that was a sketchy deal. It was ugly. It was ugly, man. But you know that's going to happen. That's, that's what I tell everyone. 
you know, yep, it's bad that it happened, but it's going to happen. And the reason you sell t-shirts and the reason I get so much, uh, messages and fan response from that car. Yeah. Some of it is, Hey, that's never going to work and it may not, but I bet it does. It's, it's went further than people think I've tested more than they think. <laughs> We've had a few mishaps lately and it's all self-inflicted. That one was me. I heard Tucci. I'm blaming it on him because he said in the tower, uh, he, I mean, he might've went 300 feet a few times, but so I'm down there and I'm like, Oh yeah, watch this. It went 500 feet last weekend. Well, guess what? <laughs> I put, I like Ronnie Stedham. I'll call funny car guy used to tell me, put your hip into it when you stomp that gas pedal. Well, I did, but I couldn't get off the gas pedal soon enough. The RPM went to the moon when it came down to hydraulic. The blower landed in my lap. You know, the blower lands in my lap after it splits a rod down the middle from hydraulic. In, but that's going to happen. It's just a chance you take. You know that car is going to do that sometime. It is a fuel car. It is a 100% top fuel setup. There's not one thing. We took another motor out from under the bench, put in it for Saturday night. It's incredible, man. I mean, I, we, I was going to get to the, I think we got to start with the Nitro Studebaker and what you guys are trying to do. Um, I'm drawing blank, the Sandman or uh, Mac JR Daddy. Sandlin, J.R. Sandlin. Mac Daddy. Yeah. Yep. J.R. Sandlin. He was out here last night. He made a pretty good, I didn't. He made a good run. I mean, did it run good? It ran pretty good. Okay. Because it looked like it ran pretty good. The scoreboards weren't on, but it was a visually stunning It run. was a good run. Okay. So, I mean, I guess that kind of I'm not saying us, it is a. A, a world record pro mod run or nothing, but you gotta, you gotta understand what we're trying to do. My car is definitely there to be the wildest thing ever. I want it to be wild. I want you to have to go back, pull the heads off the full service. That's part of the show. Once we get this really lined out and we will, it's, it's closer than it looks. I, I get carried away. I get excited at these bigger events and I start putting weight on the clutch and add a degree of timing. Cause I want to light, I want to light the place up. Well, dude, well, we're quick. Let's back up. That run on Friday night for, or excuse me, Monday night, yes. right? The, those two shots, the top fuel cars, you and Mitch yes. King, an outlaw fuel altered and top fuel kind of legend down here in Texas. That was nuts. It was I nice. mean, it was nuts. 305 yeah. in the eighth mile. Uh, I mean, and it was actually, honestly, I kind of liked seeing the top fuel car go to the eighth mile better than I liked the thousand foot. And I, not, you know, I don't want to get a whole bunch of shit stirred up, but it, I recognize those numbers. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the eighth mile numbers just mean yeah. something to me. And I know 86 mile an hour to the yeah. eighth. You know, you, you know, we weren't like trying to go super fast, but you're at the Texas motorplex. We weren't trying to go slow either. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we want to put on a show. This, this deal is all about, this is about the future. This race is more of a social media event to get the word out there. And now the word's out there. I have three to 5,000 messages Start, that started Monday night after they saw just Facebook clips of the the music, the, pi the music. I mean, the seeing you for me, it was a little bit of a, a, a moment that I'll never forget. Seeing you climb in that top fuel car, Scott, uh, with a fog machine blowing smoke on yeah. you, and lights and lasers and pyro. And for me, it, it I'm gonna get all choked up, but it was like Scott deserves this. Damn it, he deserves to feel like this. His his. His family deserves to see him treated like this. This he's done. This is how drag racers, you guys are rock stars and you deserve to get treated like rock stars. And when you were climbing over the, the frame rail there and jumping down in the car and you pointed at me and clapped, I thought if this, if this happened consistently, drag racing would be the biggest motorsport in the world. Well, that's the problem. People don't know the story of the guys. If I, you, I can't tell my story. No one would believe it. No one would <laughs> believe where I came from. They wouldn't know how it happened. So I've always been kind of an outlaw and I just do what I want. 
if you don't like it, tough. I'm going to do it anyway. And we've seen it on display. I remember the first time I ever encountered, I mean, I've heard of you. You're where we're from, Missouri. Right. Uh, you're something of a legend. I mean, you are you're an outlaw, but you're a legendary outlaw, something like Jesse James, right? Uh, you should probably be wearing a holster. Everybody's seen you do your thing, it, whether that's making a crazy top fuel run down Ozark International Raceway, right. Rogersville, Missouri, where I don't know, I would uh, I'd be a little bit startled about making a pass in my ZL1 Camaro bone stock car. You've gone down through there in a tough car. That was a little car. sketchy, but yeah, <laughs> we've run two, I think 268 or almost 270. So yeah, it's in the eighth mile. It's unbelievable. And anybody who's ever been to Rogersville, this is no knock at those guys. It's an incredible no, track. I mean, great facility. great facility, but I mean, running a car like that there, my first experience seeing you in action was at the street machine nationals, which they just had a couple weeks ago, uh, an incredible event down there in Southern Missouri. Uh, at Rogersville at Ozark International Raceway, and you had that a '63 Corvette with a top alcohol funny car engine and transmission right. drivetrain out of it. And uh, unfortunately, that thing got moved around a little bit and headed out to the field. And I heard that uh, screw blower go. But, but on a good note, on that, I have the record down there in the top fuel car, <laughs> and I also have the record on the fastest ET to the eighth mile on your roof. So that's not bad. <laughs> I mean, if you got to have a record, you know. I wonder if Kepner keeps track of that. If he doesn't, yeah. it's like the, the best, whoever's been through the traps, the quickest on their lid. Yeah. Nobody but, wants to break my record either. No, it's but what I was I taken keep. by you were, you were in your pits. I mean, this I'm talking like within a half hour of a really scary deal, right? Yeah. I mean, thank God you're okay. Um, you know, shout out to all this safety equipment. And I know that you're a guy that, you know, despite your bravery and your courage, you take safety very right. seriously. Yeah. You do everything that you're supposed to do. Cars are the way, the best that you can make them. But 30 minutes later, just speaking to your mentality, that car is on Projax in the pits, tore to hell, windshield burnt out of it. And you were letting people climb in it, take pictures and having a beer and having a good time, music playing. And I just thought everybody could, nobody wants to see anybody tear up a race car. We all know how much money and time and energy and effort goes into this stuff. But you know what? It was seeing you take it in stride. I mean, it was just for me, I, I'll never forget it my entire life walking over to your pits and you're okay first and foremost but you're still having a good time you know what it's a chance we all take and you can you can be sad about it get it let it get you down or you can get your ass back to the shop get your car fixed we actually fixed that car didn't even we bought a front end for it never replaced a body panel I, because i did paint body work so we painted it in the very next year we went to the orlando to the to the world street finals you know? I that's remember actually where i met tucci at i remember i think that's actually the first place I think that's where I met Tucci, matter of fact, at the World Street Nationals. Um, shout out to Carl Weisinger and uh, the whole team down there, right? Orlando, it's been the, that was one, one of the, the events that started. Ever. I mean, no doubt about it, the, man. Tell the, me a little bit. I don't know that people do know how the, the legend of Scotty Palmer came to be. I mean, what was your first, I came to know you as a top alcohol funny car racer. What right. was the progression to that point, Scott? Pretty much street racing, you know, street race. I moved to Missouri when I was probably... I would say 20, maybe 25 or 30, maybe. I moved there, but I, I'm from Oklahoma. So I grew up racing at Noble, Oklahoma, Lawton, Ardmore with my dad, you know? So, and it was just bracket racing. So I moved to Springfield. I went to visit my future wife at the time. Her dad ran a company there. And I actually went to town and there was a Vega carrying the front wheels in a convenience store parking lot whole crowd of people there four speed small box chevy and it was just red it wasn't popping the wheels it was carrying the wheels across the parking lot i went directly back to 
the house, called my mom. So, mom, I found where I'm going to live. And within a week, I moved. I had a, I had a Corvette that I'd fixed up, loaded everything I could in my little Corvette, and I hauled ass because of the street race scene. And then that just, you know, I ended up with a small block blown Camaro. The run, I think we run 832 at Nova at uh, Noble. And that was a long, that was 1993. Holy cow. And I drove it to work. I, you know, so started there and then I just kept going and it just got out of control. Well, it's certainly gotten out of certainly control, out of, but I mean, it is certainly talk out. about the, the street racing scene in Oklahoma and Missouri. Yeah. Missouri, I think is slept on a little bit. I mean, I actually kind of got yeah. mixed up in that whole world in Kansas city and I was Larry Larson and all these guys. I mean, there's some real legendary street race guys from that part of the country. And I didn't really know that was your background. I don't know how many people can say that they're the catalyst for their moving was a, a car pulling the wheels across the parking lot. It was, it was definitely. And later on, we were good friends with that guy. No joke. Oh, because I searched him out immediately. <laughs> I'm going to find who I'm this dude find is. I'm going to find out who this guy is. Right that is now. awesome, man. So when when did it start to get the momentum? Top alcohol, funny card, then pro mod, then top fuel. When did, when did, what was the, what made that kind of progression possible? Um, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, Jackie and Ronnie Stidham had a alcohol funny car. I didn't know them, but they always played Almond Brothers in their pits. And I'd go by the pits and I would just stand there and drink a beer and listen to them watch. So I just, that's been a goal. And I loved alcohol funny car. But when everybody started having to have four motors to go run Pomona, I actually left Pomona one year and said, Give me a top fuel car. Dumbest idea ever. <laughs> but nobody's going to, nobody helps you financially unless you do something crazy. So you got to, you got to take the step first. Nobody's going to give you the money to go run a top fuel car if you don't have a top fuel car. They're, hey, if you give me the money, I'm going to go, I'll go and give me a top fuel car. Right. Sure, everybody would. Right. Everybody would do that. 100%. So you had to throw your hat into the ring and kind of prove that, hey, I'm willing to do this. And do that with no money. I painted cars in my garage. I did not have a fancy shop, but I did some, you know, Haas pro stock cars and I mean, trucks and I did a lot of cool stuff, but nobody really knew where I did it, but I just did enough to go, to go race to somewhere. Go race. I, probably nobody is more eat up with racing than me. Maybe Bill and Meyer. Yeah. I mean, you're in a league of your own, my I mean, friend. I mean, seeing you go from one track to another track uh, with all these different cars, I don't even know how you got all that shit here. That was that was a very big challenge. I was going to say, I mean, because you got like a couple top fuel cars, you got a, two pro mods, you got three pro mods. Three pro mods. Yeah. It's unbelievable, man. Tell me a little bit about just let's, I, everybody wants to talk about the, I mean, Monday, I think we can talk about that whole spectacle. From my understanding, Andy Carter rang your phone, said, hey, I'm going to give you like a budget to work with, and I want you to put on a nitro kind of fueled show on Monday night. My big takeaway from what I enjoyed about Monday was the pace of it. Was yeah. was that something that you guys were clued in on beforehand? Because I found it interesting. I kind of got here a little bit late. Shocking. I got here a little late on Monday night. I roll in, and Mike and I jump out of the car, and the staging lanes are full, and everybody's like belted in. Right. Like it wasn't like, hey, get up here and start getting ready. It was get ready because we're going to run these things in rapid succession. That was an incredible show, man. Kind of take me through your thought process on putting that together. Well, that that is the thing we wanted to. We originally started off. We're going to have three sessions, or we were going to have Scott Sturgeon. He had the band here, and he was going to play. And when three or four pair rolled up there, we're going to run them down. Him stop because he actually has been on a fuel team before. 
he knows the talk, he knows the routine. Right. And then we decided probably better to do three sessions. And we in, ended up doing two, one early band plays one late wanted to keep it not dragging on forever and the band play. And, you know, we, we learned a lot of stuff next year. We'll probably have the band in our pits, you know, because then the fans don't have to go back and forth and it's not so far to, to see the band and then see the cars. But that was one of the big deals was we want to keep it moving, get people in their cars. And then the last session, they did a lot of, you know, filming or, or just following us around getting in the cars. Cause I told him, I said, how many times you've been to a race and you wonder what an IndyCar guy is saying before he gets in that car? What are they doing? I want to, let's look at that. I want to see that. A million percent. And I think if like I've said, I wish, I mean, obviously I'm getting a little crazy here, but I've thought in the past, like whenever they did the canopies and I know that wasn't like super well received by everyone, but I kind of liked it. Yeah. Not from a, not for a safety aspect because it just looks complicated right like i'm going to the naked eye that shit looks serious like yep. they're bolting this person into a car and putting them in this capsule and, and, and closing I, the capsule it, it's a big deal it I mean, is it it's looks, like our boat yeah it, same lo thing. it looks sketchy not everybody would be willing to do that and you need to drum that up i mean i was i wish we could like plug wires into people and put a heart rate monitor on you because the more of a show we put on and the more I think the untrained eye, people watch drag racing on television, and it's easy to think that you're climbing in there and stomping on a gas pedal, and that's all there is to it. But when you when you paint that picture and you show that little bit of that behind the scenes, and I noticed that, Scott, Monday night, I saw all the cameras pointed on you, and it's like, man, they're really paying attention, watching him put his Hans yeah. device on, watching him get all of his gear on. That's important. They need, to get, they need to get inside the car with you and hear the noises. And, you know, I tried to put a camera in there, but it, it doesn't stay on. I haven't figured this out yet. I want them to hear the noises just when you're winding it over. You know, shit's clanging around in there. And you start, I mean, the, the average person doesn't know all the noises that are going on in there. When it starts, of course, it sounds like a buzzsaw in there. I've got couplers and, you know, right. it's it's kind of a contraption. But, but you know, it's. I think they need to see that. Even with the dragster, what are you doing? Flip the switches. do that. And you hear them charge the cannon. Air bottles on. It's like you're taking off for outer space, but the fans in the stands don't see that. And they need to. They need to see it. They need to see it. They need to see it. It's they so need to feel important. It, you know? They need to feel it and understand the sense of danger because all that stuff really just leads you up to the harsh reality. And you've talked a lot about it here recently, especially driving the Nitro Pro Mod car, the Studebaker. Like it's, hey man, this is sketchy. I mean, I look it's over sketchy. and you're fist bumping people and you don't, you're not doing that casually. No, I mean you recognize that there's I'm facing significant danger, and they know it too. Well, they know it. You know that car makes people nervous, and and rightfully so. The people on Facebook when it blows the tires off or does this or does that 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 bash me, I don't even get offended by that because they obviously have no idea what we're trying to do here. The fact that it's went three to five hundred feet, it went here. The second run it ever made went three hundred feet, and Billy Meyer let me do it because you know NHRA banned it for a long time. I couldn't really run it right. on an NHRA track. So I did, but I wasn't supposed to, you know? right. <laughs> but I mean, you know, kind of being a, a, kind of being an outlaw has come to me. Luckily I made it long enough, survived it, that it's come, it's come back because now I think they need it. Our, our sport needs something. Our, our sport needs the, we have to stop and recognize the people coming through the gate, pay the bills. A million percent. And I think we've forgot that. I do too. I mean, I think that this newfound kind of it, what they're doing down here, Billy, Christy, everybody, Andy, the whole group, you, you can sense that. I mean, we just heard it from both of them that we, we recognize we got to put on a show. Gotta be on we we got to entertain these folks. And I got to be honest. I mean, I, 
for me, and it's I, I have a point to make about the pits because you said something really interesting, but I was satisfied. I mean, if the car, it would, yeah, would it would have been cool if you guys went, both went down there yeah. side by side with the candles lit, but all that commotion and all that intensity before you guys, before you'd even gotten in the car, I felt like I'd gotten my money's worth. If I bought a ticket, you know, uh, thank God all these people let me in for free. But I mean, I'd paid, I'd have paid whatever they wanted for me to come see that whole thing unfold. Take us through. We got a lot of people that watch this show that are, that are hardcore. These are guys that have race cars that, that race a lot that, that are above average mechanically inclined. One of the things I was saying on the, the PA last night alongside Tucci was, I don't know that people understand how hard it is to slow these cars down. Like that's not, it's not like turning the volume, like on this mixing right. board, I can just turn it back. Can you take us through like what you guys are trying to do or having to do to try to slow that car down enough to go down the track? Well, one of my biggest problems is I run a top fuel dragster. So I wanted to run the dragster first cause I was 99% sure it would go right down the track because the track's good. So my problem with the Studebaker is if you make the same corrections for air, track temp, track condition that you do in the dragster that car won't take it the motor is 18 inches further forward than a fuel funny car so even fuel funny cars are more weight to the rear right so my problem is and i have some funny car friends that try to calm me down (laughs) but i have problem with that but and they tell me you know you go you take a fuel funny car and the corrections are different than a top fuel dragster makes sense so they're really small corrections. So when I come here, it's, it's odd that I go to outlaw Armageddon uh, and it's no spray. Obviously there's rubber there, right? It's not no prep, but right. But I went there straight down the track, straight down the track, goes 500 feet, start spinning the tires. I let it off, but you know, Chuck and all the guys down there, the, all the street outlaw guys were like, that thing won't go five feet here because it has blown the tires off a few times, right? Half the time. I've only made 18 runs in the car. And half of them have left the starting line and went two or three, 400 feet. That to me is good odds, but we did it there. And then we go to a good prep track. We make the corrections you would make in the dragster, which would be put a little weight on it, you know, less tire pressure. That's, you know, well, you're going to have to drive through the clutch. So you need to stand the timing graph up. No, that doesn't work on the Studebaker. And my problem is that's the only way I know. Right. Now that the Chevelle, Scott Shear, John Lawson, Pete Dove, Joe Haas, those guys gave me a, a setup for that car. And if you know those guys, their cars haul ass. It really is incredible. It's incredible. That's the second run on their tune-up. No joke. Yes. And it did that? It did that. That was impressive. That was impressive. That was really impressive. I so- was impressed smoking the tires, watching that car go down the racetrack. I was excited for JR. I mean, JR, uh, everybody. Yeah, man. Because I mean, the it's thing a was, I was just watching. You could see the timing come in. The header flames just went insane it was insane it was i mean and i mike and i were talking about this this morning i said hey man can this nitro pro mod thing be a thing i think it can i mean i think people would come i mean i don't know that there's a track in the country that wouldn't want to book that deal in no you should see my messages oh i believe it i mean and even with mine smoking the tires and not doing anything the deal last weekend was you know when we blew the blower off it was bad because we did mess up the track and and i took cooler i took a cooler full of Cokes and waters to the staging lanes, and I handed them out to everyone in the staging lanes. But you know, I'm a racer. Yeah, you get it. And so, but we did do that. But in some ways, that doesn't hurt the, the you know, people don't pay to watch you play dominoes. They don't buy t-shirts. <laughs> they they pay for 
somebody to do something. I mean, I surely think so. What do you make of like whenever, so the fueling whole process, I don't know that if that's extremely well documented or not, but you basically do a burnout, right? And is that not on nitro or on? Oh, it's on nitro. Okay. So nitro burnout, it sure seemed like it. And then you, you back up and then you've got like a formula one esque fueling system to refuel the car, right? Yeah. We do, we do have that, and it's a uh, IndyCar Redhead Valves made that for us. They make every IndyCar valve. Wow! Every IndyCar runs this, so they developed it. It's, it's actually a safe setup, safer than probably anything on the car. <laughs> but NHRA doesn't like that, and I and I have worked with them on that. We added to the fuel tank here, so at this event we didn't have to refuel it. They're worried about you know something happening, right? So I I give a little on that. That's the only thing that I pretty much. Because I'm not, I, well, I did that out of necessity, turned into part of the show. It is part of the show, I think. It's part I mean, of going show. back to what we were talking about, that that is a part of it. I mean, the fact that you're doing this thing up. So I, I wanted to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but we're going we're, we're gonna to have to rapid fire here real quick. The reason that you built that car, and I don't know if this is widely known, but you, you have a real desire. This is your evil Knievel showing. You want to be the guy who goes 300 miles per hour in a door car, correct? Yeah, that's that's the whole goal. That's the whole goal. That's the reason that thing exists. That's the reason it's put together. And how? I mean, you talked about the odds. You've made 18 runs in it. You know, sitting here today, October 6, 2021, when if you had to pick a day on the calendar or pick amount of time that has to pass before that goal becomes within reach, I mean, where, how far into the process do you think you are? I think it'll be this time next year. No shit. That's the it's kind close. of process you're it, making, like, progress you're making. Outlaw Armageddon, it ran about 240 to that point on the computer. There's no clocks there. Right. And you can, whatever, it's on our race pack data. So nobody else has to see right. it. No, I, don't, I don't really. Yeah, you it don't need to prove it to anybody. I don't need to prove yeah. it. I'm doing it for myself. You know, I'm doing it for, for the sport, but I'm doing it for myself. This is my quest in life. You know, it's this awesome. is it. I want to make, I told Mike, I want to make a movie about it. I told, I mean, I really yeah. do think that it's like, this is something that needs to be chronicled. It needs to be, uh, the story needs to be told in a really concise way, follow you along through this whole process because, I mean, that there's no other mark that's going to really be as significant as that. I mean, you're going to join, I believe, Kenny Bernstein as this true pioneer that broke a barrier that no one, I mean, people, I guess, maybe believed that that barrier was going to be broken, but I don't know that anybody ever imagined someone would go 300 miles an hour in a door car in a quarter mile. But see, I do. I, I actually believe that a turbo car will do it first if I don't hurry. I, I'm not saying in yeah. one year. But, but if, they, if they turn turbo cars loose right now, Shane T would run 300. I think he could. I, I thought about that. Carl uh, Carl Stevens Jr. and I yes. have had conversations about it, too, because this that's something that's on his radar as well. Yes. He's talked about, like, you know, I really think those cars have been 270 um, with, with without hanging the rods out of them, without spontaneously combusting. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's clearly maybe there i mean obviously 30 mile an hour is a lot but with those things not really it's it's there yeah i mean i, it, I watched shane t run 221 in the eighth weekend. mile last in the weekend mile. yeah i mean it's it's bonkers awesome. i mean that it's car, absolutely bonkers those cars are impressive so what's your when you look forward you talk about your this event is kind of for the future let's talk about scott palmer's future uh we haven't. You don't intend, I believe, to run like a full pull top fuel series. Is that that's no longer on your radar? You're just looking for a good time. You know, I wanted to prove that a little guy could be competitive given the chance. I, I proved it. Yes, you did. So now I want to run 
half, you know, 10 or 12 NHRA races, and then I want to run whatever I want. It's awesome. I'm man. in a position where I can do that now. So I haven't put all my eggs in one basket. So, you know, I, I talk to Ned all the time. And last year he said, what are you doing buying an alcohol funny car? Well, I'm going to run funny car chaos. <laughs> you know, the 64 car field. and It was know, awesome. Chris Graves. I mean, it's a killer deal to be a, a part killer of. killer deal. And I couldn't, I just couldn't see me not being in the staging lanes. <laughs> right. Got to do it, man. So if you think about it, during the virus, you know, I won't go to a race with no fans. So I skipped four or five races at Indy. That money that I didn't spend to go run bought me a Corvette Promod turnkey <laughs> and an alcohol funny car turnkey. Now I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Now I can do a little bit of whatever you want. A little bit of whatever I want. It's awesome, man. Thank God for that. How seeing that burnout you did Monday night in the Studebaker, why? I mean, I think everybody, I mean, you're known for being the guy that still does the throttle wax in the pits. What 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 can we do to like is there has that ship sailed as far as like these guys that are here? You know, the NHRA guys, are we ever gonna see those cars do big burnouts or and how bad does that I mean, can you go fast and do a big nasty burnout? Yeah, you can. Okay. I, take Ozark Raceway for granted. That is our, for example, that is, uh, that ran 310. Obviously, that could have run 305 or better if we'd just open the flows a little. But that was an eighth mile under power burnout. Yeah, I mean, it went to the scoreboards yeah. and w- with the tires were smoking. Right. It was a full, tra- full eighth mile burnout. And obviously, it didn't hurt it. it. It went right down. And I've done it in the dragster a few times. I've hundred percent sure I'll do it. I mean, and that's what kind of breaks my heart because I feel like our sport, it's like we owe everything to racers, but at times racers can be the biggest problem, right? Because we will, we will sacrifice almost anything in the name of performance and even our show. Right. It's know? a problem because if you don't believe that, well, have everybody gets caught up and they think NHRA and our, our sport is, just a huge deal and you get a little bit caught up in it and you forget why you started doing it but if you'd been here for the sunday night concert you'd realize how small our sport is yeah they came for a lantern show they lit lanterns and lanterns and cinema half the people there there was 35 40,000 people probably here it was i've never seen this place with this many people especially at a race and half the people left after the lantern show so we're doing something wrong. We have to get our sport out there. I think you're right. I mean, it's it, that's I can't help when I saw the pr- the production on Monday night and I see the the bands and all the extra stuff. Like if that was if that's how we did it, like if that was the rule instead of the exception, I think this would be the a guy like you would be sponsored by Coke. You know what 100%. I'm saying? Like, I, I just, it frustrates me because clearly you look at Motor Trend, Motor Trend can't get enough car content. I mean, they, they've got 70 different dudes rebuilding cars and restoring rat, rat, whatever. You know, I mean, automotive content is doing well right now. We got Detroit auto manufacturers that are sending cars out of the, off the assembly line that makes 700, 800 horsepower. Right. That Dodge has got a truck that makes like a thousand horsepower. Tesla's got a thousand horsepower electric car. Performance matters. People still care about their car. People still are into this shit. The street outlaws have done a fantastic job. They've, they've done great things for our sport. Great things for our sport. And so to your point, Scott, whenever I'm here and I see, you know, maybe the crowd, we not being what we want it to be in some of the events all over the country, 
I feel like we got to take a little bit of responsibility for it. We do. Yeah. And the problem is we don't ever do that. No. As a group, Uh, individual here and there, like us doing our crazy shit that we do. Yeah. That's cool and everything, but somebody else has to, to, I'm not a businessman. I'm not a promoter. I'm not anything. I'm just out here, you know, more than that, but doing what I, doing what I love. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I mean, you know, somebody has to do that. Like Eddie Carter and Billy and Christy and they, they saw that. How the, how do you even, you call me to do this? To me, that's crazy. It was awesome. I wouldn't have, but who else do you call? I don't know. You know, I actually have a guy that wants to talk to you about driving a top fuel car. So I need to get you connected with him next week. But anyways, I mean, I think that you, I hope you know, Scott, you're a legend. And I mean, people respect you and I think they respect the passion. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think people know that it's a guy that's out here doing it for all the right reasons. Right. I mean, you could yeah, do it's, something it's else. Co- it's, it's cost me. You know, it has I'm definitely sure. held me back plenty of times, but I will not. I will not do it any different. I mean, I don't think you need any more like reinforcement than that sea of humanity that, that sh- crowds around your pit, no matter where you go. Right. right. Whether it's Wichita, whether it's here, whether it's Martin, Michigan, wherever, when you show up and you embrace that, it's that evil can evil thing, man. All you need is a cane, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know how to put on the show. Oh, well, you see and- that to see that little truck down there? Yeah. That little plastic thing. That's oh, yeah. all the wheels knocked off of it. Well, Alex Laughlin brought in. I got a new little mini bike down there. I have a great picture of it. He brought in from 160 Wraps, his 360 yeah. Wraps, I think, his sponsor. Uh, sticker kit. So now my new little Honda 110 is stickered up Evil Knievel. So I'm gonna, we're going to jump that this weekend. We might, there might be a few beers involved. But. There may, well, I want to be here when, when Scotty jumps. Oh, yeah, the, we're uh, building a ramp right now over there. No joke. Well, I'm coming to your pits as soon as we're done. Scott, thank you so much for being here, man. I could talk to you for 10 hours, but I know that we've got to we got to keep on Plus moving. Plus, we got Clay Milliken. We got right Clay here. Milliken sitting over here. He's been patiently waiting in the green room for three days, man. It's he'll probably jump. He'll probably jump the mini bike. I bet he would. I know it's, he. Can it's do in it. his blood. I know he can do it. I know he Me, can do it. You know, yeah. You know, I may break a hip or something, but I'll <laughs> we'll take pick that you too. up, brother. Uh, they tell me over there, no, we're not going to let you do that. You know, you got you got stuff to do this week. I said, no, Alex is driving this weekend. I'm I'm good. Yeah, you know? you're good, I'm man. Good. You're set. You're just here to hang out, right. man. Hey, real quick, how about Alex Laughlin? He's it would appear that he's doing a great job. You proud doing of great. him? Very proud. I mean, it's Very. cool. How how is the experience of like the. I love the melding of you and him because he kind of brings this like real polished, you know what I mean? He's got everything's all done up exactly the right, you oh, know, yeah. how he it's wants all, it. It's all, it's all perfect. Have you enjoyed seeing yeah, that it's a been little fun. bit? It's been a lot of fun. You know, I'm used to me and Lee Calloway drive the other ones and me and Lee Calloway, are, we're just buddies. <laughs> it's just like, I, he was quitting his alcohol dragster deal. And I said, Oh no, no, yeah. you got to drive a top fuel car before you quit. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Y'all. I said, yeah, come on. We'll, we'll put this other car together. So, Anyway, we do that for Lee. So, but we're doing it as buddies, right? We're just we're just buddies. Yeah. So Alex's deal. I told him. I said, "You have such a huge following in over here in this world. I have a huge following of outlaws and rebels, and you may see Hell's Angels or right. Bandit. You may see. You, there's no telling what you'll see. But they're all true friends. Yeah, know? true friends. But you, I have all the outlaw deals. So." He posted a picture of him in a tractor after he got his license and ran Denver. I told him, I said, you have to post more pictures like that. People think you sit at home and, you know, get your fingernails done. Yeah. You post pictures like that, you'll have all my fans on your side. But my fans are those guys in those tractors. Yeah. And That's 100% right. And his fans are, are think I'm lost my mind. I'm a little too rough around the edges for them. I like it. 
but I think it's a good, it's kind of merged them together. So it's been a pretty cool deal. And well, he's I mean, doing a great job. I mean, and you've given him a car that, I mean, and that's the coolest part, right? It's not like this thing's making it eight foot. I mean, he could go, he could win this weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, he beat himself up the second race. He lost on a whole shot. Second said, race in, man. Said, Come on, man. Quit. You got to quit worrying about your lights. You, I would say it took me 15 years to run 370 something, and he did it in his third run. Right. So you have to put it in perspective a little bit. It's incredible, man. Thank you for what you, you do for this sport as drag racing, Scott. Seriously. I, I just, love you, man. You know, I just love the sport. We got to keep it going. Somebody's got we to. We got to get the stands full again. Yes, sir. That's some excitement. I want to talk, talk about it. I'd love to. Both of those cars Monday went down the track, but. I'm still not willing to back my car down. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to make it work. Is that thing got solid rear suspension? Solid. It's got a yeah. It's got a 12 inch Crispin, just like funny, just like a funny, just like a funny car. That's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Thank you, Scott. Thank we'll you. We'll come see you in a little bit, brother. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you so much, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to remind you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you've got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, The Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Mel Ross Streetcar Nash Super Nationals, Jason Miller's World Cup Finals, Chris Gray's Funny Car Chaos, and much, much more. The coolest part? Well, other than the fact that you can literally watch live drag racing anytime you want, 24, day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week on any device you choose, the fact that these people are really doing incredible things for the sport of drag racing. Again, this is a little bit personal for me, and I, I apologize. We've got a top alcohol dragster down here. No, a nitro, a top fuel dragster. For someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes the sport of drag racing, what Flow Racing is doing is I can't, I can't say it enough. They are helping grow the sport of drag racing. They are providing a platform that is just so, so critical to our sport. So please recognize that by supporting Flow Racing and joining the movement, you're supporting the sport of drag racing. You're help promoters, helping promoters pay more money, put on better events, and above all else, you're putting drag racing in front of as many eyeballs as humanly possible. So log on to flowracing.com slash That's flowracing.com slash drag illustrated and join the movement today. I appreciate it. They appreciate it. And we certainly appreciate them sponsoring this show so we can hang out and talk drag racing every week and chill with living legends. I mean, I can't even believe this is happening. Clay Milliken in the house. We don't have as big a crowd as earlier. We need some studio guests. Let's give it up. <laughs> Woo, what's going on, Clay? Thank you, dude. Oh, dude, all I, all I want to say, though, is from West Buck's mouth, to God's ears, I have goosebumps and the hair standing up on the back of my neck. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. Everybody's Seriously, great. everybody. I great. know you. Uh, yeah, I know you just drove across. Uh, you drove over here this morning, waiting on a package to show up, and then headed out to the track. So thank you for for driving all this way in the motorhome and then coming straight here. I appreciate it. Pretty much. And uh, if you noticed a different change of smell, it was me because I literally <laughs> like drove all night and come right here. But uh, man, I'm glad to be here. You know, I. I text you a lot you know uh, we text each other about a lot of various things but i'm super excited to be on here i've had you on my show before and uh i guess the shoe's on the other foot so to speak now oh, i like it man i mean you were actually on the show uh 
briefly. It was a short stint. You were on the show. It was right after you won in Bristol, yes. Father's Day weekend. It was a super emotional thing. We just put you on the cover of the yep. magazine. Yep. And it was like, like a real good luck thing. We, it was. Yeah. I mean, we we joke about this. Mike and I talk about it a lot. There's always been like the Sports Illustrated curse. This is the opposite. I think it's the opposite. We got a, I don't know that we're like batting a thousand, but we're doing pretty well. I would say you're doing I mean, really I well. We're doing pretty well, man. Well, hey, there's a lot to cover, but I want to dive right in. And people, I mean, I love the opportunity to talk to someone like yourself, an NHRA high level guy, world champion, but talk about something far away from that. What was your no prep Kings experience like? You just were out at Vandermeer Speedway, uh, a, a facility and a group of people, much like the family here and the facility here in Texas at the Motorplex that have done so much for the sport of drag racing. Take me through kind of your thoughts and overall impressions on that show. So I got to tell you real quickly. So this past weekend, they were doing the IHRA team finals at Memphis and my sister was in that. And I looked at the weather and I'm like, it's going to rain here at home. And so I text her, will you be mad if I go to Denver? <laughs> and, you know, and, and asked my wife like, Hey, can I take off and go? She's like, get out of here. You're going to be miserable if you're not at a racetrack this weekend. <laughs> so on Thursday night, about eight o'clock, I bought a ticket to go to Denver and took, awesome. took off and went. And Jeff Lutz and Jeffrey are, they're, they're some of my best buddies. You know, they're, they're a great family, him, Christine, everybody didn't tell him showed up. And he's just like, you know, holy crap, what yeah. are you doing here? And I'm like, I have no idea. But what I do know was that that was so much fun. It will not be the last one I go to. Uh, it is so much different than what we do, but at the same time, the racing is incredible. And the drama that comes along with it makes it even that much more fun. I mean, I certainly wasn't in the middle of it. I was helping Jeff run his car, but when it came time for the chip draw and, and the things that go on with that, you know, I stayed back but observed it. Holy moly. These guys are pretty serious about it. Yes, it's a reality show, but if you were there for the first round of the chip draw, when you got Pat Musey, Justin Swanstrom, and Chuck, and you name it, screaming and yelling at each other, that was there was no fakeness to that. Like uh, Justin was calling out Kai Kelly for five grand for first round. And, and I mean, this 20 television cameras around, but they ain't gonna be able to use much of it. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, were you like taken by that? Did you see it and go, Oh man, th these guys are onto something. I mean, what was your, I mean, you're a real clean cut guy and, and I mean, just being honest, yeah. that's kind of your character. You're a yeah. great ambassador for all your sponsors. Right. And you've had these relationships for years and years. Do you watch that type of thing unfold and kind of go, Holy crap. I can't believe I enjoyed it. I mean, you yeah. know, yes, it's not my style. That's not how I was raised. It's not me. Right. But but I truly enjoyed how real it is, though. Again, a lot of people think, you know, it, it's scripted. scripted. It's not. I mean, the racing's real. That was real. And for them to be able to, to have those kind of moments where they are literally screaming and yelling at each other and then to be able to go put their helmet on and, and not – totally fist fight every time is pretty impressive. They're, they're very serious about their racing. It was, uh, all around. I mean, there is so many things we could learn from what they're doing that it would help our show. I think so. Tell me that was literally, thank you for that, because that was what I was going to ask. If there were, are there a couple of things that just at the top of your mind that you could say, Hey, we, we should try that or, uh, some things that really stuck out, stuck out to you in terms of like how they did the show. Well, I mean, I, I think it would be one of the coolest things ever that, you know, we're in the middle of the countdown right now. How cool would it be for us to 
gather up in a pile with a microphone where the fans can hear it and do call outs. You think Brittany Force wouldn't be calling out Steve Torrance first round? I think you that know would what happen. I mean. I mean, I think that would be exciting. You know, uh, I would love to see uh, you know Richard Freeman and some of that bunch in a pile. You know, calling out Greg Anderson. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we know? saw a little bit of that at the World Door Slammer Nationals. You were there. I was there. And like that was kind of our our approach to that event. And then prior to that with the World Series of Pro Mod in Denver, we wanted to like I'm not at all afraid. Like if somebody's making a million dollars down the street with a lemonade stand, I'm not gonna feel inclined to sell like peach lemonade. Right. I'm just gonna do whatever they're doing. Yeah. It looks like it's working. So I looked at the drag racing landscape and I thought I'm gonna pick and choose the things that I like from all these different type of events. And I got to tell you, you know, watching Greg Anderson and Erica Enders and Jeg Coughlin and all, Bo Butner, all these guys draw names out of a chip and have to, you know, figure out who they're going to have to run. And you get to see that look on their face when they realize they got to run whoever yeah, some hit. They don't know what lane round. they're going to get till they draw the chip, you know, it's and, awesome. And here's something else that I found very fascinating. Uh, Time slips didn't matter because you don't get one. Big ETs, big speeds, it's all out the window at no prep. Doesn't matter. And the fans pack the place. They go wild. They are attached to those drivers and the cars and, and all those things above. And it was really interesting that it is such a different crowd. Now, there were plenty of people that recognized me, and right. there were way more that knew who Jeff Lutz was. They knew who Sean was. They knew Murder Nova. You know, right. they knew Daddy Dave. But it's a different crowd. And and if we can get those people following over here, again, Scott Palmer just said it. What Street Outlaws has done for drag racing is amazing because they've helped not only national event tracks like Bendemir, but, you know, by Hey Your Raceway, you know, or whatever the case may be, all those little tracks where those guys go and run it's great for drag racing. It's great for cars being built. It's great for, you know, everybody that has anything to do with drag racing. Street Outlaws has, has been a big effect to that. I think so. What was it like being anonymous a little bit out there? I mean, or like not being able to walk around? Because you couldn't really do that here. Because, I mean, everybody's going to stop you and, yeah. and everybody. What, what was that experience? Did you kind of enjoy that? I had a blast because, you know, I got to work on the car more. I was involved with, you know, everything they were doing between rounds. Yeah. And I make fun of, of, of Lutz every time I go. Like the moment I get there, he hands me a freaking ratchet and, you know, puts me to work, <laughs> which is great. But it was really cool, you know, going up, reading the starting line, working with Jeffrey on all that sort of thing. Now, granted, the racers certainly knew who I was, but, but I was able to just come and go from, from the pits to the starting line, and pretty much, you know, it was it was really awesome to do all that. And it is truly a no-prep surface. I don't care what people say. Right. You know, am I saying the racetrack was good or bad? No. But did they touch it? No. Right. You know? So I think there's a little bit of misconception on that, that, you know, they scrape it down to nothing. And No, they don't. It is how the track is when they right. get there. You know, uh, they did scrape it some, but it's not no. like they're out there with a grinder exactly. right, trying to get fresh concrete exactly. or anything. I mean, and it's the cars are fast. I mean, it's we, they are we, faster than people realize. Agreed. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say, because I don't think people really understand that. 
J.R. Todd blast him one down through there. He's made a couple he solid has. runs. 392, Is J.R. Todd, I mean, this is the third, maybe fourth run they've made. They've made um, a lot. They've made a lot of runs today. What do you make of this switching gears here pretty dramatically? What do you make of this test session situation? I mean, you guys aren't participating, I take it. We are not, but this is amazing. Everything that, and you've had Billy on and Christy on, and everything they've done here is absolutely awesome. You know, they've up the money for, for everybody being here. It's a big deal, you know, Friday night. You know, uh, we got really good parts. We just don't have a lot of them. So we're trying to think about that Friday night and that $15,000 because Clover can throw down when we need to throw down. Yes, he can. Tell me about, like, something that I don't think gets talked about enough, and I know that it's, we're probably going to get in trouble here, but, like, I get frustrated a little bit. Every other sport, for the most part, whether it's, I mean, golf has been mentioned a few times today, but, like, the amount of money that's up for grabs is typically a big part of the promotion, right? I mean, everybody wants to talk about it in drag racing. Unfortunately, there is no money to talk about. There's no money to talk about. People really avoid that conversation like at all costs. How much of a motivator for a team like yours and the Parts Plus group and Doug Stringer, I mean, how much of a motivator is that bonus round, bonus money on Friday night and getting paid to show up? It's right? a big deal. It is a really big deal. I mean, you know, we're we're a, a sponsored team and, and very proud and, and try to do our best for each and every one of them. But it makes a difference to a single car team like us. You know, you take a guy like Scott Palmer, it makes a big, big difference. I mean, well, would we love to go out there and, and do some sort of special race that pays a hundred grand? You know, I did that years ago yeah. at Huntsville, Alabama, you know, with George Howard back in the day, well. you know, so rocket city national. Absolutely. Right? You know, I love that stuff. And yes, you know, Money is what these things run on. You know, we pour nitro in the tank, but it takes money to buy it. And uh, what they're doing here, you know, is a little bit out of the box, which is awesome. I think you'll see other teams doing it. It's important, you know, because it does make a difference to a team like ours. You know, some of the factory teams, which is my, my kind of I cross that over to the motocross world, the yeah. factory teams, eh, maybe not so much. But right. for a team like us and a lot of teams, uh, car out there doing a burnout now which is tim wilkerson's top fuel car which is awesome that tim's got a top fuel car he's it, built something of an empire yeah don't I mean, you see you know, that i mean i, I feel that be the case you think this money doesn't matter to him it does you know so uh what billy and, and everybody here you know andy carter everybody it's huge i mean we can't afford to to go out there and break our parts because we need them for the weekend but we're certainly thinking about that friday night low et Absolutely. And who could blame you, man? I'm, I can't believe And honestly, I think that number would be higher. And I think there'd be more money up for grabs if these people would have had their druthers. Like, I think if Andy and the whole gang here, Billy, Christy, if they were able to do what they wanted to do, I think those numbers would all be way higher than they are. I think they're the powers that be said, hey, we can't go that far because of precedence being set. Right. right? I mean, it, and, and I kind of love it. I think they, the NHRA, maybe we're calling, you know, talking Turkey. I think they need that kind of pressure. I think they need a precedent set outside of their kind of control oh, to say 100%. like, Hey, this is what these guys deserve to be racing for. They deserve to get paid to show up. I mean, these are the baddest of the bad. These are. Whoa. We're getting over there a little bit by the wall. Yeah. But, uh, oh, good. Yeah, all good. Live the race another day. I'm curious, though, what one of the things I, I that we to get say asked, something real yeah. quick, because you're saying, you know, about, you know, Billy Meyer and everybody here at the Motorplex offering that money and, and maybe they were held back a little bit. I think this sport and I'm especially talking Nitro is missing the IHRA. I think it's huge what we had back in those days. You know, it was a great series and everybody needs a little competition. Yes. 
I mean, it's, I've actually heard that a handful of times. Bobby Bennett said it a couple weeks ago on a, I can't remember what show he was on, but he was on a show and he just said that in his opinion, he was saying like the NHRA was at its best when the IHRA was at its best. I agree. You know, and I think that that's a really unique, you know, that's a, that's a strong I mean, I, realization. I, I hate to run completely down this path because I know you've, you're, you're on time constraints no, we're here, but we've got none. We decided to pull the plug on all time constraints. So <laughs> let's do what we want. But the reason that Peter Lehman, when the guy that gave me my opportunity, the guy that gave me my start, the reason that we went IHRA racing was because it paid better. It forced NHRA to up its game. I mean, when we started, IHRA paid twenty grand to win a race, and it was eight cars, three qualifying rounds, and that was the same thing NHRA was paying. NH and they had a 10 race schedule to 12 race schedule in the IHRA where you had 18 or 20 in the NHRA. NHRA paid 200 grand to win the championship. IHRA paid 200 grand to win the championship for half the races and two less runs, three qualifying rounds, three rounds of elimination. So economically, because Peter Lehman was such a smart guy, he's like, this is where we need to go. You know, this is the, the thing that we needed to do, which kind of goes back to these things run on money. And so, you know, I love the NHRA and I'm not knocking them, but no. I think we're missing that little bit of competition and a place where, you know, maybe somebody that, that can't compete at a 360 elapsed time kind of level could go run somewhere else and have the opportunity. There's a handful of things to pull out of that, Clay, and I appreciate the because that's a fantastic segue into where this whole thing is headed. But I'm curious, when you look at one of the things that kind of – we talk about and we say it a little bit tongue in cheek, but oftentimes when I look at like Nitro Alley and I look at all these top fuel and funny cars, I can't help but wonder if I'm looking at something that's like slowly going extinct. I mean, just if we're going to be honest, right, because of that point you're making that it's so expensive to do this, right? What, how important is it? I don't know that anybody out here in the pits expects to get rich racing top fuel, but how important is it for the NHRA to create an environment where it's least, I don't know, maybe you can at least get halfway to zero or get close. You know what I mean? Man, it's just such a tough deal, you know, and the NHRA is, is the top of the top. You know, they're, they are the elite. They are the best there is, but you know, it's team owners and racers that really cause the problem. I mean, you know, that it's racers period. And then it doesn't matter if it's a bracket guy, he spends money to make his car more deadly consistent. And yes, whether sir. it's a, a nitro team that's trying to go three fifties, right. you know, we're, we're the problem. And I don't know how you fix that. You know, I mean, you can, you can do that through formula one. I think they have kind of put a spending cap on, I think in some sort of way. Am I right? Mike's an F one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR's attempting to do it where they have a, you know, a spec car coming for next year. I don't know how we do that. I really, really don't. It's tough to put like the rabbit back in the hat, but I just wonder if there was like a little bit more of where a guy, you told me one time, and I don't know if this is still true, but like one of the top line items on your guys' annual budget with the top fuel team was diesel fuel. Travel. Travel. Period. Yeah. I mean, Travel, it, period. Absolutely. It's, it's a huge, huge part of what we do, you know, and uh, I just had this thought and when we mentioned it just earlier, how much difference would it make if we didn't know how quick and fast the cars went? I don't think it don't makes know. any difference. I mean, I know there's going to be people. But I mean, people... with budget-wise. And, oh. and yes, people are going to light me up over yeah. saying that, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I definitely think it pushes everybody. It keeps the spending 
kind of ever increasing, right? Because if Grubnik goes 364, we've got to, I mean, we saw it in action and it was actually kind of a rare little sampling of how this whole sport works because we saw that one upsmanship in St. Louis on full display, yep. right? I mean, we saw one car out there go out and go fast. And then we just saw everybody trying to one up that guy, not really necessary. Like yeah. you're all qualified. I don't know that any, I don't know that there was enough cars for anybody to get bumped out. No, it was, it was okay. 18 cars. Okay, there was 18, yep. but I mean, most, I mean, it was kind of an interesting yeah. dynamic because everybody racers kind of showed their yeah. racer. Yeah. Alan Johnson showed out with Mike Salinas. Yes. And everybody felt you know? this yeah. in pressure to go out and try to one up that. Yep. So a bunch of cars smoked tires, you know what I mean? A handful of good runs, but it was just funny because you saw that whole when racers kind of get going. Right. Oh, absolutely. People, you saw it on full display it's there. Ego. I, ego, right? And it's a healthy thing. It's not it a bad is. thing. But I, I don't it. know. I don't know sometimes how to how to pull that back or put the rabbit back in the hat. But I mean, part of the 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 conversation and a lot of the comments we get, how much do you think that there's a little bit of um not damn do we need to change the narrative on what it takes to run a top fuel car? Because I think you're one of the guys that could maybe fill us in that it that it maybe maybe it's not I mean, there's no way to say it's affordable. There's no way to say it's cheap. But is it maybe more doable than people think? It is, 100%. I mean, our team, Scott Palmer, you know, there's a few others out there. We're not spending $4 million a year. We don't have it. Could I go Could I go top fuel racing and go to all the races for a million bucks? Probably not. Probably not. A million five? You'd be really close. Okay. You'd be really close. I mean, you know, if million five million seven you could get the job done and compete you know? yeah. maybe not you know blow yeah. everybody's doors off but yep. be in the hunt i think so i mean I if so. you compare and contrast that to like nascar racing or any other type of high level motorsport i mean i just i wonder if kind of the show that has been put on the last 20 years by don schumacher and the and john force and the Coletta, factory teams the factory teams it's kind of like american graffiti we're going up against you know the factory right and it's like those guys i think that it looks so big and the big shop in Brownsburg, the big shops in Brownsburg and all these huge facilities. I think on the outside looking in, people don't even want to attempt it because it just looks like it costs $10 million. Yeah. I mean, a, a good number to use, you know, if you could, if you can come up with 90 to a hundred grand a race, you can, you can get with the program with that. And go make three runs. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and win races, you know, if you kind of use that 90 to a hundred grand number, is a good number and you're not going to have that big fancy shop you don't but you don't need that right you don't race your shop you know you don't have to have all of that you just need clutch disc crank rods pistons blowers the main thing that you really got to have though is good people you got to have people that have the want to they want to do this yes. i mean i I live it every day. I want to do this. You know, my wife and I laugh. I've been married my whole life, 30, going on 36 years this year. Congratulations. That's awesome. And we know we can't retire because we have no retirement, but we <laughs> love it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. We love it. We, you know, we got the dogs and an old motorhome and, and we're hit, we hit the road, you know, and I love this sport. There is nothing no better. And there is nothing better than taking Doug Stringer in the Parts Plus car and kicking the crap out of them factory teams. It is just exciting. It's awesome to watch, man. And to know that that – do you think there's a little bit of a correction that's coming, coming down the pipe? It's happening right now. I agree. It is. It's happening. And, you know, I don't think in any form or fashion, you know, you mentioned is this thing going to be extinct? I don't believe so because – 
you know, uh, we see if you if you go back and look in the 20, the twenty plus years, I think that's Austin Proc right there. That's a great segue. Um, I think you see this cycle happen all the time. Oh, there's no top fuel cars. There's a lot of funny cars. There's no funny cars. There's a lot of top fuel yep. cars. We're seeing the same thing happen in Pro Mod. You know, it, it kind of it true. cycles. You know. There's still plenty of pro mod cars out there, but they're over there doing, you know, the deal with Keith Haney. Yeah. Are they doing, you know, whatever, you know, that there's pro mod cars everywhere and things just kind of work themselves out. But, you know, the reset, I think you're on it, you know, it's going to make it sway on its own. It feels like there's something of a reset going on. I mean, there's all, this has been a wild, uh, the silly season or the rumor mill has been churning all year long. I mean, I think more than I've ever seen in NHRA. There is so many things coming that I'm excited that I can't even talk about. Same here. I mean, I kind of feel like a a burden on my shoulders that I can't share all this information, but I'm telling you guys and everybody that's tuning in, like be paying attention because there's going to be a lot of like major news stories this off season heading into the end of the year. And I think that there may be something of a correction that's going to arrive here, but I want to, that we've got a lot to cover still. And I do want to remind everybody, thank you so much for being a part of this. Like having all these people tune in and be a part of this conversation every Wednesday afternoon. I think I can speak for my, my partner in crime, Mike Carpenter, uh, Murder Tundra on the ones and twos, everybody at Drag Illustrated that we just really appreciate it. Clay Milliken for being here in studio. We, uh, we can't do this without you guys. Your comments, your engagement, it's like oxygen to us. It's so important and I just appreciate it and I apologize that I'm further away from my screen that I typically am. Normally I'm able to kind of see and dive into some of these comments and and be a little bit more interactive and I apologize for that. I ask you that you hang out. We're gonna do a, our typical Q&A, Drag Illustrated After Hours and kind of bounce around and talk some crap here after the show. But but how cool does this look? This backdrop, look good, I right? mean, you, you've got a full on freaking studio going here. It feels here. like it, it right? Does. I'm real happy with this and Mike and I were sweating bullets. We were literally sweating, whole, lugging all this shit up here. Well, I can and, tell you right now, I'm not sweating. I'm about to freeze you're to shaking. death. He's shaking. <laughs> You turn the air up. I look over and I said, Clay is literally shivering, and I'm bad about doing this to people. I told him earlier. I said, I have Mike, no insulation. No, bro. We need to eat. I'm taking you to eat right now. We're running up the road to Midlothian and going to uh, In and Out. But uh, you Whataburger. Just, oh, are you a Whataburger oh, guy? Oh yes. Whataburger. Are you serious? Oh, Whataburger. What do you get on mustard? Man, I get. Oh yeah, mustard. Yeah. Onion. No onion, Me just either. everything else. Though. You're a Whataburger over In-N-Out? Oh, 100%. And I'm going to get in trouble from Drag Race fans for that. But I like In-N-Out shakes, but I'm not as big a fan of the burger, but I love Whataburger. Whataburger, I think, wins on fries. But I, I don't know, man. I, I'm actually kind of stunned right now. It's going to take me three or four days to recover <laughs> from this. I think I'm with you. There he is, Murder Thunder. Uh, yeah, man, I'm with you, Clay. Thank JT, you. Out of here. Don't. This is <laughs> blasphemy, brother. I mean, I, and actually, this is a great way to get some great comments going. Let's uh, throw it out there. Let's do a poll. Uh, in and out versus Whataburger. Those of you that are down here from the Texas area, it's like fighting words. If you're from the West Coast, um, it's certainly fighting words. But throw it in the comments. Are you an in and out guy or gal? Or are you a Whataburger guy and gal? We just saw Clay Austin Proc. What, why is Austin Proc driving John Force's car? I think. Golly, I feel like I shouldn't even say anything because the whole Austin Proc thing gets me stirred up on a whole nother no, subject. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, you got to believe, you got to believe, license. and this is purely me talking, y'all. Yeah. If I'm John Force, that's the kid I'm putting in my car when I retire, whenever that is. So why wouldn't you put him in the car every opportunity you got to get laps? That yeah. kid can drive a race car. He's a good kid. He's a good person. 
I think that's got to be John's replacement. If- I mean, question, and then I've got, I want to go back to Austin. But I asked this, Mike, to, may, should I save this? Mike, you got to give your take in a minute. We don't have enough microphones to go around. I apologize. But I do want to ask this. John Force is in contention for a championship. I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that he could win a 17th ring yep. in 2021. I mean, he's right there. I mean, obviously, he's got his hands full. Ron Caps, Matt Hagen, bad sons of guns. Matt Hagen's on a roll like we don't see very often in drag racing. John Force is really one of the only guys that put on dominating performances like that in Funny Car. He's got his hands full. But I do think, I mean, I see a path. I mean, it may start this weekend in Texas for, for John Force to win a 17th ring. If he wins that 17th championship, does he go out on top? Does he hang it up? Man, that's a tough one because John Force, I feel like he has no other hobbies. This is what he does. He's done it his entire life. He is Elvis of the sport, you know, so, but what better way to go out? What better way to go out? You think about, let me think, John Elway. Boom, Super Bowl. Great example. I'm out of here. Great example. You know, but. And you see it in combat sports a lot where guys stay too long and they end up face down on the canvas, humiliated in front of their friends and family. You know what I mean? And it's like, it was one fight too many, you know, or whatever. However, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I think there's no chance. I I was having that conversation with a friend the other day and, and Mike's a firm believer that that's the play, you know, that in, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. And I, I definitely think a case can be made for John to like ride off into the sunset with a, a, a medal around his neck, a ring on his finger. I mean, it doesn't matter what he does. He's still, you know, he's still, he's John, still Forrest. John Forrest. He's still but John Forrest. But I think that he will never, I don't know. And I honestly think it will be problematic because if he wins at whatever 70 something. I'm coming back. There is no, if he finds out <laughs> that he can win a championship and compete still, and I mean, and he's having to pull every bag, every trick out of the bag. I mean, he's double bulbing guys. He's slow staging. Stuff, I, I do too. That. I love it. We need more of it. Um, well, let's talk about that shenanigans on the starting line. But first, you did mention Austin Proc. There's been an interesting storyline this year that I only recently got to thinking about. We were having a production meeting this morning, and it was nowhere near as intense as the ones that Andy Carter has here at the Motorplex, I will admit. Uh, but we were having a little bit of a production meeting this morning, Clay. And we were talking about that great storyline that has taken place during the countdown of, you know, we roll into the NHRA U.S. National. Unfortunately, Matt Hagen gets diagnosed with COVID. Um, scary, scary deal. Glad that Matt's on the, on the mend and back in the car. Um, but Tommy Johnson Jr. slides in as a fill-in. And let's get this uh, Robert Height out of the way here real quick momentarily, guys. I apologize. Wes Buck is fixing to get me wound up, y'all. Well, and I actually see Austin Proc <laughs> standing out in yep. front of the car. Is that him? That is him. Straight out of John's car out there lining Robert up for the burnout. He's going to back him up. Yeah. I wish there was a live feed of this, guys, because it's this is why it's so important to go to test sessions. I'm going to encourage all of y'all race fans and racers, if you get the opportunity to go to a test session and see these guys in a more relaxed environment, it is unique. It is. I mean, right now, I'm going to give you the play-by-play. Austin Proc, fully fire-suited, backing Robert Hyde up. His dad is a bad dude. Austin works on that car and he's doing double duty today, obviously, because he's rolling Robert Hyde back. He's checking the wheelie bar right now. Checking the wheelie bar. Yeah. Kid's amazing. He really is. It's it's a crazy thing. And I think anytime you get to see, it's like, I can only imagine, but it's like going to an NFL game and getting to go in the locker room a little bit, right? And like, see what's happening and what they do when no one's looking. I mean, that's what you see here because I don't think there's any other situation where you're going to see Robert Hyde 
being pulled into the beams by a guy, in a, fire suit. Pro, a guy in a fire suit, you know? <laughs> you know, and that's what, Wes, this is a whole different subject, but this is exactly what I've been doing with my YouTube channel. I'm bringing people behind the curtain. Three ninety six, three twenty one, straight as a string. I've got to talk to you about how fast these cars are going because I find it bananas. But I do want to talk about Austin Proc as he walks away back over to the scooter. Looks like he's talking to Force, the old white hat. Uh, that's a brand new white hat, Tucci. That's brand new. No clutch dust, no nothing. Nothing. It's brand new. Interesting situation that happened this year, and I'm going to love to. There's going to be some great commentary, I think, on this because I do find it interesting. It's it's interesting that there was a situation. As I said, Matt Hagen gets COVID. A, a fill-in driver is is identified. Tommy Johnson Jr. Shout out to another Midwest guy from Iowa. Um, a Tumwa. Yeah, a Tumwa, Iowa man, eighty-seven miles up the road from where I was born. Uh, when I went to college there for about two weeks before I dropped out. Anyways, um, Tommy Johnson fills in for for Hagen at Indy. Doesn't go so well, but goes to Maple Grove the first race. Of the countdown wins the damn thing. Really impressive performance. A great storyline, and it really kept. I won't say entirely kept Matt in the hunt, but pretty much kept Matt Hagen in the championship hunt. I mean, had he suffered a DNQ and a first round and then missed a race, I mean, it would have been insurmountable. If he would have gotten zero points at two events, there's no coming back from that at, at, at this level, right? Interesting thing happened to you earlier this summer, right, where you missed a race. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I mean, you, you probably thought maybe I've got COVID. I don't know what's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. Well, my mama raised me right. I got out of the car and told the truth. Yeah. And uh, from there, again, this is where I'm going to go to wound up. So I did what I felt. I'm going to back up and tell you what happened. So yeah. the week leading into Norwalk, I work out five days a week. Sunday, I, I lay down to stretch, felt a little dizzy. I'm like, ah, whatever. Something's weird. I'm like, I'm just going to skip working out. I go out to my shop, not the race shop, but my shop behind the house. Need to change the oil in my generator. Lay down again. Feel dizzy. So right to the doctor. I couldn't get in until Tuesday. I go in. They're like, ooh, you got a bad ear infection. Okay. They clean my ears out, blah, 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 blah. I'm good. Step on the gas of the Park Plus car Friday night. I'm not good. I like, I'm, I'm drunk. I don't drink at all. I'm a zero drinker, but I'm like, man, something's wrong with me. And get out of the car, get with Mike and Doug. And, and I told them, you know, I mean, I literally, I called my whole team together. I don't even think I've really told this story. And I was going to give them the, the pump you up speech. Like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. We're going to get somebody in the car. The moment I started to say, I can't drive, just start bawling like a baby. I mean, absolute snot rolling tears. Like I literally just said, I can't drive something that I've never thought Words I would say. Words that you probably never, yeah. said, never said. And it was just the right thing for me. It was the right thing for the sport, for me not to drive that race car that weekend. So what do we do? We get Austin Proc. We put him in the car. Does an amazing job. Qualifies Boom. the car well. Qualifies the car. He's got no testing, no nothing. Put him in the car. And I drive my car old school. And Austin couldn't believe all the things I do that they don't do in the other cars. That's a different story. We, we're going to have to touch on it because yeah. it sounds interesting. And he goes to the semifinals. We went into the countdown in ninth place in points because I got zero points for that weekend. And our car made 78. So the difference of me going into this countdown 
if I had got those points, would have been fifth place versus ninth. Well, if I had got out of that race car and said I have COVID symptoms, I would have got the points. So to me, there's, it's, it's a disconnect somewhere because what would be the difference of forcing drivers to drive a car when they shouldn't and knowing if you're not capable of driving the car and a doctor can back that up, verify that. And I, and I want to jump back to the Norwalk week. Doug Stringer insisted, I, I went and spent the night at the Cleveland Clinic and amazing hospital. I know for a fact I'm a healthy 55-year-old man. They did brain scans. They did echograms. They checked me from head to toe. The only thing they found was I got some jacked-up ears. That's what okay. they found. And I continued to go to doctors. I went to ear specialists. I did all these things. I had to provide paperwork to the NHRA to prove that I was good to go. I love that. That's yeah, awesome. That's the way, way it should, should be. be. Yeah. Uh, but with all that said and done, we got – Zero points. We didn't even get points for attempting to qualify. Matt Hagen got points for Tommy Johnson attempting to qualify with the broke pin in the wheelie bar. He did not stage, didn't anything. I made a qualifying run. Anyway, all of this stuff, you know, nobody's talked about it and, and it hadn't been talked about. But, you know, I don't think you can have a rule two ways. What's the difference in COVID versus someone that's not 100% healthy and should not drive as long as – they can go and, and has this it. been discussed? Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Because yeah. I, I it hadn't been be discussed publicly till right this moment because it is, I mean, it does kind of beg the question. I mean, it that's terrible. I mean, anybody who has any appreciation for the grind for how hard this stuff is to yep. do, to, to look, look at a situation and see the difference that that would make like going into the countdown in the top five. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're yep. undoubtedly in the hunt. Right. And Clay yeah. Milliken is a championship guy. This is a guy who's done that, been in those yeah. moments to see that taken from you at for no fault of your own. Right. Is a pretty for, I, for doing the right thing. Yeah. Tough I would have been swap. better off if we had just parked the car that weekend. We would have been better off points wise. I think it's 30 points for attempting to qualify. Really? We'd been better off if we just parked it. I mean, we're doing it for our sponsors. We're doing it for fans. We love Norwalk. Norwalk's Absolutely. a big part of my, awesome my history, yeah. you know. Uh, but, you know, the whole thing to me is just was handled incorrectly. There needs to be something done. I mean, I've done stupid stuff. I've driven these top field cars with stitches, broke bones. I've even driven with a uh, an IV bag inside my fire suit one time. All stupid. But at wow. some point when you know you're not – well, well, there's someone in the other lane. There's yep. more there, at there's, stake than yourself. Yes. This is bigger in, than you. Fans in the grandstands, the whole nine yards. Uh, I know I did the right thing. You know, the only thing I kind of question, but again, mama's always in my ear. I was going to say, that truth, you, you, you never would have done There's no other. There's yeah. no other outcome, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, because Clay Milliken's not going to handle that situation any other way. Yeah. But it doesn't diminish the fact that that's a, that is a pretty tough pill to swallow. And I do wonder what the NHRA's you know, stance on that is because it's me too. You know, I would love to know the, <laughs> the, that opinion. Cause we've talked all year long, Mike and I've had innumerable conversations about, you know, is there an asterisk, you know, if Hagen wins the championship yeah. and you know, he, we all know that Tommy Johnson won a, won a race for that team. There is no asterisk. And here's the reason why. And, and we are not NASCAR. I brought NASCAR up a couple times cause I'm a fan. My oldest son's named Kale after Kale Yarbrough, but you think about Kyle Busch, you know, they they had rules over there, you know, that 
if you don't make all the races, you know, you can't be in their chase for the championship. Kyle Busch broke his leg. They made an exception. Boom, he wins championship. So, you know, two races with Tommy. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, two races with Tommy driving the car. The car did its job. Mm -hmm. The driver they put in there did its job, you know, and and I don't don't see an asterisk. Now, I'm with you, Mike, on uh, 2019. Pretty much – I say last year, I'm with you. I heard you say 2019 didn't, you know, did, or 2020, excuse yeah. me, whatever, COVID year, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, that that's that's all weird. But, you know, I don't I don't see an asterisk by that because NASCAR can have a driver, you know, make a lap, put a substitute in, boom, they're good to go. You know, it's it is a tough thing, and I'm anxious to hear that if we spark any con, you know, any other any oh, further conversations it, it, it here will. today because okay. it does need to be talked about. I mean, I have um, a, a multitude of opinions. Part of me does worry about if that happens. It like, does happen. Yeah, it, it does happen. happen. It, it does happen. People drive these things when they shouldn't. And I, like I say, I'm, I'm one that admits to it. But when it's to the point that I was at to where I felt dizzy in the car, an equilibrium deal, you know, with ears, you know, I, I knew I couldn't do it. You know, driving with stitches, broke bones, whatever, That that's kind of a different thing. But maybe, yeah. Uh, there needs to be some sort of standard. Why is suddenly, which COVID is obviously a worldwide pandemic and it's horrible and it's terrible, all this thing, but what's the difference in COVID versus someone that has a double throw down ear infection? What's the difference? I mean, honestly, I mean, if they're, they, and it's weird, it's tough because now Let's they've almost set a way. precedent. Let me, let me put it this way. If Matt Hagen had stayed completely away from everyone, he probably could have drove that car. Me, with an ear problem, ear equilibrium right. deal, you I can't. couldn't drive the car. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Matt 100% did the right thing. I don't want that to sound that oh, way. No, but yeah, no, but I if he was in saying. a complete bubble, breathing his own oxygen, he probably will tell you, I could have drove the car. Physically was able physically to Physically was it. able. I was physically not able. Yeah. So... I don't know. I don't agree with how the whole thing was handled. Now, granted, I mean, you know, it'll be some comments on here. Well, you've sucked during the countdown. You've only won a round or two. True. But I'd still have went into the countdown fifth versus ninth, which at the end of the year, we gets back to that money thing. It does, man. I mean, and it's I mean, it's a really interesting conversation because I'm sure that the NHRA's concern is setting a precedent and then having it taken advantage of. My phone's blowing up. I might be going to get in trouble here. Okay. Well, I mean, but it's interesting because do you remember if you go back, one of Mike and I's big arguments about the whole situation that happened with Bruno Massel and Mm -hmm. uh, Mason McGahey was there, if the NHRA would have handled that in a, in a way like this, I mean, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, there was a huge burn down, like a two or three, four minute long burn down or excuse me, Mike's going to get mad at me. Staging duel. It was not a burn down. Nobody was getting burnt down. It was a staging duel, right? They both refused to roll in and stage. Bruno Massel in the Elite Motorsports uh, Pro Stock car. Mason McGeha in the, uh, I say his name different every time I say it. Um, Not on purpose. It just happens. But neither one of them will stage, right? NHRA shuts them down. We talked about, had the NHRA like let them go to the back? Re, you know, and just try again. You're you, talking to a guy with experience in this. Talking to a guy with an experience <laughs> in this. There's a precedent that can be set there, right? Where you're going to have some guys strategically not stage or whatever, right? More than likely so they can get back because they don't want to be the first ones out. I mean, you just have to think about what – is there a downside to the to a rule that you're talking about? I mean, do you think there is a negative 
some of the drivers here think there is a downside to the points situation. The burn down thing, I think, is a whole different situation. But uh, I do know that there's some drivers that don't agree with it, and I don't understand why. I was just curious you what know, the argument against it is. Uh, they would, you know, the, what I've been kind of nobody's directly come and told me this is just, you know, how you right. hear things in the racing yeah. clinic, you know, not clinic, clinic, yeah. you know, community that, uh, you know, you could put some hot shot in there. You know, I could put Austin Proc in my car and go 20 on the tree all day long, whatever. But I think that's a, that's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. If you've got yourself into the countdown, you're going to stick with the, the right. horse that got you there. And, you know, it's that driver that, that is, you know, part of the team and all that. I don't see a, a negative to it. I, well, don't, I mean, cause look at the Hagen example. It could have been argued that, Hey man, Tommy was doing pretty good. Let's not yeah, screw he won things a bunch up. On whole shots. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, it could be argued that if that was what was going to happen, you know what, Matt, you're great. You're great for the sponsors, but let's let you get all the way healed up and let's, let's, let's ring leave, this. Yeah. Let's yeah, leave let's, TJ in here. Let's leave yeah. well enough alone. Yeah. He's doing a great job behind the wheel. So, I mean, that's, you're exactly right. As soon as they could get the guy that belongs in the car back in the car, they put the guy that belongs in the car yeah. in the car. I mean, I get it. Totally understand it, but I do. It's a really interesting thing. And I'm sure there's a lot of differing opinions because I think honestly, the fan base, I mean, right, wrong or indifferent, they love to hear a story about you having a, an IV bag in your fire suit. Right. Like that's what makes Clay Milliken Clay Milliken. And that's what, I mean, let's be honest. That's what separates you from me. Like I ain't doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, be honest. I got a family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, but that's why well, you're I, you I feed and you're my a family hero. by doing this. Yes. I mean, but <laughs> it's, know. I mean, but that's why you guys are heroes. That's why I was calling Scott Palmer a rock star. And I was saying that you guys deserve the, the, the light show and the spoke because I think you guys are different. The, the, the men and women that have the courage to do this, it's never talked about enough. Like it's one thing to be able to cut a light. It's one thing to be able to do a good job in the car, but it just takes some real balls to do it. Right. Because every time you get in there could be the last time you get a hundred percent. That's, that's a fact. That's it's a, a fact. fact, you know, and, and, it, I, and I don't look at us as daredevils though. I think, you know, we are race car drivers. Yes, sir. That, that that's, and you just know that's part of it. And we've seen it as terrible, but, it's what we do. You it know, is. for me, it's my entire, like, oh, it's, it, it fires me up. It gets me wound up. I can and, see and, you you're know, bouncing. Yeah. It's He's, like, I love it, you know, and, but what a show these things put on. It is, man. Tell me real quick, because I got to know, like, you were talking about how you drive your car old school. There's a, Alex Laughlin was a, a guest here on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he told us, he told the whole audience, like, I don't know that I gave these guys their due. Like, in the door slammer community, you know, top fuel drivers don't get their due, right? Because our cars are hard to drive, those things. You know what I mean? Stab and steer, you know, no big deal. Uh, can you, as soon as we get whatever, it sounds like a Pearl Mod. What do we got down here? Top alcohol on your car. I want to know a little bit about I drive old school. What does that entail? And, I mean, you talked about Austin Proc not being, you know, not – being blown away by the things that you do inside yeah. your car. Can you take us through that and compare and contrast, you know, the way you do it and the way the, the Stringer performance group does it? Yep. I mean, this was just how I was taught and, it, and it's crazy, but I was taught this way from Mike Clover. You know, he was my crew chief when I started, he went away for a while. He's back again, but <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't use a throttle stop. It's on the car because it's required, but I don't use a throttle stop, which is an art. I love hearing someone that control the throttle. You know, it's just so cool. I think it's, uh, I mean, I we think see it's it in awesome. every class, man. I mean, you, I tell you, this is what I told Pat Musi. I said, I measure Lizzie Musi by how she comes out of the water. Yeah. And, and, and you can learn a lot about a race car driver yep. 
when they come out of the water and that thing maybe tickles the rev limiter or whatever comes up and and comes right back down. Yep. Ricky Smith comes to mind. Shannon Jenkins, Jim Halsey, Roy Hill, Roy. I mean, it's. Uh, yep. But then you also see other cars popping and banging, oh, and you're yeah. going, "Oh, you're feeling bad for the valve train." Right. You know what right. I mean? The whole time. Uh, so you don't have a water. You don't have a throttle stop on your top fuel car. Correct. So when you're coming out of the water, that's it's all. Me. All of that right foot. All that right foot. It's. Uh, it's a skill that I've learned just from thousands of runs. I'm not saying I started out that way, but man, there was one guy in particular, actually kind of two that I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever. And one was Del Poldy, amazing burnouts. The other one was Whit Bazemore. Whit may not get a lot of credit for some of the things that dude did amazing burnouts. And uh, so that was, that's the one big How thing. How much throw of your right foot does it take to do that? Bur light switch type of deal light switch type of deal and yeah. and uh it's fun like you a, see a lot of these cars just it would appear that they're just matting it and it's oh, hitting the throttle stuff. Yeah, okay yep they are i mean because again you were talking a quarter inch of travel you know that's basically what you're looking at so to be able to roll on it and do that is fun for me have i screwed it up yes you know it, it happens but so that was the one thing that you know austin's like oh man i don't want to have to do this and he he could he can do it he just needs the practice doing right. it. But the other thing is, is we don't use a clutch pedal stop. All these teams, for the most part, uses a clutch pedal stop. And, and to explain that real simply, when you hop in your street car with a manual, you push it to the floor. If I do that in my car, it'll over-center the clutch. So I feel where the fingers are in the clutch, and I know where neutral is. And again, I'm an old guy. I've made thousands of runs. So, you know, we, we made those two things correct for Austin Golly, I hate to get into too much of this because I feel like I may be talking about people, but no, 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 it's good. I don't use. Let's talk about. Them. I don't use a wheel counter, which shuts my throttle off at a thousand feet and also opens my parachute. I don't use any of that. All that stuff is on a lot of these cars out here, and it's nothing wrong with it. I do have all the safety stuff. I don't right. want people to think I don't. But the I, RF shutoff device yes, and all that stuff we is what he's talking about, that. which is so people understand those things are in play. In the sake that you're in the situation that unfortunately you're incapacitated, correct? Right? Something happens, a yep. concussion type of deal, yep. uh, something's put clay out of control, correct? Those things are in, in play to, to stop the car to get the shoots out, to get the yep. fuel shut off, to get the ignition shut off. But, but what you're talking about is not that. That is not, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's cars out here that there's a lot of cars out here that literally once they hit the throttle, they don't, they don't have to shut the throttle off, they don't have to pull their parachutes, they don't have to do anything. It's, so it's on a timer a wheel counter so oh, it knows how far the cars went okay yeah because if you had it on a timer and you were out there you know in a pedaled it or ped yeah. pedaling smoking the tires it's so it's on a wheel counter it knows how far the cars went and it opens the chutes cuts the fuel off does all those things i still do all of that stuff but it's how i was taught again i've made thousands of run and i'm not knocking anybody that does that you know that's you know sometimes i know i get in my own way because a couple reasons one i know how much it costs to do it. And my, my right foot is attached to Doug Stringer's wallet. And I've drove that way my entire life, you know, uh, two, I know how to put the car together. Sometimes the mechanic gets in the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so those, and three, you know, maybe it's just easier to like, I don't have to do nothing here, but cut a light. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I've never been in that situation. And to be honest, I probably don't want to be because I want to, I want to be part of how the whole process works, you know, and there's goods and bads in that. Clover, I think he get, gets this from 
Perdome because he's I get a lot of Perdome isms from Mike Clover because he was crew chief for him as a kid, you know. Uh, Which is an amazing thing to yeah, say out loud. No fame, no blame. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying. No yeah. fame, no blame. If if you if you do it, you're you're the guy driving it. You might as well just step up. And look, I did it. You know. Yeah. Atlanta, perfect example. You know, the the crew says it was their fault. I say it was mine. I smoked the clutch out of it. First round racing, Justin Ashley pulled off to the side, got out of the car. Mr. Hero with no throttle stop. I screwed it up. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. But, wow. you know, you just get out and say it was my fault. The team, on the That's other crazy. hand, are like, uh, we didn't have the water down. And you really didn't roll through water. But anyway. No but that's fame, an, no but fame I, no blame. No fame, no blame, man. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting thing, and I think people appreciate hearing those little, like much like you're doing with your vlog, you know, like showing us a little bit, you know, or a lot of bit in your instance, <laughs> yeah. you know, behind the curtain and seeing all these ins and outs. But like that's crazy stuff that needs to be talked about, and I think it would actually help our sport. I mean, I think it helps, not hurts. Go yeah, watch my YouTube. I don't want to see the thing. <laughs> I don't want to see this be so automated. I don't want to see it be. They're supposed um, to be hard to drive. They're the fastest cars in the world. Right. It's supposed to be something I used to always kind of use this analogy, and I don't think it's probably accurate anymore because I don't want to say that whenever there was this big movement away from clutch cars in pro mod, like everybody had a clutch and then all of a sudden there was like two cars with a clutch. Um, one Frank Manzo was tuning, one Jimmy Rector was tuning, some top alcohol funny cars, funny car guys. And the next thing you know, everything's got a torque converter. And I kind of would use this analogy or this example that I don't think I should be able to go buy shoes that allows me to play basketball against LeBron James. I mean, he's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He's faster than me. He's more athletic than me. He can jump higher than me. He's got decades of experience. He should be able to kick my ass at basketball. And I don't think, and I'm not saying that a torque converter was that, but I mean, I'd start thinking about, you know, all the technology that has invaded our sport. And it's in a good, in many instances, oh, yeah. a fantastic thing. But it does feel like there's a price to pay. Yep. You know what I mean? You take yep. the, the guys and gals behind the wheel just further and further and further further out of this out of the equation. And it's I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad because there's also an argument that I've heard guys like Ricky Smith make like, hey, you know, an automatic shifter. You know, hey, that's going to let me rent a ride to somebody, somebody yep. that's not a super great race car right. driver, maybe or doesn't yep. have a ton of experience. I'm going to be able to put them in this car and they're going to be pretty competitive. Yep. You know, um, if they've got to shift it. Maybe We're not screwed. so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's an interesting thing because I guess the more automated you make the car, the more super rich guys we can stuff in them. I don't know. But it is an interesting thing. How many passes do you think you've made? Well, it's funny you say that. We kind of tried to figure it up a, a few races ago. Somebody was asking me that. Over, well, well over 2,000. Well, well over 2,000. Uh, 20 plus, I start, somebody's got to be better at math than me. Ooh, smoke tires. I started this in 98 and basically 140, 150 runs a year. Yeah. Wow. Whatever. The, I don't know. you got a calculator, Mike. I don't. Somebody bust that out. 150? Yeah. 150 runs. Whatever from 1998 to now. Yeah. That's couple, over a couple thousand. For that's sure. incredible, man. What's a, you asked me this question on your show and I've been waiting for the opportunity to ask you. 3,500. 3,500. Yeah. 3,500 runs in the top fuel I think it, I'm going to say it's a little less than that because there were some years where I was only able to run a handful of races, right. just lack of sponsorship. It's less than that, but that's why I said well over 2,000. Yeah. That's a lot of nitro, brother. That's a lot of nitro, man. You asked me this question on your show a few months ago, um, and I want to plug, are you still doing your show every week? 
I am not doing it during the race season. Not during, because okay. it's, yep. But you're going to do it in the off season. Oh, yeah. Off okay. Season. Th- Tuesday nights. Yep. Uh, seven o'clock. Yep. Right. It's fantastic. Man, you it. I can't yeah, believe no, you still remember I mean, that. Dude, you've had Kepner on. You've had a lot of great guests and you do a great job. Like it's uh, it's casual. And that's what I like. I mean, I think that that's what people are accustomed to here in 2021. This podcast kind of world. People like it off the cuff. Loosey goosey. You do a great job. So remember that this off season. The DNC show. The DNC show, man. I can't wait for it. Uh, you asked me this question. It's kind of your patented question. King for the day. We all love to do it. What what would you change right now today? So I'm going to throw that at you. You're the president of the NHRA. You're the czar. You can make all the changes. You can make any decision you want. What's Clay Milliken setting up for the weekend? So it's kind of funny you ask that. And uh, so I had Glenn Cromwell on, president of the NHRA. Wow. And I'm going, Big to, guest. I'm going to answer this the same way. This is what I did to him. I said my normal patented question to wrap up my show is – you're president of NHRA for a day. What are you going to do? And I said, you are the president, so I can't ask you that. So you're fixing to get what I would do. And what I would do was we would have, maybe not all of them, but we would have night races. There is nothing more exciting than watching nitro cars at night. We should be having, a let's just say, a Bristol night race. It works pretty dang good for the cup boys. Why wouldn't we have a night race at Bristol? That's the first thing I would do. The next thing I would do Agreed. is I would figure out somehow, some way where during these fantastic, you're, you're waiting on something big here, aren't you? During all these fantastic television broadcasts that they spend some more time with the people that make these cars, not only drive them, but run them, yeah. work on them. There is a bazillion award-winning television programs in amongst these people out here there there is some of the greatest people on the planet some of the smartest people on the planet and some of the biggest characters that nobody knows but us out here in this pit area that need to be brought forward into the whole you know whether storytelling yes we need more of it i mean i think that that's like that's what they're acing in no prep kings they're acing the storytelling component they are telling relatable stories, inspiring stories um, it, that people latch onto, and that's how you build a fan base. I mean, yep. it's by, it's 100% by telling stories. It's the way you do it. I'm curious, I love the night racing comment. Mike and I talk about this a lot. We were literally talking about it on uh, Mark and Camry Caruso's show last night that yeah, I miss header flames, man, especially when like nitrous racing. I, I mean, the zoomies, everybody's gone to the zoomies and I get it. But uh, man, do I miss some big monster gorilla flames oh, with from a nitrous car with the bullhorns. Yeah. Oh. So, it, but to your point, man, nitro racing at night. Like if if you knew the most spectacular version of your product happened at night, why would you not? I, I don't understand it totally because I I really can't make an argument. Most of these tracks are well lit. I obviously recognize there are some of them that are are not well lit. But I mean, that's a easily solved problem. Yeah, rental lights. Right. I mean, rental lights, right? I mean, uh, what, what do you think? Why not? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I why wouldn't we do these shows on Saturday night? Let's say it rains. Well, we got Sunday f- for rain out. And it's got to come back to money somehow, some way. We're not running on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're not selling too many I agree. Know, souvenirs and hot dogs or whatever. It's, it's, everything always comes back to comes money. Comes back to money. There's no but doubt. But what if you just jam-packed, slammed the Texas Motorplex... Saturday night, 
I saw it. We saw it on display last night. I mean, and they 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 had a couple of oil downs or come cones get smashed or whatever. But it was funny, man. We literally Tucci. Eighteen minutes after the first round of ProMod run, Tucci was making the call. ProMod's to the lane, and him and I both. They stuck their head. Austin stuck his head in the in the booth and said, "Hey, man, you guys gotta you guys gotta call ProMod back up." And Al looked at me, and I looked at Al, and we're like. They're about to piss some people off, you know what I mean? Like, because there's nobody's ready. They don't even got the shoots packed, right. you know. And uh, but sure enough, I mean, it wasn't. It took a little while, but a half hour, forty five minutes, they were back up there. And I just was. I told Andy, I said, "Hey, I understand that maybe they didn't reply to, you know, respond to that immediately, but I want you to know that we appreciate the effort because making that effort to keep that pace up. And can you imagine like a Saturday night nitro show where it's rocking and rolling, and you got the scooters running around oh, calling everybody yes. back to the lanes? It would be. A bonanza, I yep. think, for the NHRA. Last question. I'm going to let you go, Clay. I know you got more important things to do than talk drag racing with us. There's nothing better than talking drag racing. I have to except agree. Except stomping yeah. on the loud pedal. Yeah, I agree. Is there any chance, any way in the world that nitro racing ever goes back to the quarter mile? I don't think and so. And do you want it to? I don't. Okay. I don't. And I am a guy that started doing, dreaming. Man, you're going to make me tell a story. I'm full of stories. Please. So about 90, I don't know, 10 years old. So it was like 76. Daddy took me to Lakeland International Dragway in Memphis, Tennessee. It's actually Lakeland, Tennessee. And I saw Big Daddy Don Garlitz make a match race run against uh, Ron Booker, world's fastest big block Chevrolet at the time. And that absolutely is what made me go, I want to drive this. Yes, yes. Again, I just told you a minute ago, my oldest son named Kale, so I, I obviously love racing, period. But it was something about watching a nitro car that I knew that, man, this is what I want to do. And what was your question? I, I don't Go into a quarter mile. Oh, quarter mile. So my whole thing with doing that was I wanted to go fast. I didn't think about winning races, winning championships. I wanted to feel Ricky that. Bobby. You're Ricky Bobby. I want to go fast. Absolutely. So... Quarter mile, obviously, we could go really fast now. Yeah. Too fast. Too fast. The The problem with it is the tires cannot take it. Plain and simple. The tires can't take it. Uh, is we, there a way to slow the cars down? But, enough? I mean, what's the point? What's yeah, the point? I mean, I just, for me, just being honest, and I don't like, I feel like drag rate, the universal yardstick for drag racing is the quarter mile. Oh, I agree. You, you know what I mean? I and agree. when I think about when you when you go pull up, when you but open just Motor a Trend moment magazine, ago, just a moment ago, you just said I you enjoyed yeah. the eighth mile. I, I, I do. Because I yep. recognize those numbers, numbers more so yes. than the thousand yes. foot. Like whenever I saw Scott Palmer go 305 Monday night yep. in the eighth mile at 286 or whatever, yep. my mind immediately goes to like, well, the quickest, the, the only thing I saw Frankie Taylor go 348 with a nine or 340. I was in the tower with Tucci at Rockingham yep. when when Frankie Taylor went 349, wasn't it? And borrowed tires, probably a 75 run blower belt. But the madman, I, I, I can, can I can correlate right, those numbers. Right. Like I'm going, holy yep. shit, that was impressive. You know, yep. 305 to the eighth mile, and I think that's part of my struggle with a thousand foot. I mean, I remember the first time my dad took me. We were racing with the Ozark Mountain Super Shifters, and we went to some track in Arkansas. I can't remember what it was. This would have been in like 95, probably. Oh, well, maybe. And it was a thousand foot track. Possibly. It was a thousand foot. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know 
like my, it made no sense. It made no sense to me. I c- couldn't figure out why we were doing this, and it was just a foreign thing. And when I look at the sport of drag racing, I've been told, and I don't know if this is true, that like the most common complaint that the NHRA hears is quarter mile. I mean, they, 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 that's the thing that they get letters about and no. they get emails about is, is returning to a quarter mile. We hear about it all the time on this show. And I just sometimes I wonder, like to a bunch of points we've made here today, like I don't know how much I know the numbers and the speeds and all that stuff matter. But I it wonder, does to the hardcore fans. to the hardcores. But does do we need the cars to go 337 or would 307 suffice? Like, could we, when you hear people talk about putting smaller fuel pumps on them or putting a single pump on them or putting a single mag on them. How about let's do this. You get two motors for the weekend, period. I like that. (laughs) I do. And I want to, this is on topic, but off at the same time. Back in my IHRA days, Bill Bader actually set up at Norwalk for the national event clocks a mile an hour clock we've always had a thousand foot elapsed time he set up the mile an hour clock there because he wanted to see how close to 300 we would go so it was being looked at this is like 0405 wow yeah um quarter mile is you know for sure i no argument there but i don't know what the fans what would the fans react to if we went back to a quarter mile and we did it with a smaller fuel pump and we go 310 Right. I'm just I don't saying. Know. I know. I agree. I'm I mean, just saying. It, I wonder. I just wonder that if it's the and I think it's like the fast and furious language. It's the motor trend language. It's the car whatever. Whatever is another car magazine. What's a mainstream car magazine? But like, if car and driver. Like when yeah, there's you, only two. Car yeah, there's and only two. Magazine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you look back or when you look at like what a drag illustrated. One, you know, drag illustrated. We're hardcore. Sixteen though. years. Gone, Sixteen years, yeah. man. Um, it's uh, it's way more hardcore. But I wonder sometimes if people would just. Like the mainstream, if they knew that like a Tesla ran a 920 in the quarter mile, but they knew Clay Milliken's car ran 390s or whatever they right. would run. I, I just wonder if it would the math would make more sense because they just have a yardstick that they're accustomed to. It's like a quarter mile, Vin yep. Diesel. I'll forever. Oh yeah, I live my life, life a, a quarter, quarter mile, mile at a time. time. Yeah, For those ten seconds or less. Yeah, I'm free. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's yep. just like I think that that's. I don't know. I mean, I just, I think the quarter mile is the universal yardstick of the sport of drag racing. And I just feel like it's, I mean, is the, is a football field ever going to be less than a hundred yards? No, I don't, I don't think there's any way that they're ever going to let that. I mean, that's just what it is. It's the universal standard. And I do have a little bit of a, I get a little bit weirded out by it because I just think that we've, we've taken something that we've been doing for 60 some odd years, 70 this year, the NHRA has been around celebrating 70 years, but like, 60 years or whatever of quarter mile drag racing. And all of a sudden we're going to change the, it's like common core math or something. Yep. But you know, we've been doing it for a long time at a thousand feet now, yeah, longer than what people realize. Oh, agreed. What was that? 08? 2008. Yeah. yeah. So 2008 to now it's definitely become the norm. It looks like it's never going to go back. And I think you, this is a great way to kind of circle back around racers. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way to shorten the fuse, yeah. make them faster. I mean, they, the crew chiefs did it in a thousand feet. They've yeah. done it. We're going faster than we've ever went in a quarter mile. How fast have you been? 335. Can you tell the difference inside the car? Like, do you know oh, when it's on one of those? Absolutely. Absolutely. You really, really can. You know, when it's funny, you know, I, I've made runs just very recently, you know, it, it run, you know, 74 at 316. It's like, ah, it was a turd. <laughs> 316 miles an hour is a turd, you know. But you can sense it. Oh, absolutely you can, you know. uh, 
what we really feel though that that there is a little bit of disconnect with fans and how it works right. the speed's only measured in the last 66 foot of the racetrack right i i live my life vin diesel style elapsed time yeah you know i've been 362 i think i'm still the second quickest ever at 362 with an eight but i am the quickest man in the world in eighth mile by the way 289 2.89 that is 2.89 so when was that the 362 run the 362 run yeah. where did that happen at it pomona pomona so we set the record in St. Louis, and it stayed for about a year. Then we set it again at Pomona, and I shut off early, which is crazy. But anyway, I only went 322 on that run. So there's a good example that a lot of people are so married to the speed. Yeah. How fast will these cars go? I don't know. I mean, is there any – I mean, we see that, that Salinas run – the 364 in St. Louis, honestly, it looked kind of effortless. I mean, the tra I mean, yeah. it was straight as a string. Car didn't move a lot. Yeah. I mean, we saw Coletta, the run before or whatever, a couple rounds. That thing ran 370, sashaying yeah. from guard wall to center line. Do you? I mean, do you see these cars in the 50s? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the reason I say I don't know how fast they'll run because you got to remember we do have a built-in rev limiter. Right. So I don't know. Right. You know, it's, if it didn't have that, I mean, they'll go oh. th they'll go 340 right now. Right. You know, there's cars out here that's been close to that. You know, several funny cars. You know, Are we anywhere close to Clay Milliken's personal threshold? No. No. No, I love yeah. going fast. I don't awesome. said that. I love going quick. Yeah. I, I better say it that way. I love the I love the feel of the G Force. That's what I thrive on. That acceleration. What love about it. a what about a pedal fest? As a driver who's won a won his fair share of those, um, what do you love that moment? For it to be a, a lot about what you're able to do, I absolutely thrive on it when my wind light comes on, and right. I am crushed when I'm not the winner. You know, I had a good one with Langdon a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't even remember Charlotte first yep. round. You know, those are definitely you know in the driver's hand, and I I explained this on one of my YouTube's. So much of that though, you know, a lot of times kind of like reaction time. That's a whole different story too. That. That whole momentum thing has a lot to do with the outcome of a pedal fest. So my run against Langdon a couple weeks ago, he smokes the tires at 30 feet, I'm going to say. I smoked them at 100. I've got, a, I've got a You've bigger got advantage. Speed. i got ground speed. You yeah. can still mess it up. Right. But in that moment, are you having? Are you rolling back into it as best you can? Yeah, as best you can. Because you don't have much throw. You don't have much throw. So it's. But you, you know, can see it. I mean, it, that's the only time I ever like to see like a slow mo replay, right? Of the is, butterflies. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise they can park that stuff. I hate like they if they had all the time back that they've spent on slow mo replays doing interviews. Yes, the sport would be in a whole new world. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. that's the only time I like a slow mo replay is when yeah. I watch the the butterflies just barely start to open back up. So is your approach different ever? Like if the car is way, like way down there, is it more of a whack the throttle? I don't have an answer for that. I, I, You're in machine mode at that mode. You moment. just do what feels right. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's something that, that daddy taught me. You drive with your butt. What your butt feels is what you better do. You yeah. know, and a lot of people say, do what your gut tells you for driving is yeah. do what your butt tells you. And that's, I don't know. You know, it's just according to what you feel at that moment. I mean, you look at a guy like Doug Kalitta is unbelievable. He'll ride that thing wide open and just drive it. <laughs> He'll just drive it, you know. Right. Uh, 
And I've been in those situations. Again, it's just a, that moment. You, you can't think about it. You just have to, whatever your butt tells you, you just do it. Who is the best driver in drag race, pro drag racing? Oh, man, who is the best? You know, naturally, I'm thinking myself, but I mean, you got to look at you got to look at a guy like a Doug Coletta. The guy's yeah. a freaking USAC champion. He beat Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon, and you know, so he's he's a wheel man, you know. And then, then you know, a lot of people immediately, and this will happen in the comments, they'll immediately go to the starting line just because somebody can does. leave the starting line. Don't mean that you want to ride with them. Let me just say that there's a lot of people that can leave the starting line that that uh, may not be necessarily the best one to get in the car to the finish line and. No, I'm not going to name names. No, I know but, you're not. But yeah. uh, it is 2021, yeah. so you're supposed to. Yeah, but I, exactly. But I, but I feel you. Exactly. Well, Clay, thank you so much, dude. I love you to death. It's oh, yeah. uh, I am so appreciative of the ambassador that you are for the sport of drag racing. I don't think it can be overstated what you've done, uh, the difference that you've made, the person, the, your willingness to be yourself, let it all hang out. I mean, in your own fashion. Yep. Um, you're a clean cut guy. You're someone we can all be proud of. You're uh, you're great with young fans. You're great with the every, sponsors and everything. And I just thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I do truly love drag racing, and you know everybody that, that gets excited about it, and you're at the top of the list. That's why I'm always texting you. you know, maybe I give you a little tidbit or whatever. Oh, dude, you know, here I, and there. I you tell know? my wife sometimes when I like hear my phone in the other room and I go look I at hate it. that one, by the way, I know I put it on that one recently. My <laughs> wife doesn't like it either. And I went in there my kids hate it. Uh, I look at it and it says Clay Milliken and it's, I just have to like look up and be like, what the fuck is did Clay <laughs> Milliken just text me? Like, I mean, really, is this happening? And I, I feel infinitely blessed, uh, to be doing this show right now today from the tower of the legendary Texas motorplex. It's not like we boarded up the door. They let us in here. They asked us to come. Yep. I couldn't believe it. And it, just to think about being in this moment right now, it's uh, it's a really incredible thing, man. I appreciate oh, you being a part of it, I brother. appreciate you, Mike, Murder Tundra, everybody on the whole Drag, Drag Illustrated thing. And Thank you. You know, I truly love when they get into the three-hour-long thing <laughs> because here's, here's what happens, and this is why I don't miss anything. I get in workout mode. I get in my toter home. I got my earbuds in, which drives my wife crazy because I got the earbuds in. And I listen to every moment of it. I mean, you've had some some great stories, some great Thank guests, you. and and uh, makes my hair stand up. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. Hey, man, I appreciate you. I mean, and dude, I had a truck driver tell me the other night that we saved his life. Like he goes, I was falling asleep. Keep him awake. I was. I I had to keep going. And he goes, but I I just you guys had you were like on a long one, you know. And I just kept listening. Yeah. And, made, and it and it's. I mean, I know that sounds silly or whatever, but like, I it meant a lot to me. You know, people that, are like, listening. People are listening. And they're paying attention, and and this is the greatest sport on the planet, without question, man. The great American motorsport. Clay, go do something important. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. Wow, Murder Tundra, what a deal. This has been. I actually really like the way the set looks. Do you like That's the way awesome. that this it looks, looks awesome? Really freaking awesome. good, man. You know, me and Clay, me and Clay worked out with Bill Goldberg. In uh, Saudi oh, yeah. Arabia one time, you know. I forgot about that. We showed him Clay, do you right. remember working out with uh, Bill Goldberg in Saudi Arabia? Hey, do you know him? Do you know Bill Goldberg? I do not know Bill okay, Goldberg. Damn. But look at me. You look good. Pounds, Bill Goldberg walks in the gym. When Goldberg walked in, I'm like, 
what's up, man? I had a good workout. I see you. I left immediately. I mean, I'm not going to stay in the gym with Goldbergs in the freaking workout. Come on. I was hoping Clay would be like, we hit it off when we were in Saudi Arabia. You want him on the show? No problem. Let me shoot him a text. Well, how cool was it that we were – I don't know about you guys. We, we're, we're big WWE fans around here, pretty much all of us. That uh, as soon as we walk in in Saudi Arabia, there's Bill Goldberg at the buffet. Yeah. It was actually – crazy wasn't it's, it it's like how did you get here i said that earlier on the mic last night you just never know where you're going to find yourself with this deal it's absolutely insane man i mean i i have to pinch myself even you know beyond when clay milliken texts me uh late at night no i'm just joking but yeah, it's but like i mean we get to do a lot of cool stuff and it's i hope people out there watching like drag racing as small as we sometimes feel this is an international sport man these is a this is car culture drag racing this community there's so many incredible people there's so much there's so much money here there's so much opportunity here and i mean i look back it wasn't that long ago 16 years ago i was spraying water in the water box at eddieville raceway park outside of Atumwa, iowa that's what i was doing eating corn dogs a lot of them as many as i could get my hands on funnel cakes <laughs> nachos Anything nitro nachos, uh, what Frito pies, mozzarella sticks, <laughs> anything I could get my hands on, I ate. Um, but I just think about the fact that like we start there and we're here we are now. It's like I mean, well, it's yeah. pretty cool. And here these these guests today, Scott Palmer, Clay Milliken, yeah, guys awesome. that really <laughs> drove that thing a little bit. Yep. Uh, guys that really see it the way we do, right or wrong. You Maybe know, wrong. Whatever side of the whatever, fence, whatever you know? side of the fence you fall on on that, it was awesome to have those guys here that just they they see it old school. They want the driver involved in the deal. They want to put on a show. How about Clay giving us that insight of how he manually drives the car versus how much of it is automated that we may not know about? I can't get over it, man. Or, I that, feel or like, that the average fan may not be. I feel like we're lucky to even hear this shit. Like right. I hey T, roll the tape. Real quick for after hours, I'm gonna I'll play the tunes here real quick. I do right. want to figure out um, how do we uh, how are we going to um, how are we going to how do we get Tucci? How are we gonna do all three of us? We're gonna Have get three decided? here. Okay, we're gonna do three here. Tucci's, Tucci doesn't even need a mic. No, Tucci just yelled, talks loud into that one. And we should be fine. <laughs> JT, roll the tape. I'm gonna take a quick break here. Someone to get, can we? Can we get someone's beer? Yo, just go okay. take him out of that fridge. What fridge? Down, down there. Oh, tell uh, yeah, man, you guys are a mess. What's up? You guys are a mess. Trying to figure out where you're getting your drinks. Yeah, we weren't ready, but we weren't ready. We just came through. <laughs> What's going on, guys? We're back for the. Drag Illustrated After Hours. I how give, how uh, cool was it Clay said this is his favorite segment? Isn't that funny? <laughs> and how awesome <laughs> is it Clay listens to the show every week? I don't even know what to say. Awesome. Man, that, but, it both, is. Those guys. Or all the guests and, were great today. Yeah. The they feedback when we had Scott Palmer on and the feedback with Clay when he was talking about the, uh, the different uh, way it was handled with his medical condition versus COVID. Real interesting stuff. Did I don't think we've even considered or that is widely known. No, I, 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 
I love that we have a platform that a guy as accomplished as Clay Milliken can come well, on and talk yeah, about need, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that he they, needs that. He needs that platform. They need that platform. It. And I got to say, it's, um, it really is an important thing. Like we love this show because we love it. And we love talking about drag racing and we love, but it really, it serves a purpose. And I, I hope everybody that is being a part of this and tunes in every week, I hope you recognize that we really are doing something. It's important. Like, of course I'm going to say that my name's on the marquee. I get it. And that sounds egotistical or whatever, but we recognize that this is an important thing and your guys's participation is an important thing. Drag racers, promoters, track operators, People throughout this industry, they need a platform no one, like this. No one is above participating in this. You got Clay Milliken. You got he's he's watching the show. He's on the show. Scott Palmer. These guys. This is important to them. It's I mean, and they us. need to be able it's to important to you guys. Someone. There has to be a place for these guys to go and have an unfiltered conversation to say what yep. they think, not have to have it run through a bunch of. Hey, is it okay that we talk about this? Did we get clearance to talk about this? There has to be a place for these guys to come because this is how we're going to grow the sport of drag racing by talking through this stuff. I'm not trying to sound like a therapist, but I mean, there is some truth to talk therapy. I mean, you have to talk through your problems. You have to talk to people. You have to have those moments and you, you, you have this ongoing discussion and you go, you know what? We may, we may be onto something. We may have solved the problem right here today, but if there's no place for that discussion to have, and it doesn't happen out in the open, we're, we're, we're done for. We're in deep trouble. And I honestly think the fact that for so long, all of drag racing's like important conversations have happened like amongst two people in a behind closed doors and no one ever knows what was said and no one ever knows what was discussed. I mean, that's part of the problem. And that's how you end up with this gigantic disconnect from you know the powers that be in the racers because yeah. there's no transparency. And how is it that there's such a disconnect, but this sport is so relatively small. Like, Cheers, T. You got a drink? Cheers. Like yes. Scott Palmer said. That's good. Scott Palmer said. That. <laughs> it's always good, Mike. Jeez. Yeah, the first sip. The first sip <laughs> that gets you. Um, Scott Palmer said he came to that concert and to the Lantern thing. There was 30,000 people here, and then yeah. they left. And he, and it's a reminder of how relatively small drag racing is. I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging no. way, but how is it that it's, it's, it's a tight knit deal, but yet that's how things are handled. The biggest sports, it's all out in the open. There's, there are levels to all of the bureaucracy. Look at the Urban and, Meyer and deal. And all the whole deal. I mean, right? it's just. Look at the Urban Meyer deal that's going on right now with uh, what teams he coached, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Dude's playing grab ass at a bar, right? With some chick. And it you it's unavoidable. I mean, they're the team's having to issue a press release about it. Everybody's having to talk Why about it. Why can't they just be proud of him? <laughs> I know you high fived him. Did you shoot him a text? Do you have Urban Buyer's like, number? Because you're like, hey man, listen. Hey, well, you this, know, you know, that's awesome, actually man. an interesting point, Wes, because we we were talking about this the other day. Urban Meyer came from an environment where he had total control and yeah. there were less levels to that whole deal. But then he gets into an even bigger sport and there's more transparency. How is it that the smaller the sport, the the uh, less the transparency? Right? I mean, yeah. That's a great point, dude. I mean, that's like he can do whatever he wants. He does no wrong in college sports. Right. I mean, he decides. I mean, there have been huge, freaking, insane, like things bad that have happened on college campuses because people in power 
There is zero transparency. There is no system. There is no checks and balances. No one's got it. No one's going to hold anyone accountable, right? But then you look at in its pro sports. He goes to the NFL and he tries that stuff. And I mean, he's getting grilled. I mean, he's probably going to lose his job, right? I mean, this this is a bad deal. He needs to lose his job anyway. I don't know if you've seen the Jaguars. Not really. <laughs> I don't pay a lot of attention to it, but. I just think it's interesting because at the highest level, I mean, I think the NFL probably sets the standard for sports, right? I mean, yeah. there's is there, yeah. it's the I mean, biggest yeah, sport in the it's world, It's the benchmark. Right? It's the benchmark. Followed they, they by the they NBA, that, they think they owe that to the fans and the media to, you know, to dive into whatever what, whatever topics going on at the time, right? You know, mm -hmm. the the actual NFL, and, and I think the NHRA does not do that at all like no can, i mean there's no better example than the controversy with aaron stanfield yeah, yeah well, they, they, they there's, it, that's it, what you guys think you know and there's like, too much sensitivity and that's how it is i mean urban yeah. meyer is just getting raked across the coals across the nation but this dude's still got to show up to press conferences he's still got to show up to the game he's got a coach he's got to do his job in drag racing there's there there's a lot of walking on eggshells everybody is afraid of, for their yeah, job yeah right everybody's scared to death of getting canned um, Which is odd for such a bold sport. I mean, these guys are daredevils or whatever you want to call it. I mean, brave. Oh, guys. no one wants so, to be the one yeah. that says anything. But I mean, it's very, yeah, very eggshell. And it's until we, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, we treat this show every week like there's a, where it's 40 million people watching. I mean, I guess here in the after hours, we kind of get a little loosey goosey. But I mean, we try to. Chad Green making a pretty impressive run, it would appear. Yeah. Early shut off, smart, saving the parts for race day. But um, I do think that you got to, if you want to go to the big dance, like you got to act like it. You got to right. dress the part. And I think dressing the part is having press conferences. When there's a tough thing to talk about, you got to talk about it anyways. I mean, Urban Meyer wasn't comfortable during that press conference. I mean, you could see the sweat like on his lip. He was massively uncomfortable, but he had. That was probably from dancing. It was probably from dancing, you know. And he, uh, those chicks, they drug it. him out on the. He dance hadn't floor. even gone to bed yet. That they night. drug yeah. him. Out he just went straight to the press conference. That's right. I mean, it's but like he, was having he has to talk about it. The owner of the team has to talk about it. The players are having to talk about it. The media, and I just think that that's heavy as the head that wears the crown. When you're a big deal, what did he say? No fame, no blame. Yeah. That was a great line. I've actually not heard that before. Maybe it's a common thing, but Clay Milliken said, no fame, no blame. So like that's recognizing that, hey, if your name's out front or if you're the big deal, you're going to have to deal with the, the fallout and the bad news and answer those tough questions. And I do get frustrated because I think the NHRA has missed a lot of opportunities to kind of inject themselves into the conversation or to keep a storyline going by refusing to talk about it. Yeah. You know? It just it just reeks of of just not not giving a shit about the fans, you know. That's, yeah, really. that's JT's I mean, that's take. He's 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 solid on that. He was I he am. said the same thing a couple weeks ago. They just don't I, care. I am. They, they don't. They don't. They say, "Hey, this is what we're doing, and we don't care what you think." I mean, that's period. What they do all the time. It is. I it's mean, and there's uh, there's no system. There's no account of uh, checks and balances, whatever you want to call it. It's so we're so. I think we're holding people accountable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly do They're think gonna run to some extent here. we're going to run us out of here. We made it four hours without bashing NHRA, and then now we're going to get run out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, and we're not even. I mean, I just think that these conversations need to be had, and that's the thing is, I don't want to. I love them. I love the NHRA, and I think that's sometimes where it gets like warped. Is that I love the NHRA. I mean, listen, multiple times throughout my yeah, career, we, we I've tried be. to kiss the ring. I mean, yeah. I have intentionally tried to kiss the ring. We, we want it. We want better. We want to grow. I said relatively small compared to a concert. I don't want to have to say that. No. We all. I want to. I want all of these um, 
entities to work together to make this deal bigger. But it's almost like they're too protective for their own good. Right. It's one of those things, it's like in a relationship where it's like, if you love something, let it go, right? And I think about how protective they have been historically with things as easy to get as photos or videos and how, you know, nobody's getting that. You can't stand there and take pictures. You can't stand there and take pictures, you know, because it's like they're so protective of it and they, they want to control it so badly that they're sucking all the life and, and creativity and energy and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, I mean, I think that that's a real thing that happens. I don't know how the hell I got off on that, but I don't it's know, easy whatever. to do. We quickly, you know, you know <laughs> go is. off the rails. How do we get, uh, look in that box there for a splitter so we can split. Don't we have another set of headphones or how are we going to get audio to everybody so that Tucci can get over here? No, I want to. We want to Tucci. Come over here and just sit between us. Grab this chair here. Come on. Tucci's on TikTok. He can hear. He'll be able is to he, hear everything he except JT. And we we'll gotta, just give me two seconds. That'll be find fine. A pair of, hey JT, do sign sign language and then I will. Yeah. 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 It might be fun for him not to hear me. And Stan Wexford is saying boys F one in soccer dwarf the NFL. I think I'm talking about in America. You know what's funny? Those are world those, sports. Uh, the the salary cap deal. I looked it up really quick. As when we started talking about that with F1, they have a uh, a uh, decreasing salary cap. Really, it's 145 million this year. It's 140 million next year. It's 130 million in 2023, and they're trying to control the cost in that sport by decreasing it every year. Whereas these other sports, they generally go they go up, but at least they do have a salary cap, except for MLB. Hold on, real quick, guys. I'm trying to figure out some. I was going to change the audio. We need beer. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't we know. Did, we, you, did, we didn't I, even I bring him drink, on. Sir, we didn't even, we didn't do I Tucci didn't right here. Show. I yeah. Do you, do you drink? Hours. Not really. Never. I drink beer. No, you <laughs> don't. I had two with uh, Steve Whiteley last night. I've Jim never White. seen you drink ever. Here, I want you to take my spot real quick while I fix this, the audio problem. If I take the spot, you're out. That's good. Go for it. You guys run the show. <laughs> here we go. Let's get, yeah. we got to get Tucci to do a script read. <laughs> Yes. Right. Which Good one shot. do we want? All right. Hi, everybody. How's What's up, we, we put Tucci on, and then we immediately put him to work. It doesn't matter. I'm the guy. It, they all know it. How you doing there, Silverado Sergeant? What's up, buddy? How's that truck <laughs> running? Pretty good? Pretty good, yeah. Only a couple dents in it, you know, so far, so... The dents aren't what I'm talking about. My nephew's got the same identical truck. That's why I didn't want to hurt your feelings. He had to go and call GM to get the computer burnt out of it. Oh, cool. But don't, if that happens, don't call on me. Anyway. Okay, I won't. A uh, big thank you to Stroud for jumping on board with Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show this year. And uh, thank you to the Cunningham family. They're great people. And uh, just remember, safety users are never losers. You remember that? Yeah, that's why you've got six kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so five. Uh, oh, five. Sorry about that, young man. Remember, each and every episode of the show is uh, made possible from the way and the friends of Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment, from drag shoots and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves, and blankets, all 100% made in America. The logo Stroud Safety says it all. Don't forget them on stroudsafety.com. Make sure you tell them that we sent you. How about Man. that? Man, that was good. Did you hit record on that, no. JT? Because we're going to need that. Yeah. yeah. So I have to cut that out. You got to cut it out? Was that bad? No. 
We no, need to like, record it so that we can just hit a button. Oh, Bam. wait a minute. Tucci. I get paid Bam. for that stuff, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. See, oh, now, now we have to pay for it. it. He's, he's copywriting it right, right now. That's all right. <laughs> Want to do another one for me? How about that? Remember, friends and racers, the West Buff Show is brought to you by our friends at Elite HP. The world leader in use. The world leader, excuse me, because I don't want to get beat up by those big guys. I've seen how big they are. Let me start that over. Cut that one out. Ready? Ready. Take 37. Remember, friends and racers, the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by real racers who speak the tribal language of motorsports and can steer you in the right direction for all your racing needs. Check their inventory out at www.elitehp.com. Problem solved. What a legend. Man, you know, Wes and I talked about this a little Sorry bit. Tucci has a history in this sport. And actually, we pulled up videos from the 90s, early 90s. 35 years behind the microphone. Yep. Hey, some of the, fix, some of the Super Chevy shootouts. Mike, uh, Mike, will you flip that microphone down a little bit? This one? Over there. Not yours. The other one. Mine? One? Yeah. There, that one. Yeah, there you go. You got to get up on that one. Get, get up on it? Get your mouth on it. Really? Oh, oh. that's... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> to Drag Illustrated. It's the Late Night Hours show with Wes Buck and Michael Carpenter. I can call Michael, but I haven't known him that long. What do you got, Wes? Man, uh, I'm just happy that you're here. Thank Let's, you. Uh, we didn't talk about this at all. I don't know how the hell, or excuse me, how did we get through three hours and 27 minutes and have never talked about the Bubba Stanton, Stevie Fast Jackson? <laughs> well, we were going to save it. That, I thought you were going to talk about it with Billy Meyer. I meant to. Um, let's, let's break it down. What about the guy it? who lived it, dude? Yeah. Come on, Michael. You've been to a lot of drag races. You were dragging a Kimby chewing bubblegum when you were a kid. What's your saying, Al? If you're not feeling it, you're not living <laughs> it. If you're not feeling it, you're not living it. That means like he says, his goosebumps. Uh, yeah. That means he's living it. T take us through that, Al. So, I mean, basically for those, uh, if you haven't checked it out on, uh, the World Wide web, uh, Stevie Fast Jackson goes head to head, right? With, uh, Bubba Stanton with a hundred and $40,000 on the line. That was with side, but side bets, excuse me, and everything included. But that went on for over two weeks. That, that, that the, the built up. The building up. I mean, money. it was like the, uh, the steaming volcano before you had the red lava coming to the village. And we lived in the village. It was awesome. It was crazy. So between, like, let's, we've talked enough about pomp and circumstance and all that, right? And Wes has said those words 50,000 times. I get it. Um, but the drag race itself, we see Stevie Fast Jackson in the left-hand lane, the pit side lane. I believe it's the Phil's trailer sales lane here at the Texas Motorplex. Going up against Bubba Stanton in the Toyota lane on the, on the spectator side. Uh, both cars screw blown, Hemi powered Pro Mods uh, on big tires. I do think there was a little bit of confusion about that, maybe uh, at least based on the comments that I saw really? uh, on social media and on YouTube. But uh, these two guys, big, not big burnouts, Pro Mod burnouts, you know, back up and just the, what did you say? Ants at a picnic. They People. They were ants at a picnic. Someone had spilt the honey, man. They just came running. It was crazy. It's probably my favorite thing that happens at a drag race. It happens at ducks races. It happens at our races where it starts to get serious and everybody migrates to the starting line. And I know there's a bunch of safety people that are out which, there like Which may or may out. not even be the best place to watch the race. But no. it's like, I got to be up there. It's Everyone that else energy is. you yeah. talked about. You yeah. know, you remember you were talking about the energy that's being built here and you can feel it on Monday Night Nitro when we lived it. You know, we were just L. Michaels away from being like professionally on television that night. But I'll tell you what, it was cool. The energy and then all of a sudden, 
I see Michael walk in there. I see you walk in. I go, hey, I'm getting in. I'm walking in on the deal. I want to feel it. You know what I mean? There's nothing like a hot rod cap in the shin. <laughs> a hot rod cap to the shin. It happens, oh, man. Yeah. I uh, So basically, long story long at this point, unfortunately, uh, Stevie Fast Jackson, time's undisclosed. This was a no time affair, no scoreboards on, right? They go uh, side by side, welded together. They go replay on Jumbotron here immediately after the run, which is a killer deal. But it would appear that Stevie got him by like a, a half a fender. A thousandth from the office. They said, we won't tell you anything, but it was a thousandth of a second. Are you serious? A thousandth. I went to Stevie Jackson right after the race and I had to go talk to him. I just, because all the, you know, he gives a good beating, but he took a good beating this last couple of weeks. Yeah, he did actually. So I went down there and I said, what was it? He goes, man, when we left that starting line, I saw, this is his words. I saw Bubba and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm looking at Bubba's fender and I'm looking at Bubba's door. And also I'm looking at his door and I'm looking at his fender. And then I started going to Billy. Billy Stockland, you better put something in this mother. Because if I get, and he goes, man, we came there and we were, we were tire to tire, nose to nose at that stripe. He goes, man, I seen that green. That's the only thing that let me know is that big green glow in the night. I'm like, woo. He was just so pumped up. But then when he seen the ticket, he's like a thousand it was a whole shot victory. Man, it was uh, it was an impressive thing. And to me, what it really there was a couple things that happened Monday night. The two top fuel cars, Mitch King and Scott Palmer, Bubba Stanton and Stevie Jackson, but also the the two Nitro Pro mods that really to me just made me want to see match racing come back. In the around. dark. In the dark. That was the magic word. That was insane. Oh, when I goodness. saw the lights go out, I'm like, you gotta be. We didn't kidding tell me. you this, Murder Tundra. Brace yourself for this. Uh-oh. So they're gonna run these Nitro Pro mods, right? So they're the last two cars that are going to duo down the track. And as you know, Nitro had her flames. So Tucci's in the tower. We're down on the starting line. The two cars come under the the tower. They turned the lights out. All the track lights. Remember, though, there's lights going, like stage lights at a heavy metal concert, going red, blue, smoke coming out from the bottom of the light towers. And the cars are getting, the guys are standing there getting ready to go. West Bucks walking around. He can't even get enough camera action. He's like, I cannot believe what I'm about to see. And the music's going. I mean, I don't know if they have back in black going or she's a fast machine. It was just unbelievable. The tension, right? It was nuts. And then, like, literally, though, but I don't know. With all the lights off, it really was odd. Like, because you turn, I turned and you, somebody said, they're turning the lights off. And I turned around. And I see like this light go out and doof, doof, and it goes dark. And I mean, that is absolutely well, insane. Elon had said they had a production meeting and the, someone came up with that idea and then they ran it by the guys and they were like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. That's a, we'll do it. <laughs> you don't get, like, listen, I mean, I guess if you have already made the commitment that you're getting behind the wheel of a, <laughs> of a nitro top fuel, I mean, yeah. saying nitro pro mod, doesn't do it justice. I mean, this is no. That is it's, it's ridiculous. Pro mod is good. Yeah, that's that's what it has to be because we've had nitro pro mod. We've had nitro that's, coops. That's an awesome name, right? Right there. Why don't you put that in your little go deal. JT? Go to GoDaddy and register that right put now. That in your little deal. Put that in my little deal. Says Tucci. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That goes along with the other <laughs> one. I gave the pro 12. models. It's not a pro 13. Pro models. The pro models. Oh, this was a great one that that Tucci had last night. Pro models. Pro like I'm walking like out the of the fog girls. down there, you know. The pro models. This was yeah. everything that a Swedish bikini contest had, except the bikini contest chicks. 
It was unreal. I mean, I don't care. Could you imagine seeing stilettos get stuck in the glue? <laughs> it was, I, it was an awesome show. show, man. And I just think we need Matt Tracy back. We but did. You, you got to see that with your dad. Yeah. I, you know, I that saw was it. A I mean, a little bit of it. But yeah. I, I that's think, how, that's how it was built. That's how his career, that's how a lot of these early guys career was built was match racing. Absolutely. And that's how I, I say it every time. That's how the early nitro guys' career was built as well. Oh, they, yeah. they augmented their income or career or whatever with those match races. It's critical. Scott Palmer will tell you that same thing. He wants to bring that back to him. They think, had uh, to, man. They had to run on a Wednesday night at US uh, 30. One, yeah. And then they'd go to Indiana mm-hmm. to the old Indiana track. They said they build engines in the trailers on the way to places. It was about how many times could you race in a week? I mean, these guys were quantity quantity over quality, I guess. They would race anywhere as long as they could get a race. Just to put a, a Sorry about that. I don't know if you guys thought. Just to add lib a little bit to that, the uh, Arnie Bedswick, I've been doing them for many years. Good showman, puts on a great show, no longer a driver, but he. I asked him, I have it somewhere on a film that I took, a, a tape of VHS, and I said, How, he had this, he had How about that, man? That was awesome. He had Pontiac in his back pocket. I mean, he had him right there. They gave him the the parts he needed all the time, the blocks. I mean, all the trick pieces. And he said, there was no money. I I go, why didn't you go to pro stock? He goes, just the money. I could go somewhere three nights a week, like Mike said, and I made enough money that I didn't have to really run the farm. Yeah, those guys toured around a lot of the races that my dad was at. uh, Those guys and um, uh, Arnie and uh, who did he always race, Al? He raced Dino Don, Dino Don out of yes. California. Yeah, I was having a blend. I got a great story real fast because I'm not going to be – I'm one of those guys who get to the highs. Uh, Dino Don, Great Lakes Dragway, yep. Arnie Beswick. Arnie just discovered the nitrous oxide, how to get it tuned up on the car. They brought it out. Dino Don and Arnie Beswick go down for the best out of three for like a Labor Day weekend or one of those weekends. And uh, they go for the best out of three. Dino Don comes up there, has no idea that Beswick has put the injection of nitrous oxide on his car. And he gets, I think my dad had something to do with this. I I, I don't know. But he did. He gets, he hoses Dino Don Nicholson. Three laps. Dino Don doesn't even want to do an interview. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. And he's like, livid. The next uh, Memorial Day weekend, that year, the following year, Dino Don comes back with the spray on it, man. And I mean, he, what let, it's about. he let the farmer have it. He turned him into a Jiffy Pop, man. I'm telling you what, <laughs> it's incredible. Pop. And just to see that, you know, the the, the battles. I mean, those guys. But that's they, when it was based around the driver. And I thought it was interesting, Clay said today, that they're worried if they implement some kind of standard health policy or whatever, that guys will take advantage of that to put other drivers in the car i got a sniffle but but someone someone like clay or an alex laughlin or any of these guys that i feel like are more on the independent side and bring funding or bring something to the table they're not getting out of the car if it did happen it would be on what clay called the factory teams or the the corporate back teams where they would do that i i don't see that happening i think it's something that nhra seriously needs to look at and in that situation we can't Politics aside, everything aside, we can't treat 
COVID differently. It has we, to be the type. Yeah. It has to be the type of medical issue. Right. I mean, look at Michael Jordan. Yeah. Played with the flu, won right. a championship, and that's what makes him. And that's what makes him a legend, right? It does. And, and I mean, that, I was that, trying to toe up to that with Clay because I didn't want to upset him because I agree with his. I agree with what he's saying, but I also understand that it's a slippery slope. It is it a slippery is. slope, that's especially right is. now exactly. while it's still new. But long term, it's got to be treated the same. There needs to be a standard policy there. Sure. Question: Would you guys buy tickets? Do you think Bubba Stanton, Stevie Jackson, we saw them go head to head? And I'm switching gears here. Again. But I want to talk about match racing. Is that a sellable show? Like, could you bring Stevie Jackson? We saw him on back to back nights, which was kind of a unique experience. We saw them race for 140 grand on Monday night. Tuesday night, they meet in the semifinals, as fate would have it, delivered from it. the racing gods. Same lanes. Same lanes. Unbelievable. Yeah, Bubba night. gets his revenge. Bubba gets his revenge and on a and, whole shot. And what do I say? Not, we not need whole, to get him back the here. The whole again. damn shot. <laughs> we need to get him back here and go the best out of three. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Sorry to spit all over you. but That's all right. The I whole my, damn I shot. My, I had my shot. The whole <laughs> damn shot, right? Oh, hey, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Oh, cheer. oh, look at They're going to try to get me take advantage of me. Yeah. Anyway, these are two good. We're doing shots. Last night. Look, look, I got I got special shots for today. Hey, do not drink that. That's been in the fridge of the office for three or four years. Go for it. Murder, Don't Tundra. drink that. Murder. Murder. Uh. Murder. Yeah, go for it, Tundra. It can't be good, bro. Ooh. That's been in the fridge for That's it's alcohol. It's alcohol. What do you mean? The alcohol. The shit, this stuff I like bad. how JT has a whole variety throughout the show. Go we get, just have go one, get everything in, all that's in the cabinet stuff. above my desk. Oh, There's a lot of weird stuff up there. There's some weird stuff. Um, we what have a lot. Of, what if he doesn't come back? After he that might twin? not. He may not come back. <laughs> this Dude, is, like, this is what he does. This is what he does on conference calls. He'll just all of a sudden it ends up being just a chair. He we'll have like back. the most important meeting we're ever, we've ever had at Drag Illustrated. Like and we're having this big conference call. Hold on, guys. A UBS man's here. Hold on, guys. My real estate agent's here. Hold on. I got to go let Chad in. Hold on. Tim's here. I mean, it's just a nonstop party at the office in Missouri. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It really is. But well, would you buy yeah. a ticket? I'm asking. I'm serious, though. Like, yes. could you see, is there a world where Stevie Jackson versus Bubba Stanton's on the top of a flyer? I think it's like Stevie Jackson versus the world. Stevie versus all comers. Like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's the name. Nothing against Bubba Stanton. No, but Bubba, Bubba's pretty darn good on yeah. Facebook, man. He'll I'll, put it in. Yeah, but I'm you, saying Stevie's got that name value at this point. It could just be he's just taking on all comers at tracks around the country. And he ain't scared. I mean, he don't care what your name is as long as you got a hand of green. He said, what are the odds? He said, do you know how many times he told me down here when they won that race, the Baker's dozen, the vet, he told me how many times it takes to win and be a champion. He goes, your percentage. He said the percentages to me. I've never even heard anyone say that. He goes, 77% before you're even good. You're going to have 77% losses before you're any good to be good. Wow. Ask him to correct the number, but he didn't. I'm like, for real? He goes, for real. He goes, I'd rather tune those cars than be the monkey any day. And how fired up were those guys after that win last night? I almost feel, I could almost see in Stevie's reaction. Oh, they were. He lost that previous round to Bubba. Like they, like he got it back. Like, yeah, I we t- I tuned that car, helped tune it, whatever his, his actual involvement is. Got it back against above. You know, like he's he takes it seriously, and he wanted that one back. They wear yeah, those well. wins and losses like on their shirt sleeve. I mean, it's literally like we may as well be out there with like a little knife, like taking some skin because <laughs> it, it hurt before that run. 
in the the $25,000 race, Stevie had gone over to his pits. And right when he walked in, he said, yeah, but there won't be no betting. Get out of here. He wouldn't bet him again. Bubba said, no, I'm not betting. Those guys are banana. Yeah. I'll tell you, Phil Schuler will bet on anything. He'll Stevie did a dance on the line times. last night. He did? Yeah, he almost did a dance after that win. I mean, it was and crazy. Jim Whiteley? Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I've never seen Jim Whiteley more excited than I saw him. Last I think they night. were just ha- they were super happy. They for were him. having fun. John yep. Baker yeah. is a great guy, longtime crew guy. I don't know. We need to do a story on that. Like as soon as we get off here, we're calling Josh, senior editor, Nash, uh, uh, national director, Dragon <laughs> Illustrated Magazine. Uh, call uh, call up uh, Nate Van Wagner. We need to get some interviews going. Yeah, that uh, happens. Yeah, it's on three quarters of a beer or a quarter of a beer later. And I'm you drank. You drank all the good stuff, or I did. He's- Hey, here. I mean, hey, you, see, you he's like, been down here drinking party. beer. My I don't know what happened. Got he, me that. He's been drinking beer Pop-pop. all week. Pop, uh, I did not buy that shit. Something, something's happened down here. That was a present. Yeah. I got that in the mail from oh, something it? on the show. Anyway, I'm like you because you're a very solid guy. I was talking to Baker. I was, and I go, the heck, man? I go, you work out? He goes, every day. And his wife goes, and so do I. I go, really? Are you on any type of meds for that he goes just testosterone <laughs> just testosterone and, listen, and then he goes ask her and i looked at her and i ain't going into it You're <laughs> dude it was so funny one time out there's a, a related party someone involved in that whole group i don't want to name names a friend of mine was uh had the flu at uh it was at the four wides like three or four years ago in hra and uh this guy goes my buddy's not feeling well and we had told him like yeah uh, my, my buddy's not feeling very well. He's like, oh, come over to the trailer. I'll give him 500 milligrams of testosterone. That'll that'll change the day. That'll help. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, my God, that explains a lot. I'd be but, tripping on myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get over center. You know what I mean? Um, listen, uh, last night, John Baker winning that race. It was so cool to present him with that belt buckle. Yep. Thanks for the picture. Um, it, it was a cool moment for him. Can you imagine being a crew guy? All these years. I mean, now he's a top dragster racer. He's got a top dragster. He's raced. But, like, this is high-level stuff, right? And you've been crewing on the car. You just busted your ass all weekend in Tulsa at the Midwest Drag Racing Series event. And the same car doubled and would run it up twice at two two races. So, you know, they. I mean, they made 100 runs in the last few days. I mean, uh, more than some people race in multiple months. I think that's... That's key. It's key. We talked about it on the way over here yesterday. That momentum, getting into a routine, more seeing the tree a lot. But this guy jumps behind the wheel and goes 0-15 in the final. Wins over Bubba freaking Stanton, right? This notorious outlaw racer with a was racing for over $100,000. Pro Extreme Champion. Pro Extreme Champion. 2014, got a sign in his own town. He was so good. If John, if I'm John Baker, <laughs> I'm done. Just quit. Take I mean, a while. Like, Lyle's testing that turbo car. Looking better each pass. I think they're getting that Looks thing like dialed he in. made it to like 700 feet. Got the shoots out, coasted to a 657. Justin Elks and the crew from Justin Modern Elks. Racing down there. Anthony Loom. Lum. Anthony Lum. Is that what it is? Yeah, Anthony I think Lum. so. Mike Earl. Earl. Yep. Burl Ives' his I son. I see uh, Chad from Bang Shift down there, Justin oh, Elks. Oh, that's not Burl Ives' son. Oh, that's what I think it might be. Um, but how about everybody, that? Like, so, everybody, in the <laughs> everybody in the stands, shut up. Yeah. All right, let's uh, next thing. He Are we gonna this morning at the Conoco? <laughs> oh. What about is anybody gonna go 300 miles per hour in a door car? Let's everybody yeah, answer. It's gonna happen. Yeah. It's think, going to is happen. it gonna be Scott yeah. Palmer? Hey, listen. I think I was, so. I don't think that they'll they'll unleash the, the turbo deal to be able to do that. When I was sitting in Tulsa and um, Shane T won 221. 
and he texts me every time and he says it's driver error when he went 219 almost 220 i go man that was good he goes you see the car move it was there too but it was driver error he went 221 but but i know if if scott kind of starts this like alternate league or something where like we're just crazy and we're gonna try to break these records and someone kind of signs up to take the reins off one of these turbo deals do you think someone will do that you said you talked to carl stevens well, you I'll talked tell to you, shane like, t would someone sign up to try to like compete here was with my Scott? pitch and i'm going to say this out loud because maybe the folks at flow are listening um flow racing shout out to those guys go subscribe flowracing.com slash drag illustrated make sure you use slash drag illustrated working on a discount Give me a minute working on a discount so everybody can get like a break. Um, everybody that watches the show, you guys deserve that. You deserve more than that. But I had a conversation with Carl Stevens. So Carl Stevens Jr. won the World Series of Pro Mod um, the, the second year we were out there, He's 2018, Bell, right, in Jim Bell's Pro Mod Camaro. Um, I, I think Carl's a, an innovator. He's an envelope-pushing guy. If you remember, he kicked ass and took names in Pro Extreme right? With a turbo car consistently running over 220 miles an hour, right? So they, uh, I had a conversation with Carl and I said, would you be interested in, I wanted to make a movie. I said, I think we should make a four part documentary series, like some stuff you'd see on Netflix, the quest for 300 or something like that, or call it 300 with like a little bit of a ripoff of the, the Spartan movie, or whatever, yeah. but like You're chronicle something, chronicle Carl Stevens trying to go. So what I wanted to do was rent a track for a week. Like, hey, we're going to go to a track that's really good. Go to VMP um, with a lot of shutdown. Go to VMP and uh, literally day one, we're going to set up and film all of that. Then day two, we're going to get the car out. We're going to, you know, get it warmed up, get it ready to go, maybe go through the changes that we're having to make, any sort of safety things that we're going through to make sure that nothing bad happens. This idea um, is getting the, stolen, by the, the way. Dosa. And yeah. then I'm going to write this down. Hey, the, yeah, I, yeah there's, a pat, there's a patent yeah. on this so right now. If, like this, if this drag illustrate deal doesn't work out, I'm making this movie. But don't, but I'm not, so – and then you go through like the nuances of trying. So, and I just basically make a deal with Carl, like, Hey buddy, we're going to run this thing until we go 300. And if we don't get it done by Saturday night or Sunday night, we're going to have to try again, but like, we're going to make as many runs as we've got to make. We're going to bring motors. We're going to freshen this thing up. Anything, whatever we got to do and chronicle the whole thing. And the name but, of the movie is 299 plus one. With one oh, driver. No, oh. two ninety nine plus one, and the unless one we get, I unless think, we get two film crews, and then we have Scott. But I mean, and I almost Carl looked at me and he goes, "Well, what if we don't get it done?" Because he told me he goes, "Hey man, I've done the math on it. It doesn't matter." At that point, that's you what I told him. I said, "Hey, dude, wait a minute. He that did almost, the math. He thinks he." Oh, he told it. me. He looked at me. And he goes, "And that's honestly what would keep something like that from happening because they wouldn't do this whole deal. They didn't think they would get it done. But I think that the struggle and all of the I trauma the that best would be news created is that by it that didn't happen. Yeah." Because like, then, then we could do a sequel. I mean, dude, they're fixing to have Deontay Wilder and, and uh, Tyson Fury fight for the third Incredible. time Saturday night. Incredible. Like, So, like, if he fa- if we didn't get it done, I told him, like, don't put a bunch of pressure on yourself about it if we can't get it done. Because if we can't get it done, we'll just come back and do another yeah. season. We'll just come back and try again, and we'll we'll ch- make changes to the car. But he he already, like, spec'd turbos from, from Garrett. He already spec turbos from Garrett Turbochargers. He was telling me about gear ratio experimentation that they've done, um, a lot of the different – and he told me about some runs that they've made in testing where he's like, listen, if, if, I, if we wanted to – it, it's there. 
And I mean, I think we saw Scott Palmer almost reluctantly talk about it because I think Scott knows that oh, it's, knows. it's out he's there like one of these he, turbo he guys. very intent. Like he's on a mission to do it because he knows that some competition's around the corner. He knows? knows because he said it right here. He goes, I got to do it before the turbo. Yeah. Right? So he, he knows. Said it. He, goes, he, he knows. Knows. He, he yep. said, I've heard it. In yeah. Me. I had not heard that whole intel there. Wes will set you up and leave you on here with no intel and you'll just say something. He'll just have all this information that makes you just look like an idiot. No, dude. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, oh, it's uh, – but don't cheers. you think that's interesting? Good. I think that that would be yeah. two ninety nine plus one. Two ninety nine plus one. Hey. Cheers, Murder Tundra. To the movie, the sun going plus down one. at the end of the track in oh, Virginia Motorsports Park. I can see it. The guys coming out with tunnel talk. The echo under that tunnel when they're talking. Someone tag Tyler Crossno. There, there's our there's our voice. And see if uh, right TC Tyler Crosso see Tyler Crossno see if he would let us do that at VMP because the thing is you're going to have oh, to yes. get some people on board because I don't want to I'm not going to pay a bunch of money to rent the track like I need. Like you're going to need, <laughs> they're going to get the credit for the run. They should give you the track. That's what I'm saying. Like, because you got to get some people on board. Like I talked to Carl. I said, man, we need to get, um, I actually, you know, who was going to do this? And it's era, Steve Matusik, Steve Matusik at Aramo. Cool. Oh, he yeah. told me, he said, Hey, listen, if Carl really wants to do this, we'll get involved. You know, obviously we got to make sure Carl's got a, you know, aeromotive pump on the car, but like, and I think that's what it's going to take is someone, because I don't think there needs to be like a huge cash prize at the end of it. You know, I don't think Carl even wants that. But if somebody could help offset the cost, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to we're going to get a track partner that's going to pay the freight on that. They're going to prep the thing to the nines all week, um, get a sponsor that's going to offset some of Carl's expenses, because it's obviously going to be a huge. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Team Palmer at this point. Well, I'm hey, I'm on Team Palmer, too. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, I mean, I think I think the race to 300 is on. And I think that if a, if a Jose Gonzalez caught wind of this and like, cause he's, he was the guy that was showing up at PDRA races saying, Hey, prep it to the quarter mile. I don't care if I can run in competition or not. I just want to try to run this thing out the back door illegal, you know, with outlaw conditions. Yeah. Um, it, it wouldn't be, I mean, are we that far away from two, three, four guys trying to do this? It's interesting. It's something yeah, I hadn't really even considered, but yeah. you know what? You could make it like one of those documentaries at the Bonneville salt flats, how they do that. And they, they take the three guys and Palmer's one of them and uh, Carl Stevens and whoever. Yeah, this would be a great show. And then you can say, and you do little bits in their pits and they're away from each other. And then you go over there and you say, what are your thoughts? You know, you're up first. You make them do like the illegal chip grab to see who gets the first shot at the track, like in that stuff and say, okay, you get the first shot at it. Knowing can you imagine the intensity? Oh, the intensity. On like Thursday imagine, when they've been running for two or three days. Can you imagine the tickets you could sell for people to want to just watch that? Even though it's a mellow deal, it's quiet, and you just have 10,000 You tickets. likely know more than I do, Al. Like, do, what did, What was the – how many tickets did, like, Evil Knievel sell to, like, the Snake River Canyon jump thing? Did you see the place? Yeah, there was I a mean, lot. besides right? the 35,000 Hells Angels that were there. You know, they were just hanging But don't out. you think we could turn oh. that into a sellable yes. event? Absolutely. Yes, you could. And like that's what would get them on board is yeah, promotion, sure. involvement. If we got some kind of major production going behind it, that's all. all I right. think that's all it would Real take. Real fast. Close your eyes and open them fast. Go. 299 plus one. <laughs> oh, no. I like it. <laughs> it blangs up. It blangs up on the screen and they're going, be there. Hey, You'll let's talk be about for two another minutes. interesting thing. Oh, wait a minute. I got to do the info. One. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, Sorry, wait, Michael. Wait, I know wait, that you're wait. a nitrous guy. I saw you last night get wooden up to put a bag of ice on your lap. After that. <laughs> oh, <After> Stan Waxberg's <laughs> talking about e-canoe. They'd be in on this. And you could do this in the Middle East. 
you trying to read because they throw it's like an eye test reading Anyways. the comments today all Sorry, right, go guys. ahead michael I, I well apologize. we touched on a little bit and how interesting to see uh, austin crock out testing for john force today what's your take well you you mentioned your take no, now what's your take on john force if he wins the championship this he's season, not going anywhere he's not going anywhere no way Mike win. thinks he's done. I no think, way. Look I at think how healthy the man He's not looks. going he, anywhere as far as his involvement in the sport. No, he's not going anywhere as a driver. But I, and, and I think this deal with Proc, I could kind of see it as him saving wear and tear on his body. I think that this deal is probably getting pretty it's a good, intense. It's and so a, a couple a, of test hits, he's going to sit it out, and he's, he's kind of like a veteran that He's going to be there game seven of the finals, but he might sit out this regular season Yeah, game. but all those professionals, not all of them, but a lot of them have test drivers. I mean, yeah. ProMod, well, Funny Car. Oh, yeah, of, like Troy yeah. like uh, Troy Coughlin yeah, constantly. Mikey Reese. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey Reese, Reese would drive the, the car. Well, it's usually yeah. because they're not there or they're travel, but John's just there. He's he's sitting right yeah, there. Well, he maybe, could be driving. Maybe he is then studying the, the young man. And, 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 how he and we've things. had – Wes had a great interview with John a few weeks ago here on the show. And John said, the stars, the, the new stars are coming. We have to uh, embrace them and we have to make them. He knows. I, th- I think he can see that uh, changeover coming. I think Austin Proc is part of that for his team, his daughter, Brittany. Uh, and just seeing him we uh, at Charlotte, um, I could see in the media center after he qualified number one a few weeks ago in Charlotte on Saturday night, what what it took for him to to pull that off that day and he was gassed he was tired I can, he, I can he, he, he showed up in the media center and he and he answered the questions and he was he was john by and large but then at the end of it he said something like as he got up to walk out he said don't worry guys i'll be all crazy and shit like you want me to be tomorrow after i win this thing See? like he was saving but he's also, saving himself for sunday is, so also, let me just throw I, this I can in the man it. with that kind of funds how do you know they don't just buy the kid a car and put him in with the mix? I don't know. I mean, and they, I, they shake the dice again, right? And they yeah. get another team member. I'm just get- saying, enjoy. We we were worried about this last year when John Force Racing set out the season. Had we seen the last of this? I didn't think and, there was any way. And, you know, you're seeing a legend. It's like watching Brady, uh, if, unless you're JT. It's oh like watching God. Brady. That man, this guy, this guy has Brady. done it all, and he. We're we're obviously closer to the end than the beginning. Enjoy it while it's there. I mean, I agree I with you on the championship thing. Yeah. If he wins a championship, you'd have to sit and back and think and say, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. But I also believe in the going away party. The good. This is my last year. It brings people in. It brings sells a million. Trillion he's gonna have to. He's gonna. He. Whatever John decides to retire, if he misses it, there, there's no way in the world a businessman of that caliber misses the opportunity to sell all those fucking freaking t-shirts. True. Like I'm just saying, like <laughs> straight up, if you have a, listening. there's no chance Sorry, that that John Force misses the opportunity to do. Yeah, that's the true. final. I've got a John Force story, by the way. Let's hear it. Uh, Lebanon Valley, New York, on a Wednesday night. Over 35,000 people, they hired me to call the race between Chuck Etchells, the rug doctor, the late Chuck Etchells, right, I believe? Is he dead? I'm not sure. Oh, you can, <laughs> look at I'm dealing with guys yeah. that are in the industry. Listen, man, we're Murder not. <laughs> anyway, but listen, yeah, people, we're I'm entertainers. All right, we're, we're not. Going. We're yeah, going. we talked about this. Yeah, we're not historians. I'm, I'm we got to get somebody else. We're entertainers. Hey, unbelievable. Anyway, but I take the, the microphone, and I go down there, and I've got John Force on the left, and 
Etchell's on the right, and he's got the red nose. He's all like, not John, the other guy. And I go, ladies and gentlemen, there's 30,000. I'm not kidding. In Lebanon Valley, New York, jammed all the way to the circle track at the end of the track. I go, ladies and gentlemen, John Force is here. And uh, this is a night we'll never forget. Chuck Etchell's, he's going to race. Chuck grabs the mic from me. He goes, the only reason Force is here to sell T-shirts. And I went, and that's right, and you don't have many of them, so make sure you get one. <laughs> and right when we walk away, and John Force don't know me from Adam, he goes, I don't know how you thought of that that fast. That was pretty good. Thank you so much. Oh, that's classic. That's a man. true story. Really? Yeah, I lived a So lot were they salty towards each other? Well, no. Well, it was just one guy's probably getting uh, $8. 8000 for the night, and one's getting twenty. So, yeah. What year was that? 97, 96. Yeah. I bet he was getting big money for that, to be honest. I bet he was getting a pretty good chunk of change. I you just know, think. Antron Brown out there. Um, His sponsors aren't going anywhere. Uh, I had a meeting with Peak, you know, what, last year, and oh, was talking to. Look at this, T dropping knowledge. Well, yeah, yeah. Wait, who, who's not going anywhere? He, Wait, what were he, you saying, T? There's his sponsor, Peak. They they said, you know Peak what? Andrews. As long as long as John wants to race, we will sponsor that car, and we are not going anywhere. And I mean that's and that's pretty good. To Did hear. they I spend mean, any money with us? <laughs> we're working on it, brother. Okay, good. <laughs> so I want to check. Tell them that we need a check in the mail. But, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll beep that out when, when we do the... Yeah, yeah please do. Beep. Beep. Yeah. Um, but for real, though, <laughs> I think the word... You've got to be careful how I phrase this. It would be fantastic to see John Force win a 17th ring. It would be awesome. Oh, yeah. But for... That will just seal the deal that he's going to race forever. Like I mean, I literally think that's how that i feel if he wins again because he's having to pull out all these tricks i talked about it with clay and we were going to talk about it but like he's double balling guys he's he's dragging his feet I he's taking that. forever to stage he's doing everything he can to win and we've seen john's got it that was salty 380 looked like he clicked it wow, a little literally. early 314 but uh I, I think if john wins another championship we're going to see him if he wins 17 why not win 20 right right i mean that's that me. I mean, he's gonna go it's a he's nicer gonna, number isn't yeah. it 20 it is a nicer number i mean it looks good you it could get every finger into peak 20th anniversary championship winner come on man i don't i just think that if he he's wins got the, he's got the grandkids now a lot of social media posts well, showing the grandkids showing kids are getting older yeah, and then now you, i totally Courtney, see a little john in that one Court, yeah daughter's kids so. just had uh her first i mean that starts to pull on you too it really does, you're, man. You're almost telling me like he's a firewalker or something. I mean, <laughs> the sport's pretty safe here. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, oh yeah. If you this, know, this. I think it's a little more safer than NASCAR from watching, from my point of view, out of the window. Well, I mean, I I don't know what like the stats are. Again, I'm not a, a statistician. I don't want to. I don't even want to go into know. The but I mean, I'm you're right. I mean, I, hey, I've man, seen. I actually think that our sport is incredibly safe. I mean, you think about some of the wild stuff that we've seen happen: cars flying oh, into God. scoreboards and everything. John's had some. Of John's had some I mean, terrifying situations. I think that's part of the legend too. It is. Is that he's what he said? I've seen Elvis at a thousand feet. Yeah. Been on fire from here to Australia. Oh, damn, boats. John! Don't worry about a thing, man. I'm going to put you out. Yeah. Who's that? That's the Tim Wilkerson car again. Oh, that's uh, Hunter Green getting his license. Oh, cool. Chad Green's son. Right? No way. He's not. Yeah, he was driving Tim. Are Wilkerson's you serious? Car. I swear to you. 
Yeah, there's Chad out there on the starting line. Yeah, don't second guess the guy who's the goofball behind the mic. There's reason. Oh, I see Joe that. McHugh down there on the starting line, longtime yeah. drag illustrated photographer. Joe texted I'm, me a minute ago, send Tucci down here with a beer. <laughs> Joe, this <laughs> All the American we will in a heroes. I want to tell you what, though. This car did make I a burnout a few hours ago, and it would not go in reverse. And he had to idle it down track. Oh, really? Okay. I, I've roomed with Joe before, and I'm not sure that he'll ever get over it. But <laughs> Yeah. I, I could, maybe me and Joe should start a club. Did you room with Joe in Denver? Yeah. Yeah, for a couple nights. Yeah. Really? I, maybe a couple different times, too. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Curtis Thomas. Oh, we saw Curtis yeah. Thomas last night here no at the track. Absolutely, yes. man. Huge shout out to Curtis, man. He's we saw us some him. intel here. Someone should take this picture from behind. Legend for the kid. Oh, yeah. No, we don't do that here, here, Al. We don't, we don't do that here. Oh, I'm sorry. Joe, take the picture. <laughs> yeah, Joe's down there. We need to get a selfie. Except for JT. Well, I'll just screen grab this shit. It's fine. <laughs> here we go. Feelings Fire. of animosity. Fire. Whoa, is that nice or what? Dude, is that Dude, really Chad's that's son? Hunter Green. I really? Man, these guys love some drag racing, man. How insane is that, dude? That was man, he's, a, he, that he's was a fun dude to be around. Him and Dean when they're when they're like hanging out watching Mean Dean watching the, Mean yeah, Dean Marinas nights and stuff, it's man. The best, you know, man. Those guys are fun, man. We've got to get they're Dean fun. on this show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mean Dean. Me, Dean's a, an absolutely great, a great interview. You get man. the smell of feta cheese, and Dean goes nuts. His he eyebrows drinks, go up. He drinks good, good tequila. Like he does. Me and Wes, oh, yeah. uh, not. I mean, well, I mean, we, you know, sometimes, but I mean, like really expensive stuff. That real tall bottle, Woo! that skinny bottle, that white bottle got, with the bell on top. Yeah, bells on them and stuff. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Baked Beans is asking top fuel dragster, Mr. Baked Beans. No, he's asking. I think about. Uh, he's Chad asking about Chad Green's son. Yeah. yeah, he's driving a top fuel dragster. Um, Crap, I'm late, says Darth Sniper. No sweat, brother. You can rewatch later. Just log on to the old Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. I do want to thank everybody. We've had an incredible audience today. Uh, seeing these numbers, seeing this thing continue to grow, I, we are uh, blessed beyond measure. We're very excited about this. We're uh, the support of some great sponsors, uh, Stroud Safety, Elite HP, Flow Racing, Jag. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many companies that have supported this project for 16 years. I was going to tell you guys this, but like next year, it really is 16 years since we kicked the doors open at Drag Illustrated. And congratulations to you guys. Thanks, man. Uh, no, you, you've been a. I kind of. I remember I, you when you were wearing no, out we're tennis hug. shoes. Hug. Oh, no, up. hey, Murder T. I'm telling you the truth. Or Silver Serato, whatever I call you. <laughs> Murderado is where we're kind of yeah. trending. Murderado. Listen, <laughs> I I remember him and your sister walking and wearing out shoes for many many years over the ADRL years and remember in the pits and the Never. people didn't want to come up to you. Right. And I walked by you in the pits and they were from Australia. Oh, I do remember, remember this. And I go, this is him. And they go, Oh, it's West. What can we get you? And they took both our pictures. Because <laughs> they, just, did. they did. We've man. It's been a, a wild ride, but I feel Good blessed to have been, uh, Mike has been by my side literally almost since day one bumped. And it's cool because so many of the people that are involved in this are people that I met at the drag strip. Bumped into you, San Antonio, Texas, the spring of 2007. Seven. And uh, that was an incredible year. They repaved the track overnight. It was a complete disaster. Yeah, we had um, plenty of downtime. We had plenty talk, of downtime. Talk uh, world domination in yeah. the future. And we've been working on it for over a decade and Did, a half, didn't you, man. Didn't you see Mike with a with an Apple computer? And like, yeah. that's my guy right there. nice. 
I literally went right. into the tower at San Antonio Raceway Park, and I see this dude sitting at this fancy-looking computer. And I thought to myself, that looked expensive. I bet he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and I literally walked up to him, and I said, hey, man, is that like an Apple uh, MacBook Pro? And he's like, yeah, it's like the brand new gen whatever. Yeah, you know, right. some I did not say that. No, he said <laughs> were you really that did. About it? No, no. but he was – you were, I think, in Photoshop too. Yeah. You were yeah. like looking over his shoulder and I'm like, okay, this guy's working in Photoshop. I'm going to introduce myself. I, I say, hey, whatever. You're Charles Carpenter's son? Awesome. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to get close to you so I can get close to your dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So strategically, start making buddies with Mike. Find out that we're like kindred souls. Our, both of our dads run auto repair shops. Yeah, we're the same really age. Um, all these things. Single sibling. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of parallels. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> getting goosebumps. Yep. Fast forward a decade. I'm in his wedding. He's in my wedding. Uh our kids are friends. It's kind of a crazy thing. Our wives are friends. Our wives are maybe best too of close to friends. It's Slightly too close weird right now. The first time, yeah, yeah, and then it just gets less and less awkward. Then right. he bumped into my sister. Then I bumped into your sister, and now you work for. <laughs> that me. Oh, look at Lisha's watching right now. So romantical, uh, but she's uh, watching on Lisa, Facebook. Lisa's watching, and Lisa's watching. Lisa, hey, Lisa. Oh, nice boots, Lisa and Lisha. Love you. Yeah, as soon as I came in here yesterday, Lisa Tucci was talking about your boots. I won't. At least I'm a silver fox, dear. You <laughs> hang out with those young guys. I, said, I can sit and listen to, to Lisa talk all day long. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. She might either love that or now she hates you, JT. I'm not sure. Alicia loves it's you, okay, too. It's okay either way. I hope she still loves me. I was trying to get her to wear her boots. She's got those exact same boots next time. Now is a great time to plug Corral Boots. Um, you know, she'll, she'll wear them the next time we go to the Cowboys versus Panthers man. And, and have an awesome time. Mark Who it won down. That Six game? or seven years away, Alicia. Who won that game? <laughs> Not the I, don't know. Oh. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. We I don't think, know either because Mike made us leave early. I had, I'd had so many beers by then. I forgot. I'm not sure. Greg anymore. Olson's a commentator now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mike made us leave with like five minutes left to play in the third quarter. He was so upset. What? I never leave. Ever. Oh, Mike goes. He literally, I saw the text. He texts Lisa, <laughs> and the, the, the words were, we are dumb if we don't leave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we were trying to be traffic. I was, I was really worried about traffic. Dude, I sat yeah, down one time. Crazy. We were like, we were like two and that year we're like maybe two and 14. I sat down in the stands, started smoking a cigarette. My buddy looks at me and goes, <laughs> so dude. this was when you could smoke cigarettes in the stands. No, you can no, smoke. It wasn't. Oh, you broke no, up. Was, we can't hear you. No, it wasn't when you were, when you could smoke. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and, and my buddy looks at me and goes, dude, what are you doing? We're going to get kicked out of here. I go, they ain't kicking us out. I mean, my God, people are filing out of this place. Like, <laughs> they're going to keep us here to sell us a few more beers. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to run you off. Uh, it was no. so funny. We were leaving, right? And we, you know, we were doing the the tight seating shimmy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, sticking yeah. our butts in all these people's faces as we, like, try to get out of our row. Uh, front row, 50-yard line. Shout out to Mike and Lisa. <laughs> Very yeah. impressive. Maybe next um, Really, really impressive. But anyways, we're doing the, the shimmy, putting our butts in all these people's face. And this guy at the end of the row, he grabs me by, sh by my shirt and he goes, hey, your buddy's big man. <laughs> well, hey, dude, your dude buddy's sold me. Big I can't man. believe that dude sold me out because I had bought him a beer just not too long before that. I actually kicked his beer over. Because he was so pissed leaving. Yeah. No, I, uh, I didn't do it intentionally. And he was like, what's the, what What's the hell did you do? And I was like, I'll get you another one. Chill out, man. <laughs> That was nice. Uh -oh. It right. was a great time, though, man. You talk about learning. I can see you, Clark Hunt, getting that 
pissed off. You know, oh, I can yeah. really just see ask that. ask Lisa. She has to deal with it all. The He's time. such a mellow Love guy. You, Lisa. This dude. I'll be home the, tomorrow. When the Broncos beat the the Panthers <laughs> in the Super Bowl, Mike didn't talk to me for two weeks. He didn't work like, two weeks. He didn't work. I mean, I was like, hey, man, are you going to be on the conference call? And he's like, it's going to take me a few days to recover from this. I'm like, a few days? It's been a week. Are you kidding me? Emotional. I took I took some personal days. Well, how did you do? How did you do when the kid got stuffed last year? Mahomes. Oh, that was fine. It was JT. He's bandwagon. Oh, he I cheer for whatever team wins. Oh, that, that he can go for figured him can, out, man. Oh, it doesn't the team matter. Wins. It's easy. He can yeah. he can go to like Dallas this year, you know, because he watched hard. Hey man, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. And I just want to cheer for winners. That's what it is. Who knows when this ride's over? And uh, I like to no, Absolutely. I listen, I love the I love the Kansas City Chiefs. I really love Patrick Mahomes. I think that he's great for the league. Oh, you know, yeah. I just think he's a uh, charismatic, good-looking kid, clean-cut, you know, married with a baby, uh, good story, good family. I, do, I don't know. I think it's a great story. And he's the fact that he's playing for Kansas City I think is a very fitting thing. Um, but, yeah, I JT actually – you know what? We could all learn a little bit from T. We say this a lot, and it makes – it pains us. But he wasn't upset about it. He's like, man, they won the Super Bowl last year. Typically, they lose every game they play. Like – um, I mean, like for years, it was struggle, and he he really took it in stride. And it was like um, like Ted Lasso would say, "Be a goldfish." Don't right? get us started on Ted Lasso. Then we'll have to save that for next Ted week. Save save Ted Lasso for next week. Yeah, we got to bounce, All guys. Right. I want to thank everybody so much for being a part of this. Seriously, uh, I think I can speak for all three of us. JT uh, from Missouri, thank you. We can't do this without a big audience. Um, Michael Fusen is asking who's going to win the World Series. Major League Cardinals, baby. Baseball. Cardinals, Cardinals baby, Cardinals says JT. Tonight. Yep. So we're certainly rooting for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I'm from Missouri. Love the show this week, guys. Hey, thank you so much, Mr. Baked Beans. Remember to click like, click share, spread the word, subscribe to the Drag Illustrated YouTube channel. We really feel like we're just getting started. Um, we've, we're on a little bit of a roll here, right? This is what, six, JT, was it six or eight weeks, six, seven weeks in a row of like crushing it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look. You got I'm Curtis more. Thomas convinced that yeah. I actually took two weeks off. It was actually just the next day, Curtis. No, they were like, it was. They, like, they like, were like, let's uh, let's get started super early this morning, the day after the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, we did. We kind of rubbed yeah, it in. Yeah, I, I definitely it. did not try to get started super early after any Super <laughs> yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I was like, guys, ever. like JT no, doesn't get started early like, after Monday Night Football. Yeah. No, you know. And JT, uh, make sure you put this one in the archives. My first time ever on your show. We think we want Al to do more often. Thank yeah, you so we much. we want Al to do a recurring bit, like oh, yeah. Howard Stern has like recurring special guests. I and think Lyle done. Barnett is a yep. is a is a player in Next that. Next week, I'm going to go to the taco place on the street. Well, ladies and gentlemen, man. boys and girls, you yeah. get fart, man. I, I tell you, like Wes, when you're done, I bet Al has a bit to take us out here. Yeah, it's all you. Sign off, Al. Sign us off for the day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of all the great people at Drag Illustrated and the ones that make it happen, the fine people down there from Flow Racing, and uh, we thank them, Elite HP, we thank them, and a special to the newcomers on board, Stroud Racing and Stroud Safety Equipment. Remember, safety users are never losers. And remember, when you're out there and you're in the middle of the beautiful starting line and you see those two guys trying to come at it and they lay down a Beautiful smoky burnout. They lay down the law. That's what it's all about. 
get goosebumps and get to your nearest drag strip. Love you guys. <laughs> awesome. Later, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun.